Oh yeah, 1966, Johnny Rivers, Secret Agent Man. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Dreff and Friends show. On a borrowed computer again, but uh, the good news is I'll be getting my computer back in two days, so next week's show should be back on the regular machine. Today is February 8th, 2017, right now 8.04 p.m. Pacific Time. And that song I played, some people in the chat room are wondering why you're playing Secret Agent Man. Well, no reason I'm playing it, but some, I have a fact about that song and how a small association I have with it. And if you remember, this was in uh, Austin Powers, at least in the first one. I actually know one of the two guys who wrote it back in 1966. I was at his house a number of times. I played on his pool table. I, I know one of the two guys who wrote Secret Agent Man. I don't think I've ever mentioned that before. Obviously, he's a lot older than I am since 1966 was six years before I was born. But I do know him. Anyway, 
Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert, the Druff and Friends show. Tonight we will have Cal Watt as a co-host. Tonight we will have Trey Daruski as a co-host. And they've been the most common two co-hosts over the last few months. Brandon was on one episode recently, but he's been taking a break from the show. Still planning to have his own show, and he might return to the show at some point. Yeah, S double in chat is saying, Druff, you're a secret agent Jew. (laughs) Whatever that is. Okay, so we have a lot of topics tonight. Someone in the chat said, can we just skip the intro? So we're not going to do that, but I'm going to make it fast. And by the way, they also said I sound like I'm in the closet. Or wait, a closet, I'm sorry. Maybe the closet, too. Tell me if I still sound good, because again, I'm on borrowed equipment, and it's hard to configure this particular equipment. I I tried, but you guys have to be the final judges. I I can adjust it, but I want a good sound, because you're going to be hearing me for a while tonight, especially with the very long agenda we have. So... If you want to call into the show, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line is an old 70s rotary telephone, which sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is a mountain near Las Vegas. It forwards to wherever I go. In this case, it's forwarding to our second line into the show. So it's an alternate way to reach the show. That number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. No matter which number you call, you have to show your caller ID. Otherwise, you won't get through. If you try to call the show and I don't answer, you get the voicemail. Don't panic. It just means that we're busy. And try back in 15 minutes or so. We'll probably take your call. Occasionally, I miss a call, too. Usually, I see it. But sometimes someone's frantically calling in. It turns out I didn't see their little pop-up on the screen. So, I'm seeing in the chat room right now, you sound fine, Druff. You're too sensitive about the audio. Content's more important. Well, I agree content's important, but I am very sensitive about the audio because that's all this show is. It's audio. There's no video. I'm not Chicago Joey leaning back in my chair. You're not all staring at me the whole time. You're not seeing me. You're only hearing me. So at least I want to sound good. So, and I'm not insulted if you say the audio sucks. I I just want to change it. They're saying it sounds good, so we're going to go on. Anyway, yes, we have a chat room. If you're listening live, you can go in there and chat with the other listeners who are also listening live. Otherwise, don't bother. There'll be nobody in there. That's... Through the chat button near the top of the screen, you need a flash-enabled device. You need a registered account on PokerFraudAlert.com that is in good standing to get into the chat room. We have a free roll tonight, a $77 free roll. Cal Watt, who donated $150 last week and then won 100 of it back playing the free roll. I mean, this guy, this guy can do everything. He multitasks when doing this show, does a great job co-hosting. You can never tell he's multitasking. He never seems distracted. Well, once in a while, but not usually. And not only does he play the free roll as well, he actually won the free roll 
So he got both the bounty on himself and the first place money, meaning of the 150 he donated, he only had to pay 50 out. But Cal Watt's such a generous guy, I you know he didn't get the message from me with the way to send me the money, so he hadn't sent it till today. Not his fault, but uh, so I mentioned, hey, the $50 I never received. And he said, here, I'll send you 100 so this way there'll be another 50 for tonight. So very, very nice. Much more generous to this show than I am. <laughs> so 77 this week, 50 came from Calwatt, 7 came from Reno, and 20 came from a guy named Texas Fugitive, who I see in the chat. So thank you to all three of you. And the way the prizes go tonight, kind of top-heavy. 40 for first, 20 for second, 11 for third, and 6 for fourth. So it's 40, 20, 11, and 6. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It's No Limit Hold'em. It starts at 8.40 Pacific Time. You've got half an hour to get over there, plus another 25 minutes of late registration. And I will pay you cash in pretty much whatever way you want. A bank transfer, a check, a money order. Actually, not a money order. A check. No money order. Forget the money order. Cash in an envelope. Bitcoin. And even other methods that I won't bother to disclose on this show, but you might be able to guess what they are. So you can PM me on the forum, Dan Space Druff. That's the best way to get a hold of me after you win. Or email me, dandruff at pokerfraudler.com. Exactly as it sounds, dandruff at pokerfraudler.com. And you need to be familiar with the rules of the free roll to qualify for the free money. They haven't changed in a long time, but if you do not know them, go to pokerfraudler.com slash free roll. All lowercase, all one word, pokerfraudler.com slash free roll and get familiar with the rules or you don't get the free money. So, let me give you one other phone number before we go on to the agenda. The call to listen line. That's a telephone. It's located in a shack in Carroll, Iowa. You can look it up. You can look up Carroll, Iowa. In fact, you can look at the call to listen line phone number, and you'll see that's really where it's located. So I have a phone sitting in a small shack in Carroll, Iowa, and that phone is hooked up to the Poker Fraud Alert server, and you can call it to listen to the show. You don't need a computer. You don't need a smartphone. You don't need the Internet. You don't need a data plan. If you do have a data plan, it's not going to waste your data. You don't even need a good connection. All you need is a phone that can dial and connect to a phone number. A great thing to use if you're driving in the hills or in the mountains, you got one bar on your cell phone. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. It's been running for over a year now, getting close to a year and a half. The call to listen line. And... It's a very, very easy and good way to listen to the show. When the show's not live, it plays reruns as if they're live. One after another after another. It chooses randomly from our library of more than 210 shows that we have done here on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I call the call to listen line when I'm walking the dog, and I just hear some random episode from sometime in the past five years. Yes, in March, Poker Fraud Alert will be five years old. Poker Fraud Alert went up on March 2nd, 2012. So we're very close to the five-year anniversary of Poker Fraud Alert. The radio started very shortly after that. So this radio show really has been going for just about five years. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud that we're still going. We're still planning to go. And I, I still like the 
quality of the show that we're producing. Yes, we have fail. Yes, we produce the show during the show. Yes, there's some crap segments sometimes. But you know what? This is like a six-hour live show that I do weekly. I'm my own tech guy. There's no producer. There's no post-production. I don't take any breaks. You know how hard it is to talk for six hours with no breaks? Especially when I'm by myself. Now, these days I'm usually not by myself. Usually I have a co-host for at least some of the time. But if I didn't, I would do it and have done it. I mean, no breaks, no bathroom break. Just no break of any kind. Once in a while I have to go to the bathroom real badly and can't hold it. But it's very rare. So I put pressure on my bladder and intestines for you. Keep that in mind. It's much harder than it appears. And if you don't believe me, try it sometime. Try to just turn on, like, I don't know, a podcast if you have the ability to do it. And try to just talk for like six hours straight without any kind of lengthy pauses, without any kind of break to where you sound coherent. It's a hard thing to do. And I don't even know of any other shows that do it like this. Because even long terrestrial radio shows or satellite radio shows, they take breaks. Long podcasts tend to have breaks. So, Danny Deadwood saying, how about the time Todd did a six-hour show and then realized that it did not record and did the whole thing again? (laughs) That really happened. That really happened because about 90% of our listenership comes from the archive, sometimes even more. Actually, I think more. And I'm like, crap, you know, the live people heard it, but that's not really who most of the audience is. And while I appreciate the live listeners, I I just, I'm not going to get the show out. So I actually went and did it again the next day, which was kind of frustrating. <laughs> I felt like I was living in that movie Groundhog Day where I'm just living the same day over and over. That would be really like my hell that is every day I have to keep doing the same radio show over and over with the exact same topics. So uh, I forgot about texting the show. If you want to text the show, that phone number is the same as our main phone number, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355. I will respond to you. And I will be happy to receive texts from you at any time of the day or night. I will never get mad at you and tell you you're texting me too late or you woke me up. How could you be texting me at an hour like this? I'll never say that. I will answer you. That's what a dedicated and responsive radio host I am. So I just got word from Calwatt. That's why I paused for a second. He's not going to be here for a little bit because he's on a conference call right now. And we're going to put on Trader Ruski. We can reach him. He volunteered to co-host. I think he volunteered last week too, and I missed the fact that he was volunteering. So we didn't have him. At least that's what I'm remembering. I don't know. The whole thing becomes a blur. Like there's there's just so many shows like they start blending together in my mind. I go, was that last week? Was that two weeks ago? There we are. Trader Risky. Hello. How you doing? Trader Risky, you weren't on last week, right? 
I was not. Okay, good. I'm remembering right. I, I almost felt like I'm insulting you, like if you were there the whole time and then I forgot. I'm like, I just wanted to make sure. All right, so that's what I thought. I thought I, I, I thought I remembered that you had messaged me and I noticed it after the show was done. But anyway, uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here and uh, glad you're usually available to jump in here, whether as a third host or even as a second host. So I know you've been around a lot and he also donated $20 to the free roll, but like a money-minded Jew that I am, I said, you know what? I, I don't want to put it on this week's free roll. I already said it's going to be 77. I like the number 77. I'm going to leave it at 77 and we're going to use it next week because what happens is we, we throw too much on the pile for one week and then the next week I'm broke and, and I have no money to use for the free roll. And then I'm, then I'm faced with the very unpalatable situation where I may have to donate myself and a few times have, and we can't let that happen. So I decided I'm going to hold Trader Ruski's money for uh, next week, and I appreciate that as well. So uh, you, now you're another guy who sometimes uh, multitasks during the show. Isn't that true? I guess he probably is right now. He's not answering me. <laughs> I was. Okay. I couldn't find the mute button. <laughs> yeah, you know. You go into your tangents, Druff. I got a lot of time on my hands. No, that's look, that's fine. Look, I don't have much expectation as far as the dedication someone has to have here if they co-host, because I realize nobody's getting paid here. Everybody's volunteering their time and effort to host the show. So uh, I, I say whatever they can give is appreciated. Now, if I were paying you for this, then I would say you got to put everything else down and pay attention. But uh, since I'm not. Oh. If you were paying me, I would have been ready at 7.30 when the show was supposed to start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I guess it wouldn't be bad if I was paying you hourly. You could just uh, like show up at 7.30 and just you know, take a break, just lay back, sure. have some tea, and just go, I'm getting free money yeah. for doing nothing. Punch the cards. It reminds me back yeah. when I used to have a job, when, when we'd have the rare power failure. And you know, since I was a software developer with, with no power, there's nothing you can do. So we just sit and sit and sit, and I would get paid for the day no matter what, whether I worked the whole day or whether we had to go home early because of something like a power failure. So like then I'd start going, please let the power be off for a while. Like I was really hoping – I didn't enjoy it that much to be off for a long time, and I'm stuck there because then I'm just bored. I'm just sitting there doing nothing. I'd rather actually be working. But what I was hoping is it would like last two hours, and then they go, okay, well, it's not coming back. Go home. That happened a few times, and it just felt like I had like an extra extra holiday. But uh, I, I take these things for granted now, now that I, I don't even have a job anymore. Anyway, uh, we're going to get going. And I got contacted tonight. Well, I'll tell you at the beginning of the agenda here. Here's the agenda for this week. And then, well, the first topic is actually the thing I was about to mention. I got contacted this week, actually today, by someone from Maryland who won a seat to that scam Aruba tournament for 2017 run by those two guys from Florida, the ones that, you know, the PPC, the ones that screwed everyone. And I'm sure there's not going to be another one later this year as there's supposed to be. So he won a seat for 2017 and he went back to Maryland Live and confronted them about it. And he's going to tell us about what happened. He volunteered to come on tonight. I think that'll be an interesting thing to hear. That'll be it. Early thing we do because it's already after 11.15 where he is there in Maryland. I mentioned the 2017 World Series of Poker schedule, which was released about two weeks ago. On last week's show is when we went over it. 
I'm not going to put you through that torture again of going through the schedule, but I'm going to tell you about how disappointed I was when I went through it more carefully to put together my own personal schedule for the events I'm going to play and realize that there were five different events I wanted to play that I did play last year that I cannot play this year because of, well, I'm just going to say I ran really, really bad with the way they scheduled it. Really, barely bad. Like, I pretty much got one outed on the river with a schedule. I'll explain it when I get to it. And I'll, I'll also tell you whether I think it was really bad luck or just they scheduled poorly. Or both. Now, most of us listen to the show are not young men or young women. We do have a few female listeners. In fact, the female listeners tend to be younger. Though I guess we have some older ones, too. We have, we have one lady who listens who identifies herself as the old lady from Malibu. And, and she really is. So we, I guess we have some older female listeners, too. But most of you don't have any recent memory of not being able to do something because you're too young. I'm sure you can all remember it, but it's not a recent memory. And you start to take it for granted. You start to not really think about it anymore. When you go to buy alcohol, you don't. not only don't you worry about not being able to buy it, but you don't even worry about being carded once you're at a certain age. Uh, gambling, same thing. Well, Nevada, there is now a bill to possibly lower the gambling age in Nevada to 18. <laughs> Yeah, instead of 21. I always wondered about that. I remember when I turned 18, and I said, how come I can be drafted to go fight in a war and get killed, but I can't gamble? That really frustrated me. So 18-year-olds who think like I did back then, and I bet a lot of you did back at age 18, they may be in luck. So we'll talk about that. Phil Ivey is appealing the judgment against him that the Borgata got. The judgment, I think, of uh, over $11 million over the edge sorting issue. And he appealed it. But the Borgata is making an interesting request that they want him to post a bond of $10.1 million if he's going to be allowed to appeal. So basically... If you want to try to appeal this, Ivy, we want you to put up money first in case your appeal loses, so we get it no matter what. Interesting tactic. If some of you have been playing on Ignition Poker, the former Bovada, you may have noticed the games are not very good. You may have noticed the games are tougher than Bovada was. They definitely are. I played them. Well, there may be some relief coming. Bodog is expanding to Central and South America. And those players will be part of the same poker network as Ignition. So they will be at your tables. So we'll talk about that. Stacey Madison, who had her televised spat with William Kasuf, who was on this show and about 100 other podcasts. They had a supposed grudge heads-up match, which in reality was just a promotional heads-up match where they were selected to do so. It was not a real grudge match. But they did play it, and I'll tell you how that went. The state of New York is demanding proof that daily fantasy sports sites are liquid following the Fantasy Aces scandal where one of the 
alternate choices that isn't FanDuel or DraftKings, you know, not one of the big two, but still one of the bigger non-big two over there, has gone broke and apparently stole the player money. So the state of New York is now demanding that all fantasy operators produce proof that they have the money. There's a city in British Columbia called Kelowna, and I believe Matt the Rat is from there. Hopefully I'm not giving away too much info about him, but he's from Kelowna, last I heard. At least I think he is. I, I get my Canadians confused. I think it's either him or Adam Schwartz who's from there, but I believe it's Matt the Rat. Anyway, there's a casino there, and a dealer was arrested for collusion with one of the players. Naughty, naughty. I'll tell you about that story. Phil Helmuth is writing an autobiography. Do you want to read about Phil Helmuth and his autobiography? I guess it wouldn't be about his autobiography. I guess it would be his autobiography. Do you want to read about his life and his ascent into poker stardom? And what will he write about in the autobiography? Is it going to mention the UB troubles, or is he going to gloss over that, as he likes to do? We will discuss that. Nolan Dalla, who we talked about extensively on this show about, uh, let's say, nine months ago, when there was that big controversy when a female poker player named Jacqueline Moscow accused him of sexual harassment when she was on Poker Night in America. She accused him of motorboating her without her permission. She has big breasts. You know, he put his face there and moved it around. Um, I got way more involved in that topic than I should have. Like, way more involved. And I, I, I spoke with Nolan directly on the phone about it. I, I, I spoke with uh, Jacqueline Moscow. Initially, I, mean, I, I tried to be neutral. Initially, I was kind of more on Nolan's side, but I, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I wasn't rooting for anyone, but I just kind of thought Nolan was probably more in the right. Uh, this was one of them where I, I probably was more wrong than I usually am. Not saying I'm wrong often, because I'm not, but this was one where I did get it wrong. Because uh, when the whole thing was over, I actually believed pretty much everything Jacqueline said. I, I thought she was a little too greedy and kind of caused some of her own problems toward the end. But all her accusations as to what occurred, I believe, were probably fairly accurate from everything that went down. Again, this is just a guess in my impression. I'm not, I'm not sure. But anyway, why are we talking about this again? Nolan Dalla had a meltdown. A meltdown, and he recorded it. I'll give him credit for this. I mean, he, he does like attention. He likes playing the, the crazy, foul mouth character, which he does play up on his blog and on some videos that he does. So he definitely knew he was being recorded because he recorded himself, but he had a meltdown on YouTube, which I think was at least somewhat authentic, regarding losing a bet on the Super Bowl and the way he lost because, of course, the Super Bowl was... Uh, a very exciting Super Bowl. Didn't seem that way for three quarters, but after three quarters were over, then it became very exciting, and there was a shocking comeback victory. So Nolan Dalla had a meltdown afterwards, and I'm going to play you that meltdown and give my commentary. France is saying au revoir to the non-French players from PokerStars.fr before they were allowing non-French players on there, but no longer in five days they will be forcefully kicked off. This is a decision by the government of France, not by PokerStars. 
By popular demand, we're having a hooker and stripper topic tonight in honor of a forum thread on the Flying Stupidity Forum called the Official Prostitution Thread. Uh, one of our very, very dedicated listeners, Lou Father, uh, he listens to just about every show live, and he's a big fan of the radio show. He started a thread about an experience he had with a prostitute, and then others on the forum chimed in. I even chimed in with an experience uh, I had with a prostitute trying to solicit me. So uh, I wasn't with her, but uh, and my confusion over whether she was a prostitute or not. This is a 15-year-old story, but uh, actually a 16-year-old story. But I, I contributed too. But that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about hookers and strippers that scam you. What those scams are and how to avoid those scams. So I realize a lot of you will have no use for this advice because a lot of you, I'm sure, don't go to hookers. And probably more of you go to strip clubs than visit hookers, but a lot of you probably don't do that either. I, I don't do either. Uh, I, I've been to a strip club a handful of times. I've never had a hooker before. But nevertheless, I'm aware of the fact that both of these are, are big parts of the poker and gambling culture that a lot of people do as evidence on our form. So if you are doing that, I'd, I'd much rather you get your money's worth. You know, I'm still a Jew. I may not do it myself, but I, I want you to get your money's worth. I don't want you to get scammed. I want you to get good value, even when you go to a hooker, even when you go to a strip club. So um, we'll talk about that. If you've ever received offers from Caesars Total Rewards, you've probably had the heartache of calling up the 800 number or trying to book online and finding that the offer is unavailable, even if you attempt to book it immediately after you receive the offer. What is that about? Why are you getting offers that are not available? Why would they make the offer at all then? I'll tell you about that and what to do if that occurs to possibly redeem the offer anyway. General topics... This one was suggested by Calwatt, by the way. A Pennsylvania lawmaker called Donald Trump a shit-faced gibbon. Yes, a shit-faced gibbon over the matter of civil forfeiture. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that because we've talked about civil forfeiture on this show. And I, I hope that Donald Trump is against it because civil forfeiture is a terrible thing and one of the few things that I was happy about during the Obama administration and under Attorney General Eric Holder was that they improved the civil forfeiture situation. When I say improved, I mean they dialed it down somewhat because it was really an abuse where citizens were being stolen from by state and local governments, usually local governments with the help of the federal government. I mean, it was really outright stealing from citizens. And I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, I can't imagine how you could possibly defend stealing from citizens by the government. And I'm, I'm not using stealing in a exaggerated manner. I'm not saying it's an unjust law, therefore it's stealing. No, it was actual stealing. So... And it still goes on, though not as easily as it used to. So we're going to talk about that. And 
why this guy said that Trump is a shit-faced gibbon over that matter. Finally, and I'm not sure if we're going to have time, because this is a very long agenda. I mean, look at how many things I just read off to you. We're going to talk about whether it's okay ever to be that jerk who gets someone fired from their job. And over the last two weeks, we talked about my situation in Lake Tahoe where I got a assistant manager at a restaurant in trouble. I don't know if fired, but I might have. I'm guessing she didn't get fired. But Is it ever okay? And I'm not talking about if something illegal happens to you. I'm saying if something just a very, very, very bad customer service experience happens to you. Is it ever okay to be that jerk to try to get someone to lose their job or try to get them in the maximum trouble possible at work? Or does it make you an asshole? Because remember, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people have to work for a living and to lose your job is very traumatic and sometimes very interrupting to your life. Is is that an appropriate consequence just because someone treats you poorly at a company? Should they lose their livelihood, at least temporarily, for that reason? I will tell you, in my opinion, when it is okay to be that jerk. And I have been that jerk sometimes. That's our agenda for the evening. I'm forecasting will be done in about nine hours. <laughs> I hope not, actually. I don't, I don't think I can handle nine hours. But you never know. Sometimes time flies. But I'm going to get through this. Except maybe the last topic. Maybe the last topic I'll table for next week because it's not an urgent topic. So, let's take a quick glance at the chat room. Uh, what's this about donate button? Um, oh, Forum Wars is saying that Nolan Dalla has a donate button now. It says, first, a short commercial message. I'm asking for money. Yes, money, as in please make a donation. I accept PayPal. There's an icon on the upper right-hand side of the screen. Please click the square and be generous. Well, I hate to go into a tangent, but I'm going to go into a tangent before we start. Some of you remember that I was part of another site before starting Poker Fraud Alert. And I left that site in September of 2011. I was basically off all forums for about six months. And then I started Poker Fraud Alert in March of 2012. The catalyst to me leaving that site and radio show was a donate button that was placed up there without consulting me. Now, this was kind of a straw that broke the camel's back thing. There was a lot of tension that had been building up over a long time. And this was kind of just the catalyst that set off a chain of events that caused it to happen. But that was the catalyst where... My partner there just slapped up a donate button without even explaining what it was. It was just there. I mean, you're just supposed to <laughs> it just appears there. Donate. And I was never told about it and I was frustrated because I had just been scolded a week before for considering doing something that was much more minor than that without asking his permission. I didn't do it, but I told him like I was considering doing this without asking you and then I was given a lecture of how I should never ever do that and then a week later something was done without my permission. So that kicked off a whole fight that never ended. And uh, me and him stopped being friends and uh, we split up. And uh, that was that. 
So, uh, you know, I've kicked around the idea of putting a donate button on Poker Fraud Alert. I have. I, I would always explain it before putting it up there. Uh, the reason I haven't put one up there is because I'm always wavering between the whole thing like it looks tacky versus, hey, this is money which can end up in my Jew wallet and help pay for the site and maybe even make a little bit. Because, yes, I could be providing a show everybody enjoys and a site that everyone enjoys to post on and all that and make money. The, the two are not mutually exclusive. So, I mean, it's a nice badge of honor to wear that I'm losing money here, which I am. But I don't have to lose money. And if people enjoyed it and wanted to donate, I know people do that for the free roll, and I think that's great. And and that's part of the reason I didn't do it, was because I, I didn't want to take away from what the free roll was getting. So people are donating, they're just not going to me. So I said, ah, you know, the site has always been one that isn't trying to stick its hand out to put money in my pocket. So I'll just keep it this way. I can't promise I'll never put one up there. Like, I have moments. I have moments like when I hear how much uh, that Schwartz kid makes on the 2 plus 2 poker cast, and I go, I'm going to monetize the hell out of the site. And then I go, nah, like I, I go back and forth. I'd much rather just have advertisers, honestly, than ask users to donate. I'd much rather just have advertisers, and I, I should try that first to uh, to do that. But it's tougher. It's much tougher to get advertisers. So anyway, let, let's go on here. I'm going to call up this uh, victim of the Aruba satellite at Maryland Live. If you recall the uh, poker, uh, what's it called? The PPC. I'm forgetting what it's called. The PPC Aruba. What, what does PPC stand for? Do you remember Trader Risky? I thought it was PP, uh, PC, P, not PCA, right? P, no, it's PPC uh, is the. That's uh, the other one. Yeah, it's the poker. I keep confusing it with the Poker Players Championship. Uh, if it, maybe this Poker Players Championship, I I know that's that's an event of the World Series. That's why there's two PPCs that confuses me. Maybe it is the Poker Players Championship or whatever. The PPC Aruba that is run by uh, Sandy Schwartzbaugh and Brian Olton. I remember that. I remember uh, these guys' names. Uh, they turned out to be scammers. The whole thing was basically a Ponzi scheme, and they were paying people out. With money that they were collecting in future, you know, they'd run satellites for future events and take that money to pay people who were playing current tournaments. So the whole thing was like a Ponzi scheme, and eventually it collapsed. That's the, we've done a lot of segments on this show about that, and we're not going to tell you the whole thing again. If you want, you can Google PPC Aruba scam. You could look at the scam scandals and shadiness forum. We have a thread about it. There's a two plus two thread about it. There are various other poker. Websites that have written about it. You can learn all about it if you want. But something that had happened, one of the last things that had happened, was that they held a satellite for 2017 in November 2016, just as the scam was starting to come to light. And people at Maryland Live won seats for $3,500 for the PPC, uh, or a package for $3,500 for the PPC in Aruba 2017. Now that the thing's been exposed as a scam, that's not, that's not going to happen. I mean, I can't see how it's going to happen unless someone 
buys the PPC, but at this point, I think the brand name is so sullied that no one would want to do that anyway. So I think it's just the PPC is just gone. And the two guys who are running it, Brian Olton and Sandy Schwarzbar, are in hiding right now. So I was saying, I think Marilyn Live should be responsible for immediately paying you whatever the value of the seat was, since it's clearly not going to occur. And since you won it in their casino and it was not your responsibility as a player to know that they're actually giving your satellite seat and the money for it to just two dudes that you have to trust for a year to hold it for you. Because if people knew that, they probably wouldn't have played. At least a lot of people would not have played. So when you go to Maryland Live, when you play a tournament at their casino, you believe it's one of their tournaments. If you win something that turns out to actually have no value, they should cover the value. It is their fault for not doing their due diligence about these two guys and the liquidity of that company. So there is someone who contacted me that actually won one of the seats. I said he wants to talk about it. And he said that he went to them about this matter, that it's not going to take place next year. And uh, what are they going to do about it? So the question, probably on your mind, is did they give him the middle finger or did they make it right? So we're going to call him. Hopefully we will reach him. I asked this guy who he is because he messaged me on the text line for this show out of the blue today. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I don't really know him. <laughs> but uh, I know who his friend is. He has a friend who I guess referred him to this show. Hopefully he's going to answer the phone, though. That's nice. I love when I introduce a segment and the person just doesn't answer. You have reached. Mm. Okay. I'm gonna... See, I asked him what's the best number to call you on. I should, should I call the number you're texting me from? He says, no, call this other number. So I, I called it. And, of course, he doesn't answer. See, this is what sucks about doing a live show. Because other shows which are not live, they edit this out. I have the embarrassment of introducing a segment and then the person doesn't answer the phone. So now I'm just going to call the number he said not to call. F him. I'm, just, I'm, I'm calling every number I can find for this guy. Hmm. Well... Looks like the joke is on me. I guess that shortens the agenda. Your call has been forwarded to an... Mm-hmm. It would actually serve him right for me to let his number play on the air, but I'm not that much of a jerk. No, I you know I can understand. He, he probably fell asleep. It is near midnight there, and he may have a regular job. So he may have had the intention to come on, and then... His body didn't cooperate. I'm, I'm going to give him credit for that. Maybe maybe he made the same tea that Trader Ruski made. So, uh... If we only had a shorter agenda. <laughs> that's a great segment. <laughs> I mean, we can have him on next week. This isn't a timely segment, at least. At least this is over something which... Like, honestly, I could have him on for a month from now. It would still be just, just as meaningful. But 
Anyway, if, if he wakes up, if, if he wakes up and has to pee at 1 in the morning Eastern and goes, oh, you know, I was never on Poker Fraud Alert and calls in, I'll take his call. And uh, I'm not actually mad about it. It's just what happens here. Okay, so here's some text messages we got, by the way. Doom sent me a message saying, Druff is a radio god. And I appreciate that because Doom, I, I kind of screwed him over one time. We we put him on here one time to for a contest and we got distracted with some other thing and he kind of just sat there twisting in the wind and I felt bad. Brandon gave me a very hard time about it. So I felt bad. I'm like, I wouldn't scare away Doom. Um, here is a, a complaint from... Uh, about an hour ago from someone in Arizona. I think I know who it is, but he says, has anyone mentioned having issues with iOS devices trying to pull up the radio, having issues with both my iPhone and iPad? When I click the link for iOS, it brings up the dark screen and then the play button just scrolls off the screen and it seems to have a line through it. Not sure if something broke when the new iOS came out. No issues on desktop or radio, just iOS devices. Well, that's lovely. And he's sending me a screenshot. That'd be unfortunate. You know what? I, I can test well, it. I think one thing did change on that, though, Drop. When you click the link that says, uh, you know, play it on, if you have an iPod, iPod or iPad, click here. Yeah. Then the dark screen does come up, but then you have to press it again. Okay. And I'm, then it goes. I, I'm going to try this right now. So I, I'm bringing I think it. that was, I think that was, I think that was new, fairly new. With the okay. So, okay. So he's, and okay. I've got another iPhone here. I can try So, it. so I didn't, I don't have the new iOS. I have like uh I have iOS nine still. By by, okay, I've, I've got it on this phone. Let yeah. Me well, so I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying it right now. So I see there's a play button with like a weird vertical line through it. So I'm going to press it. Let's see what happens. No, here you are. Listen. Okay, I, I'm going to try this right now. So. Okay, <laughs> it works for me. So you can, I guess you can try it on yours on iOS ten. But uh, for iOS nine, it just worked. There, there was that weird. There's like a weird horizontal line through all the way through the screen where the play button is, but it works. I press play, it plays. So, But I do have the older iOS. Uh, Trader Ruski, you can try it. Tell me if it works. Yep, I'm going to try it. Yeah, we're, uh, I right hope you guys now. are enjoying uh, the diagnosis radio here. Diagnostic radio is what this is. We're, we're diagnosing technical issues with the show during the show. They're enjoying oh, that, uh, let's see. the diagnosis radio. It did work. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Maybe this is an Arizona thing. Maybe you can write to John McCain or something. Maybe he can help you. I don't know what to say. I mean, I I I want to help. Believe me, it it, it yeah. pisses me off if people can't listen when they want to want to listen. It, it no, really... I think if he tries that, he might have just been used to clicking on the. You, you know, it did just create an extra step. I think. Okay. From what it used to be, I Maybe don't think that happened is. before. Okay. Okay. I, I'm not. I'm not as bothered anymore. I think. I think I'm okay. All right, so, you know, if someone really wants to screw with me, they should start texting me things like the show's not working or this isn't working when it, like, really is, and I'll just go crazy during the show and spend, like, six hours on diagnosing a, a fake problem. That, that would be a way to get back at me if you're pissing me. Okay, so, uh, Larry Laffer texted me, Dref, I'm hitting up Wendy's for a number six again. Would you like something? Uh, I... I, I'm already criticizing you here for getting a number six, not just having your own drink at home. That's that's poor value. Uh, the 410 
Maybe you can get the watermelon shake with that. That's true. That was one of our Chicago, best episodes. You know. yeah, one of our best episodes recently. Uh, Scott from the East Coast is offering to co-host tonight. He said Cal Watt's going to be snowed in due to a blizzard. Well, that actually makes it more likely he'll come on here. But, uh, Scott, you can call in if you want co-host along with us here. And from the 586... Uh, by the way, Scott, just one thing, though. I, um, if you could do it on Skype, that would be best, rather than through the phone. Because when, I, I hate to be a, a sound nut again, but when someone calls in on the phone, it's not as good of a co-hosting sound. Because, like, like with Trotoruski here, it just kind of sounds like he's in the same room as me. Same with Cal Watch. Yeah, and, and I am, by the way, on Skype on my iPhone. So that's how I always call in. It yeah. It seems to work pretty well. Yeah. Okay, so uh, it's... Let's see here. Oh, someone texted me about a personal matter with the credit cards. I won't bother to read that. And from the 734, congrats to Larry for finally making it onto his first roller coaster at the age of 32. (laughs) That person's making a jab at Larry for his height. So uh, very good. All right. Let's let's go on here. I want to talk about the World Series schedule because it's so annoying – I've gotten to like certain events over time at the World Series, including some of the new ones. Uh, you know, I've been playing the World Series since '05, and they've been adding events and trying new little gimmicks. And I, I've decided that I like certain events, and other like events I don't like very much. Like, for example, I decided I don't like those thousand-dollar buy-in events. I think that it's too much of a crapshoot, so I don't play them. I don't like those low buy-in events with huge fields like the Colossus because you play for every, even if you cash you don't make much money unless you get really, really, really deep and it's just, again, too much of a crapshoot. I decided I do like the Omaha 8 or better event that I played last year. I plan to play that again, but I'll tell you what happened with that. And I, I decided I did like some of these gimmick World Series, like $1,500 buy-in, no-limit events, like the Millionaire Maker, the Monster Stack, the Extended Play, no-limit, the Bounty, no-limit, and and all of these except the Monster Stack I've cashed in and sometimes cashed plus gotten very close to cashing other years. So I, I like those events, and I look forward to playing them much more than just a standard old $1,500 no-limit and uh, and the Omaha 8 or better, that was my first non-Hold'em event last year, and even though I didn't cash or come close, I, I enjoyed that. It was a nice change, and I, I felt like, even though I was fairly new to the game at the time, that people were kind of clueless there. <laughs> I felt like I was one of the best players at the table, despite being fairly new to Omaha at the time. And now I have a whole year under my belt playing a lot more Omaha, so I'm a lot better than I was when I played last year. Now, last year, honestly, I just ran bad. I didn't really make mistakes. But... I wanted to play that again, but unfortunately, five events I was going to play in the World Series in 2017 that I did play in 2016, and keep in mind, I only played like 10 events total, so like half the events that I wanted to play, I am not going to be able to play because of scheduling, and it's it's really frustrating because like the schedule could not have been made worse for me. When I say for me, because everybody's got different events they want to play, so let me explain what happened. And, and then I'll tell you whether I think this is the fault of the World Series or just bad luck for me. There's there's three events that I want to play 
within uh, – I want to play for sure at the World Series. And those are the three limit hold'em events. The 1,500 limit hold'em. I finished third in that in 2005. I cashed last year. In fact, last, last year I was really heartbreaking because I, I was the chip leader with like 42 people left. So I really thought I was going to go deep on that one, and then I just co- collapsed. But I, I, I of course, want to really play that event, 1,500 limit hold'em. Uh, then the 3,000 limit hold'em six max is something I want to play very much. And same with the 10K limit hold'em. I made the final table, finished fifth in the 5K version of that four years ago. So I, I kind of have to build my schedule around those in that if anything interferes with any of those, I, I can't play them. Or I can't play the ones that interfere with them. So that happens every year. And, and you know sometimes I'll miss an event I want to play because of that, or maybe two events. But this year was an extreme. Uh, first of all, Omaha 8. Limit Omaha 8. Wanted to play that again. There's nothing conflicting with it, but they put it on June 1st, a day before the Colossus. Now, I guess they did that because they figured that a lot of people who play the Colossus will probably want to play this. The problem for me personally is that I'm not playing the Colossus. I have no desire to play the Colossus. And everything else around then really is is not appealing to me. The, the events before it are the 10K tag team, the 3K no limit shootout. Then there's the, you know, the Omaha, then there's a Colossus, and then there's 10K seven-card stud, 2,500 mixed triple ball, draw low ball, the $333 online event. I, mean, I don't want to play any, any of these. The 10K 08 uh, championship. I mean, I, I, as I say, I like 08. I don't want to put 10K into it yet, though. So, so it takes all the way until four days later, the 1K tag team, which, yeah, I guess I could play that, maybe with Brandon or something, but... But then after that, there's the Dealer's Choice Six-Handed, and it's just a bunch of events I don't want to play. So I'm going, you know what, I, it's not worth being there just for that one event. So I said, forget it. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I'll skip that one. But then I started looking at the schedule. And I look at the, the Limit Hold'em, the 1500 Limit Hold'em event. And I see, unfortunately... The day before is the Millionaire Maker. So I can't do that because if I make day two of the Millionaire Maker, then I'll miss the Limit Hold'em. I'm willing to miss the Limit Hold'em if I make day three of the, limit, of the Millionaire Maker, but day two is not that exciting. So that's out. The extended play, which is called the Marathon this year, that's the same day as the Limit Hold'em. Obviously, I can't play that. So that's out. Uh, the Monster Stack is is kind of is dropped on June twenty fourth, kind of like right in the middle of of a, like a no man's land of events that I don't want to play. So I'm not going to do that. The bounty event, the fifteen hundred bounty event, is the day before the limit hold'em six handed. So I can't do that. So, so I, I'm missing all these events I played last year. No bounty, no monster stack, no extended play slash marathon, no millionaire maker, no 08. I mean, I, I'm literally missing half the events I played last year because of scheduling. And it was really frustrating. I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to play then? I've got three limit hold'em events plus the main. What, what else am I going to play now? <laughs> I, I'm basically, you know, 71 events on the schedule. And I, I can't really find much to play. 
So I had to get creative at that point. I'm like, well, let's see, what, what can I throw in there? So I'm throwing in a 1K PLO. I've never played PLO in, in the World Series. I've played PLO, of course, before, but I've, I've never played at the World Series. Uh, I'm going to play the Mixed Omaha 8 instead of the regular Limit Old Omaha 8. Mixed Omaha 8 is a PLO 8, Omaha 8, and a thing called Big O, where you're dealt five cards instead of four. Kind of an uncommon game. So I'm going to play that. I'm going to play a two just regular 1500 No Limit Hold'em events, and then I decided to throw in that uh, $888 Crazy 8 event. Crazy 8s. An eight-handed event also. Where they guarantee a first prize of $888,888. And inexplicably, it does not seem to be sponsored by 888.com despite the fact that the World Series actually has a relationship with them. So I, I'm actually playing that now, even though I criticized it before. I, I said it was stupid last week, and now I'm going to play it. So I, I have egg on my face now. But I'm really playing that out of desperation to have enough events to play. Because it, it just kind of feels wrong to not play at least close to 10 events. Because every year I want to have enough events to where... I mean, you're always going to have a lot of variants, even with 10 events. But I, I at least want to have a, a, a reasonable shot to go deep in something. If I play like three events, then I'm really putting my back against the wall to have to run well to go deep. At least with nine events on the schedule, it's, it's more likely. Even if I don't get super deep, you know, at least I... Uh, the chance of running well in one of these goes up much more. So I have nine events on the schedule, but I may only play as few as six if I make day twos, which end up blowing away day ones of of events that follow it. So it sucks. So I, I, I was thinking to myself, why did this happen to such an extreme this year compared to last year? And, and I looked at the schedule. I go, of course they're not designing the schedule around me. Of course they're not saying, okay, well, let's see what's going to be convenient for Todd Wittellis. They're, they're not doing that. But, but how did it end up so bad? Was it just idiocy? Or was it just really bad luck on, on my part of what I wanted to play versus when, the, where, when they were on the schedule? Well, I can't really criticize where they put the Omaha 8 because I, I see they're trying to get people who may be in town for the Colossus. The 08 always does well, the 1500-08, so... It would make sense if you have a lot of people in town for the Colossus. You probably want you probably have a lot of people taking a shot at that too. So I don't blame them for that. It just doesn't work with me. Uh, as far as the uh, the Millionaire Maker goes, uh, you know they're going to have to put it on some weekend, and just because it happens to be the day before the Limit Hold'em, I can still understand that. Be Limit Hold'em is a dying game, and they can't not put something on the schedule that's going to be uh, you know, a big weekend event because of Limit Hold'em being there. Uh, and there's going to be have to be, you know, if it wasn't Limit Hold'em, something else would be conflicted with that. But my problem is, if you take a look at the schedule, on Monday at 3 p.m. is 1500 Limit Hold'em. On Tuesday at 3 p.m. is 10K Raz. On Wednesday at 3 p.m., there's 1,500 deuce to seven. So of those three, 
which is going to appeal to the largest number of people? Obviously, the limit hold'em. Obviously, the fifteen hundred limit hold'em is going to be much more popular than ten k raz, and limit deuce to seven triple draw, especially the ten k raz. So, so why not put the limit hold'em closer to the middle of the week, where it's not likely to be interfered with by these weekend events? Why not put the limit hold'em in the middle of the week? I mean, it's too late. They're not going to do it. But I, I may bring this up to Seth Polanski or Jack Effel to put the limit hold'em in the middle of the week and put the real niche events. Like, I don't think many people playing the the, these, uh, the Millionaire Maker are going to be in the 10K Raz. And, and if they are, uh, they're not going to care about skipping the Millionaire Maker. The typical 10K Raz player is not taking a shot at the low buy-in or semi-low buy-in documents. They, they, they typically play the big buy-in events and go for bracelets. That's, that's what these guys are doing. So that, that would have been a perfect thing to put on a Monday. So just swap these around, and a lot more people who were going to play the Limit Hold'em could also play the Extended Play No Limit or the Millionaire Maker. That, that's what I think they should do. So I thought that was a big mistake on their part. Uh, as, as far as the, the monster stack, just kind of sticking it in there on a weekend, which uh, other things around it uh, don't really appeal to me. Uh, I, I think they may have made a mistake there, too. Now, they do have the the bounty event two days after that, so those two kind of go together, the monster stack and the bounty event, both 1,500 no limit events. But everything else around there, uh, 5K no limit, um, the 1,500 PLO 8, uh, 3K uh, PLO, a lot, a lot of these don't fit in as well, I think, with that, with with the monster stack. But um, uh, that one I can understand more. They do have the th- the 3K limit hold them on, on a Tuesday. So, um, you know what? Maybe I can play the Monsters. I'm looking at it now. I think I, I, think I, got, I got it wrong. If the... Yeah, I guess I can play the Monsters deck. I got... Well, I see the problem. No, it's... Well, maybe. Maybe if I come two days earlier. Maybe I can play that. I guess that's not as bad. Anyway, I just think, I mean, I understand for the 3K 6 max and the 10K limit hold'em that they don't get very big numbers for that, and if it happens to conflict with something too bad on me. But I really think the 1500 limit hold'em, which still draws fairly good numbers, to put that on a Monday was a big mistake. That that was really their, their primary mistake here. Everything else is just kind of bad luck the way it fell. So... I'm going to suggest that and the bringing back the Limit Hold'em shootout to Jack Effel. I still don't know why they killed the 1500 Limit Hold'em shootout because it's, it's very quick. Every day ends very quickly within a, you know, five hours or so. It, it's a very, very easy money maker for the World Series. Not much overhead. It's over quickly. The players love it. The pros love it. The fish love it. Everyone loves it. It's good for everyone. It's one of the few things that's good for everyone. And they killed it. I, I don't understand why. 
it, it even got pretty good numbers. Like it, it's not like it was getting terrible numbers. It was actually doing fairly well. It gets a lot more entrance than a lot of other events they run. So I don't get it. I, I at least want to hear an explanation why that's off the schedule. Because it's not even helping them. I'm not just being like a poker purist here saying I, I want Limit Hold'em shoot Shootout back when nobody really wants it. A lot of people want it. It does well. And it's a great thing for them to run because it's over quickly. And they make a lot of rake with very little overhead. So why not? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense to me. And they're, they're definitely not cutting down on events. They have over 70 events this year. So they, it's not like there's any, oh, well, we can only have a maximum number of events. So we just have to cut that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Jack Effel. Jack Effel at one point blocked me on Twitter, as he did many people. Anyone who slightly criticized the World Series was getting blocked by Jack Effel for a while. Finally, after Matt Glantz made a big deal about it on Twitter, Jack sheepishly admitted he shouldn't have done that and unblocked everybody. Or almost everybody. I think Brandon <laughs> it took him a while to get unblocked. But anyway... Uh, it feels a little weird going up to Jack if he blocked me, but truthfully, like I didn't really do anything. I didn't have a confrontation with him or anything. It was just I I, I mentioned some constructive criticism a few years ago. So, like it or not, I I probably will approach him at some point when he doesn't look busy, and either talk to him about it then or ask him when I could meet with him to just talk to him about the schedule for 2018. And give him my suggestions. And of course, it's up to him the way he wants to schedule. I don't have any power or control over it. But I I like to think from the standpoint of the World Series when I go to people like that. Because it's one thing to go as a player and say, I as a player want this. But if it's not good for them as a company, it doesn't make sense for them to do. But I try to go to them with things that are a win-win for both parties. Everyone will benefit, everyone will like, everyone will be happy, they'll make more money, we as the players will enjoy it. That, that's, that's what I'm shooting for here. So, I'm not giving them charity to give them good advice to make more money, and, and I'm not being totally selfish and picking something that I just want that's going to not do anything for them. This is something that really would help out both, and I don't want anything back for it. I, I won't even be like a, like a, I won't take the Alan Kessler approach and say, hey, give me a food voucher now. Actually, I don't think Alan ever did that, but I can picture him doing that. He listens to the show now, though. Like, like we picked him up as a fan of the show. Since we had him on from Atlantis, now he listens to the show. So anyway, uh, I, I'm thinking of doing that. Now, uh, Trader Risky, I know you play Limit Hold'em somewhat. Uh, would you play the 1500 Limit Hold'em shootout? You know, tournaments, I normally just play No Limit. So it really just depends on when it lands and if I'm there. Yeah, what's great about that event is that fish enjoy playing it because they they see it like, hey, I just got to win a table and I cash. It's uh, that's cool. What they don't realize these fish, and I think they don't even realize it when they bust, is that it's very hard for a fish to win their table because you have to be good at shorthanded to do it. Now, yes, you can run really, really well and win. Because in limit holding, you have to have cards to win. But if you're a good shorthanded poker player, then you have a big edge on those that are not. And a lot of people who play this limit hold'em shootout are not good shorthanded players. And it's especially nice if the good shorthanded players run poorly and bust out first, and then it's you and some fish who aren't 
good at all with shorthanded. So I, I loved that event for that reason. And I also just thought it was fun, even putting aside the fact that there were a lot of fish in it. But there were. That was that was the easiest field of all the events I would play. And a few times I was very close to going really far in it. One time I was pretty much one card away from making the final table. So I really like it. Everyone likes it. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about the Limit Hold'em shootout. And... It's it's sad that it's gone. Anyway, you know what I'd also like to see? I'm also going to suggest this. I want to see a mixed Limit Hold'em and PLO8. Not PLO, just Limit Hold'em. Oh, not a PLO8. Uh, 08. Omaha 8 or better and Limit Hold'em. 1,500 buy-in. I think that would get a good crowd too. Because there's there's some crossover in the popularity of both games. If you like one, there's a good chance you like the other. Because they're both limit games, they're both flop games. They have a lot of similarities. People told me you, sh- you should start playing limit Omaha 8 or better as a limit Hold'em player. They, that's the best transition. That'll be the easiest transition for you as far as becoming good at another game without a, a really steep learning curve. And, and they were right. That was uh, it, it took a little while to get used to, but once I, I was used to it and I, and I had to forget some things that are correct in Limit Hold'em that are incorrect or very incorrect in, in 08, w- once I got used to that, I said, yeah, this does translate pretty well. Whereas going from like Limit Hold'em to No Limit Hold'em, even though they're both Hold'em, uh, or vice versa, it, it can be very tough. And, and it can take a long time to get the hang of it, if ever. So I, I think an event like that would be good too. I think that would get a lot of people, especially at the 1500 level. So 08 is getting more and more popular, so even as Limit Hold'em starting to die, I think you, you combine the two, you'll get a good field. So I'm going to suggest those three things. I'm going to, I am going to go to Jack Effel and suggest it. No point for this year. This year is set in stone, but for 2018. Okay, enough World Series talk for a while. Beer and Poker says in the chat, next year, Jeff needs to hit up Jack Ethel for dates that are convenient for him. <laughs> JSTAT says ESPN's contract with the World Series expires this year. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I wonder what's going to happen with that because I, the poker ratings aren't what they used to be. And ESPN will probably demand a much cheaper contract. And the World Series may give them the finger. Who knows? Who knows? That will be interesting to see. It's not a no-brainer that they're going to renew. By the way, there's there's very little on TV these days from the World Series. I think it's only the main event now. Maybe the main event. Have you kept track of this? Is it only the main event or is it the main event and maybe the one drop or something like that? I think it's just the main event. Yeah. I mean... This is a big departure from 10 years ago where they're having these little preliminary events on there. So, yeah, I mean, I think they have the when well, they have the Australia one and some of the other ones, I think those are on like ESPN six or something, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't do any of the other events. Yeah. As people are saying in the chat room too. Yeah. That's what I thought. 
So maybe ESPN will like will say, hey, look, we we only do the main event now, and people aren't that interested in that anymore. So it's it's not worth what we're paying to you guys. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe they will. Maybe they will keep it. But I, I just think they're not going to pay what they were before. That is my guess. That is an interesting f- fact, Jstat. So thank you. Okay, moving along. The gambling age in Nevada has always been 21. And as an 18 to 20-year-old, I couldn't wait to turn 21 so I could gamble. Drinking, I didn't care about. I had no desire to drink. I was never a guy who was into drinking alcohol. It just wasn't me. I've done it a few times in my life. Uh, It just didn't do anything for me. I didn't have any desire to do it. Um, You know, there's just some things in your life that appeal to you and other things which don't appeal to you at all. I I just really didn't have the desire to drink. So I wasn't one of these guys going, yeah, 21, I'm going to get wasted. No, that wasn't me. Uh, gambling though was I was going uh, that's what excited me now I didn't go to Vegas on my 21 birth 21st birthday or anything I I did not gamble legally in Vegas until like a few months later when I was there in the summer in Vegas but I was very much looking forward to be able to do it in fact when I was in Vegas prior to that all dating all the way back to when I was 15 I I would gamble in a limited fashion illegally I play some sports bets, which somehow they were letting me do. I figured that was safe because what I would do is I would place the sports bets. And then if they would win, I would have my dad go and, and, and redeem them. And if they would lose, then obviously I don't have to go back there. And if I'm placing them and they refuse it, they, they, they can't take anything away from me. They can just say, where's your ID? I'd say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have it with me. And, okay, well, we can't do it. Like that, that never happened to me. But if it did, that's, that's like the worst thing that would have happened. So... I played some sports bets, and I, I would play video poker at, at machines that were facing the wall. Because when I was 15, I guess I was like five foot eight at the time, so I was nowhere near as tall as I am now. But I was tall enough to where I was the size of an adult. The only thing I couldn't let them see was my face. So as long as, I, as they saw the back of me, it looked okay. If they saw the front of me, then it was clear I was not 21. So I, I was kicked out a few times. But nothing that bad. They just said, do you have ID? I said, sorry, I don't have it with me. And then they'd tell me I can't, blah, blah, blah. And I was just aggressively cashing out, so I never had money in the machine. But anyway, these were things I did before I was 21 in the 80s and early 90s. Finally, I turned 21 in 1993, and I was very happy that I could gamble. Between 18 and 21, until I was 21, I was very frustrated because I felt that I was old enough to make that decision for myself. If I could be drafted to fight in a war, which is a a real situation for me because the Gulf War started in 91 in, in Iraq. And I was 19 then, and there was talk about maybe a draft if the thing goes on for a while. Never happened, but... And, and they didn't have that college exception, which they used to have, where you could say you're in college and get out of the war. That did not exist. So I actually would have been drafted. So they could do that. And I'm treated like an adult in every other way. 
If I commit a crime, then I'm an adult. I'm treated the same way as someone who's 40. So how come I'm completely responsible for my actions, but I cannot gamble? You can say, well, you can't drink either. Well, at least drinking can be said, well, you can harm other people. You know, you could end up getting behind the wheel of a car and killing someone as a drunk driver. So it is understandable if given the harm that one can do when they are drunk to other human beings that maybe they want you to be more mature before being able to legally drink. That's a different discussion for a different time, but at least it makes somewhat a, some amount of sense. But the gambling thing to me made no sense because if you gamble and lose, the worst thing that happens is you lose your money. But there's so many other things you could do as an 18-year-old to lose your money. There are so many ways you could spend irresponsibly as an 18-year-old and be broke. Gambling is just one of them. So are they going to outlaw shopping? <laughs> are they going to outlaw buying expensive electronics? Expensive cars that you can't really afford? They're going to outlaw renting places to live that are above your means. I mean, there's so many things you could do to blow your money. Also, as Mike Caro famously said, it's much easier to rebuild a small bankroll than a big bankroll. And Mike Caro actually advised not worrying about your bankroll if it's small. Not worrying about busting if you're poor and don't have much money because whatever you're losing, you can probably replenish it pretty easily, provided it's not that much. So if, you're, if your poker bankroll is $400, no matter how poorly paying your job is, you can replenish the 400 without all the trouble. If, uh, if your bankroll is uh, $500,000, unless you're, you've got a really high-paying job, if you bust that $500,000, it's going to be a while to get that back. So I agree with that. So in the context of gambling... When you're 18, 19, or 20, you probably don't have very much money, so the amount that you can lose is probably not that big anyway. So, And even if you do happen to have money, maybe from an inheritance or a trust or whatever, uh, there's many ways you can blow it. And I know, I've known of so many young people who received an inheritance at 18 or access to it. You know, a rich grandmother dies and once you turn 18, then you have the rights to the money if she left it to you. And I, I've seen 18-year-olds blow a lot of money in a short time and end up broke. Who don't gamble? There's a lot of ways you can blow money stupidly if you don't gamble. Gambling is just one of many ways you can be irresponsible with money. So I never understood why gambling was 21 and over. Now, it does make it a bit easier for the casino as far as serving alcohol, that they don't have to card you for alcohol, but not the gambling. Basically, if you're there to, if it's okay for you to gamble, then it's okay for you to drink, and they don't have to worry about the drinks you order. But that's a formality, and I'm sure the casinos would love to have the 18 to 21 crowd, or the 18 to 20 crowd, because uh, this starts off <laughs> gambling habits earlier. It, it, you'll get customers that... Uh, could get into it earlier and be more likely customers for life. You say, oh, look, that's the reason. Stop compulsive gambling. Well, no. 
I, I don't think it's going to create way more compulsive gamblers. This will probably you know, a compulsive gambler will probably find it anyway. But I know the casinos will like having that extra clientele base at a younger age. And even if it does create more compulsive gamblers, uh, that's the way it is. You you can't restrict activities like this just because some people will abuse them. Anyway, there, there's I guess some agreement with me about this because there is an attempt in Nevada to lower the gambling age to 18. Basically, if you're old enough to vote, you're old enough to be charged as an adult for any crime you commit, if you're old enough to be drafted to fight in a war for this country, why are you not old enough to gamble? So, an assemblyman in Nevada named Jim Wheeler should have the right to gamble at 18 and introduced a bill called AB 86 to change the gambling age to 18. Calwatt, hello. How you doing, Druff? Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's no, fine. Glad to have you here. So the... So uh, Wheeler asked Nevada Gaming Control Board Chairman A.G. Burnett. I wonder if he's uh, related to A.J. Burnett from baseball. It's A.G. Burnett. Uh, For confirmation that... Actually, I'm not, this, is not, this is not clear. I'm reading this article. It says it was confirmation on the point that you had to be 21 to gamble in Las Vegas. Uh, he knows that. that. That's weird. Anyway, uh, the bill says that the, the minimum age would be 18 to gamble and engage in, quote, certain other related activities. Now, what is that? Does that mean... Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? Going to hookers? What, does anybody know what what is the legal age to see a hooker in those areas of Nevada where it's legal? Is it eighteen or is it twenty one? What are the what are the counties where that's the case? Um, like Nye County, I know is one. Clark County, it's illegal, even though there's tons of hookers in Clark. How County. How do you spell Nye County? N Y E. Okay. I wonder if that's a certain other related activity. That'd be funny. But uh, at at a gambling law conference nine years ago, in 2008, a lawyer raised the idea of possibly changing it to 18. Minimum age is 18. Okay. So that's already already there. Well, it's by county. So it's a county-by-county basis. So some of these counties say that it's 18, but it, it varies. Okay, yeah, I know there's a county near Reno also that does this. Not Reno, not where Reno is, but in a neighboring county. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. That's, hold on. Licensed prostitutes must be at least 21 years old, except in Story County and Lyon County, where the minimum <laughs> age is 18. So huh. I guess if you want the, the young prostitutes, you go there. Hmm. That So that actually is not about the age of the clientele. I'll keep looking. Go ahead. The, the best thing about the young prostitutes would be that they're not as used up yet. Otherwise, well, it doesn't matter that much. up, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, like between 18 and 21, a lot can happen there, so. Well, it's not like their their vagina expires like an avocado, you know. 
I think there's a big difference. If, if 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 I had to be with a prostitute, I would want to be with one who is just beginning in the profession, not one who's been with like five hundred or a thousand guys by then. That would gross me just out. because she'd be jaded, she wouldn't be, you know. It would just be kind of gross to me or? to be with someone who's been with that many guys. I see. So you'd like there to be kind of like a mileage meter on the yes, on the yes, and then then the uh, and an odometer nobody can roll back. And you could say, oh, this one's out of warranty. I'm not going to go on this. Yeah. One. <laughs> so, so anyway, in 08, a lawyer at a gambling law conference said, hey, why don't you change the gambling age to 18? And the legislators, were like, no, the legislators were like, no, 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 can't do that. And the reason the legislators were so panicky when they heard about this and, and told them to shut up, basically, was that they were afraid that even saying so publicly that they agree would allow their political opponents to attack them that uh, they're trying to get kids to gamble. And by the way, Druff, if I end up getting divorced because my wife looks at my browser history, I blame you. <laughs> yeah, because right now I'm googling how old do you have to be to see a prostitute in Nevada. <laughs> okay, so if I if I get in trouble, it's coming on. Well, here. look, you you can clear the uh, the history. Wow, true. That's what you should do. You can't blame me for failing to clear your history, or or do it in incognito mode. That sounds really sneaky. Is this something you do often? or I, I'm just saying here, if, you, if you're trying to do something that is innocent, but could potentially not look innocent, then... So act like I'm not innocent in that case. Cover it up. Cover Isn't up that something... how a lot of people get caught is not the, the crime, it's the cover-up? But, but the thing is, you're covering up something that isn't wrong, but could look wrong. Well, it could be worse. Why is the browser history empty? Oh, there you go. Good point. Well, but you can you can you can selectively delete things. You could you can open up the incognito mode. You could even you can even go the route of quickly browsing a lot of sites that you normally go to anyway. So the browser history is not empty. These are these are you things seem, you can do. You seem to know an awful lot about this. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just making suggestions to help out your marriage. Okay. So anyway, uh, in '08, I guess it was a more hostile time toward gambling for younger people because uh, everybody was panicky to even publicly discuss the idea, afraid that political opponents would seize upon it. But uh, somehow no one is really making a big deal about it this time. And uh, it was also pointed out that Canada is a fine example here because in Canada, the magic age is not 21, it is 19. Uh, at least in a lot of places, that most cas- Canadian casinos are 19. In fact, I w- when I went to Caesars Windsor in Ontario, that's what it was. And in... Uh, Holy shit, they actually have reviews. What What does? I, I'm just I'm like searching around. Oh, oh those hookers? Like, different women and have, have like individual reviews. That, that's good. It's, it's like, well, it's like they're reviewing something on, uh, you know, they're reviewing... Something they bought from Amazon. That's good, yeah. though. That's the, you you know where to go and where not, where not to go. I guess that would give you an indication of, you know, if some girl had like a thousand reviews, you would just say forget it. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, one of, that's one of the few cases you don't want to see a lot of reviews. Right. So, yeah. And, and so bars in Canada and casinos are open to 19-year-olds. And even in three provinces. Okay, there we go. I think I think it's eighteen for you to visit. Okay, yeah. and in in three provinces, Alberta, Manitoba, and Quebec, you can actually be eighteen and gamble and drink. So, 
they're saying, look, in Canada, they're already doing it. They don't got a problem up there. 19-year-olds yeah. are gambling and, and drinking. And honestly, if you're old enough to go fight in a war and die for your country, at least let you have some fun before you do that. Yeah. You know at least I mean? the gambling. I mean, like I, I, The drinking, uh, that has a better argument in response because of the harm you can do to other people. I just say the gambling, if, since you're only harming your own finances, and, and you, you probably don't have much money anyway to lose, why not? So, however, here's the problem. There are 200 different pieces of legislation, more than 200, that are going to have to be looked at in the 2017 session. And many of them are less controversial. So this may be passed upon because uh, they have to pick which pieces of legislation they look at and decide whether to pass or not pass. And many legislators may say, you know what, if we get behind this, this could be used against us later. That may still come up. And like, you know, hey, look at this bill over here. This one isn't controversial. Let's 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 debate this one. And so they, this one may be left on the table. But there at least is the attempt. And sometimes it takes several attempts. So I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. But it's interesting this is finally being visited. And who knows, maybe in the future it will go down to 18, which I think it should. The, the only downside to this, to me, is that I don't think I really want to see a lot of like 18 to 20-year-olds running around the casino. It'll, it'll just be annoying. I'm not, I, I sound kind of excited about this, but I, I think I am thinking back many years to when I was that age and thinking the frustration I felt when I could not gamble. But I, I'm not that age now and won't ever be again. So why do I care? In fact, all it's doing is inviting rowdy kids into the casino that I, I don't even want to see there. So you know what? I hope this thing fails. F it. I've changed my mind. I'm going to be selfish about it. I'm going to say I hope this bill just dies and it stays 21. In fact, why don't they raise the gambling age to 30 so we can get rid of all the 20-somethings huh. out of the casino. Get get rid of them all. Now, PLOL, he seems okay, so he, he can stay. We can make an exception just for him. We could maybe allow... Uh, they'll allow you to gamble under 30 if you're a gay male and, and you're a, a credit card bonus for. If, if those two things are true, then you can gamble. Then that'll give an exception to him. So... It's the first time I've seen that discussed, though. I've never seen a discussion of this, even though I've felt for years that would have been fair. Well, here's something that the Borgata feels is fair. And as much as I'm against the Borgata side of this whole thing, because I think Phil Ivey was in the right, I kind of see their point on this one now that they've already won and that Phil Ivey may not pay them. Because there's really two segments to any kind of civil court action. The first one is winning the case. The second one is collecting. And it doesn't matter how much you win. Uh, You could go to court and you could win. One million dollars. Or you can win more. But if you can never collect from the person, it's worthless. It's absolutely worthless if you can never collect from them. Now, Phil Ivey is not broke, but someone who does not have a regular job 
it may be hard to collect from them if they try to make it difficult. So Phil Ivey lost the civil case against him where the Borgata sued him, where he and an accomplice used some advantage play, which the Borgata called cheating, to win at Baccarat by seeing the edges of the cards and figuring out what cards those actually were by seeing the edges due to very small defects in these cards. We've discussed this many times. So Phil Ivey lost that case. He owed more than $10 million. And the question became at that point, is Phil Ivey really going to just cut a check to the Borgata for $10 million? Or is he going to make up some sort of uh, paper bankruptcy or you know claim he's broke and that he can't pay? Is he going to make it really, really difficult? I couldn't see Phil Ivey just going, well, all right, I lost. Here's your $10 million, Borgata. I couldn't see that. I, th- I thought he was going to make it very, very difficult on them and kind of force them to collect from him. So Phil Ivey appealed the judgment against him. Two weeks ago, Phil Ivey made his motion well, through his attorney to uh, to appeal. And uh, what's, what's happened here is the Borgata is basically saying in the response that um, if he's going to be allowed to appeal, that he needs to put up the money. Otherwise, they fear it's like a free roll for him. Because if he's not planning to pay anyway, if he's going to play pull shenanigans about his ability to pay it and make it very difficult to collect from them, then by appealing, it's just a free roll where he's going to try a, a shot at getting the judgment reversed. And if he wins, then he gets out of the judgment, or at least, at least gets it reduced. And if he loses, then he just doesn't pay anyway. So the Borgata is saying that uh, the amount of the judgment, $10.13 million, God damn. should be posted as a bond for the appeal. Uh, I don't know I, about you, but I would shit a brick if I had a judgment against me for $10.1 million. I, I would too, though I will say this. This is money that he actually won from them. I don't know if he blew a lot of it yet, but um, this was money he won from them. This wasn't like he did something they didn't like and sued him for $10 million and won. That, that would be really painful. If you won this much from them through advantage play, I'm not saying I'm on their side or I agree with them. It would be crappy, especially you think you've won that much. and then they, they, want, they want to take it back and then are successful right. in a lawsuit. But, but it's not quite as bad if this is money you won through your little scheme and they're kind of just yanking it back from you. They tried to... Uh, yeah, I mean, even then, I mean, it just still would suck. Well, it would, yeah. It, I'm, I'm not saying it wouldn't. But it's, a, it's a little better this way that it was money he won from them and, and that their attempt to get more failed. They did try to get more but based on what they said would be their expected win if he had played normally, but they, they didn't get that. So uh, th- this is an interesting tactic they're using. But to me, it kind of makes sense. Uh, of Ignoring the fact that I believe that Ivy got screwed here and that he was just advantage playing and he he didn't do anything that they did not allow. He asked them to do certain things that put the odds in his favor and they stupidly said yes. This is basically what happened. And 
I, I think it's a very bad precedent to set that if a player notices something with their own eyes or ears or head and takes advantage of it um, just from things they see that the with the way the game or the cards are designed, they, they, they sh- the, the win should still be valid. It's different if they someone hacks a machine or someone takes advantage of a bug in a machine to exploit it to get uh, money that they shouldn't. That I can understand being an issue. But but where the casino is using defective cards where the player can see things that they shouldn't be able to, or anything else where the player just using his head can gain an edge, I think... That's the casino's fault for not being more careful to prevent these things. So putting that aside and just looking straight from a legal standpoint, I can understand what the Borgata is trying to say, that we don't think he's going to pay us. So why are we going through this motion unless he's going to really put up something? He's going to put up a bond that, that we will get if the appeal is denied. If the if he fail if the appeal fails, the appeal's already been uh, granted. But the, the, they're trying to say to to be able to have it, he should have to post a bond. So at least he's got something at stake here. Otherwise, it's a free roll. And uh, because they're they're filing for what's a, a stay of the judgment, Ivy's team, that basically they uh, they shouldn't have to pay until the uh, the appeal is heard. Uh, this is the, this is from uh, Ivy's attorney, by the way. This is a uh, further a loss of virtue of judgment that is so great as to threaten the existence of the Mo- the Movant's business qualifies as irreparable injury. In- indeed, the advent of g- great loss is the exception to the rule that where there's purely economic in- injury, the Movant ordinarily cannot not Movant, the Movant not Movant. The movement cannot, ordinarily cannot satisfy the irreparable injury requirement, and so so basically, what what they're saying here is um, the the loss of ten million dollars is going to be so harmful to Ivy's bankroll that they shouldn't just take it from him now. That they, that that the whole thing should be complete. Before they take this money from him Otherwise he's not going to be able to continue his business Which is playing poker With, with $10 million gone is what they're saying So that And, and that given that the, only, the whole thing is only about economic Stuff it's not the, There's nothing else involved other than You know who owes who money Is the only part of this case That they're He should be able to hold it until it's uh, Final that he really owes the money and there's no more appeals and it's over. So that that's that's Ivy's uh, claim. But then in response, the Borgata's attorney wrote, although not fully articulated, the defendant's argument appears to be that there's irreparable harm because of the amount of the judgment. This does not satisfy the well-settled understanding of what constitutes irreparable harm. And he says, uh, purely economic harm does not qualify as irreparable. So they're saying, look, you know, just because you can't play poker for a while doesn't mean it's irreparable harm. Uh, just just because you're, you're you're poorer than you were before is not irreparable harm. Irreparable harm is harm that you actually cannot come back from. So, 
Uh, for example, let's say you needed money to get a medical procedure and there's a judgment against you. And if you didn't get the procedure, then you'll have some kind of uh, it'll, it'll physically harm you by not being able to get this procedure, which you desperately need and, and have to pay for. So so there there could be a movement that there's irreparable harm to you to have to give up the money right now. But uh, they're saying, look, just because you're saying you'll be poor and won't be able to keep playing poker at, at super high limits, that's not irreparable harm. So I, I've got to agree there, too. <laughs> so. Uh, and and there's, there's also the argument that professional gambling is not the same as other types of uh of businesses. He said, uh, there's no testimony or evidence in this case that the defendants will be prevented from pursuing their careers as professional gamblers if a stay is not granted. That is a stay of him having to, uh, uh, being able to keep the money. Uh, The defendant's brief does not even try to make the argument. It just cites Menard, which is the case, uh, in attempt to get this court to infer that the defendants are in danger of shutting down. The extent that the to the extent that professional gambling can even be considered to the businesses in Menard, publicly available facts show Ivy is a very long way from going out of business. So that's what they're saying here. They're saying he can just drop down in limits. He doesn't have to play nosebleed stakes. Grind the one two. Yeah, right. Go back. Go back to the one two game you played when you were uh, yeah just starting out. So I, I see the point. Like you, it's not everybody's right to play super high stakes poker. And they're not even say, you know, and they're even saying, look, you know, even if, if we take the ten million, Ivy can still play. We, we see no evidence that he can't play some kind of reasonable stakes to uh, still make a good living. He's not. He doesn't have to play the highest games possible. So, also the brief from the Borgata mentioned something interesting, and in that they tried to estimate Ivy's net worth. Mm-hmm. And how would they have any idea? I think they were looking at like estimates from people that have been estimating over the years and things like that. They said that uh, about a hundred million was the guess. It's but, not that stupid site that had Mattisau as a multimillionaire. I don't know. Yeah, I, see, I don't know where it came from, but I don't know if I believe that his net worth is a hundred million because I don't believe it. Yes, he took in a lot of money from his full tilt ownership, and he's always been a profitable poker player, but. He's also a very, very uh, crazy gambler sometimes. Like, he, he made sports bets and not even, like, positive EV sports bets, but just like, hey, I like this one, and bet millions of dollars. He, he'd play blackjack without counting cards or anything. He would just play. Lost $6 million in one session from what I heard at one point. I, I definitely believe he's made $100 million. I don't think he's got $100 million. You know what I mean? I agree. I also think that given Ivy's reputation and probably continued success playing poker, even if he were to get short on money, he would have no problem having a lot of people agree to back him. Oh, yeah. So I think he could always play these big games. And and even when he has been broke, he's probably still been able to play with other people backing him or uh, loaning him money. So... uh, They're still trying to kind of figure out how much he's worth, and that actually will 
probably figure into whether he is allowed to hold on to the $10.13 million during the time the appeal is being heard without having to post a bond. Because uh, if it's determined that he has so much money that there's no way that this is going to get in the way of, of his, quote, business, then it will probably be ruled that he has to post bond. If it is seen that maybe it'll get in the way or you know it's, it's an excessive an amount of money compared to his net worth, they, they may not make him post bond. But I understand. I understand, like, why let this guy appeal if if his plan is never to pay or maybe to hide the money in the meantime or whatever. Say, so if you if you want to take another crack at this, then we want to make sure we get it if you lose. The next hearing is scheduled for later this month. So we will see. I've never heard that argument before about posting bond. Now, admittedly, I'm not a big follower of legal cases. I'm not a lawyer, even though I sometimes play one on the show. And I don't follow, like, tons of legal cases. So I'm, I'm sure it's happened before where someone's been uh, told to post bond before appealing. But I hadn't actually heard of this before. I think it's interesting, especially in the case of Ivy. The problem with professional gamblers and collecting from them is that unless they have their money sitting in a bank account or unless they own businesses that are worth a lot of money or homes that are worth a lot of money where they have a lot of equity, it is hard to collect from them because they can always claim, oh man, I just had some terrible sessions and lost all my money. I'm sorry, I'm broke. And then they can just hide their money somewhere. It can be very hard to collect from these people. Yeah, and I'm sure there's no shortage of people who would be happy to, you know, have that money in Macau, for instance. Yeah. You know? So, uh, so, so the, he plays such high stakes. Yeah, he can claim. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, last month I did have a net worth of uh, 19 million. Guess what? Just lost it all in Macau. Ran horrible, horrible. Let's say we don't believe you. Well, who do you lose it to? I don't know some Asian in Macau. I didn't get his name. I bet he could find a whole bunch of people that would stand up and say, "Yeah, it was me." Yeah. Not like they can take the money from them. Yeah, you know? that, that too. So so that's the problem. I see what the Borgata is probably thinking, that he's just going to either win the appeal or lose it and then pretend he has nothing and make it very tough on them as far as collecting. So now I also wonder if this judgment sticks and if he does not have to post bond or whatever, if, if, if the judgment sticks and he hasn't paid. Is this going to be the end of him playing World Series events, knowing that the Borgata can grab any money he wins, Mason Malmuth style? Some of you may remember that Mason Malmuth won a judgment against Dutch Boyd for $60,000 for domain squatting. And Mason had his attorneys file an emergency motion with the Rio when Dutch was running deep in a tournament to hold up. $60,000 Smart And he won the event And they did And Mason got $60,000 It's fucking brutal Yeah So Mason was ready to spring into action He he was waiting He was just saying Okay I know One of these days Dutch is going to run deep Because he's a pretty good tournament player It's going to happen one of these days I'm going to be there to get it And that's what he did So I wonder if the Borgata Will also Especially given how high profile Ivy is He makes a Dutch Boyd look like a, a nobody in poker. 
Phil Ivey. So will, will the Borgata, upon hearing that Ivey's running deep, uh, demand that that money's held up and collect it that way? Uh, there's even a question, what if Ivy has bracelet bets that become publicized? Will Borgata start sending the attorneys to uh, threaten people making the bracelet bets that they better cough up whatever they win? I don't know. I don't think they could directly force those people to pay, but they could try to interfere with the bracelet bet saying that they the bet is invalid because the money's owed to them. I don't know how far they could get with that, but I, I could understand it. If if Ivy's claiming he's broke and then he's making bracelet bets for millions of dollars with people, they can say, okay, well, why is he making bracelet bets? He should be giving us the money. So this could be a very big headache for him, and he may disappear from the U.S. tournament scene and just maybe he will just play in Macau where they can't really touch him. So... This is, uh, I'm sure, a pretty big nightmare for Ivy and one that keeps continuing. Well, if he really does have $100 million, it's not that much of a nightmare. No, it wouldn't be. It... I mean, it's 10% of his net worth, but, you know. Yeah, he still have $90 million left. <laughs> yeah, he can yeah. still live okay. Yeah, at, at some point when you have enough money, there's two ways to look at it. When you have that much money, there's two ways to look at it. You can look at it like, oh, my God, $10 million, what could I have done with that? Think of all the great things I could have bought with $10 million. The other way to look at it is I still have $90 million. Like who has $90 million? Like almost no one. So like I'm still way, way better off than just about everybody else. And honestly, it's not going to affect my lifestyle much. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, like we've seen from a number of celebrities and sports stars and everything, it it matters what your burn rate is too, right? I mean, we've seen no end of sports stars that have made tons and tons of money. But because their burn rate was so high, I mean, it just evaporates quickly, you know? Yeah, I've always but wondered, I, is there some amount of money, that that realistic amount that people actually make? Now, I'm not saying like a trillion dollars, but I'm saying like, is there some amount of money that people actually have made that they they couldn't burn through if they're irresponsible? I, I don't mean if they're trying to lose it. I mean like if they – is there some amount of money that someone could have that has been – had at some point by a person who has uh, existed that if you put that in the hands of a irresponsible person that they'd blow it all and be broke hey, have you ever heard of a podcast um called the dollop no fantastic podcast you would you would really really like it it's uh, two comedians um but what they talk about are actual things that happened in american history like just some Absolutely ridiculous and awesome stories. And one of them was uh, about America's worst lottery winner ever. <laughs> and it's a really, really good story about how you can burn through just shitloads of money. Yeah. It's amazing how fast that can go. And, and I'll the put way a link in the chat and I'll send it to you too because it, it is a fantastic podcast. And this one in particular is germane to what you're talking about. Look at this though. You're, you're advertising the competition. There's going to be people, oh, on, people, people are going to say, not, I, you're going to be really jealous because these guys actually have, uh, they actually make money. Yeah. See, the, the problem pocket. is they make, they make good money. You're going to have people messaging me. You know what? I listen to your show every week, but I haven't heard it in a while since I found this dollop thing that, uh, Calwa talked about. I just don't have time for two podcasts and yours had to go. Sorry. 
Well, I already put it in chat, so it's too late. I bet they don't have a call to listen line, though. That's that's right. I bet they don't have a call to listen line. (laughs) (laughs) But they do live shows. Yeah, but they do they do actual live podcasts sometimes. Well, okay, but the the point is though, if you let's say you're driving uh, in the mountains and you want to listen to their live podcast, and you have one bar that that may not even have a data connection, you you could listen to that. You cannot listen to that show if that happens. On this show, you can. Yeah, you can. How? We, you, you've got a podcast app on your phone, and it downloads the latest stuff, keeps it on there. You can listen to it. No, I'm talking if it's live. Oh, the live one? Well, no, yeah. no. I, they record it live is what oh, I Oh, mean. that's not the same thing. Well, I, but you could go there and see it. I can't go anywhere and see you on stage doing this, can I? No, but I, look, look. There's something special about actually actually listen to, listening live as something happens. And it, it's like someone saying, why don't you just watch sports a few hours later than, than when it occurs, even if you can avoid spoilers and stuff. And I know some people do it, but when you do it, you, you also, even though you can fast forward the commercials and there's some better things about it, the whole time it's on your mind, this already happened. The game's already over. The, the emotions I'm seeing uh, of, of all the players, this is already done. They're, they're back at home now. Like it's, I think that with, when I sometimes do records a sporting event or sometimes pause it and go do something else and then come back and watch it to catch up. I'm like, oh, this moment is so exciting. I go, wait a minute, this is already over. It's, it's already happened. Like, a, It, it kind of interferes in my mind that this has already concluded, or at least the moment I'm watching ended a while ago. So I, I think to hear a live show is a lot more interesting than hearing a show recorded live. Recorded live just means you're too lazy to post-produce, like I am here too. So, anyway, uh, but I'll believe you that's a good show. And, yeah, the, the lottery winners are, are notoriously terrible. And, and, of course, the reason for that is that if you are not used to managing a lot of money or living with a lot of money, often you will be very bad at handling having a lot of money because you have no experience with it. Now, there are some people who are very financially responsible that just don't have much money that if they did win a whole lot of money they would still be responsible with it but there's many others who don't know what to do and often people who play the lottery are ones who are dreamers that they are poor or lower middle class we, and, we like to call them suckers yeah and the, not because so, they're poor but the, the lotto is like the, the lotteries are the worst fucking bet that you can do yeah it is it is a horrible return but they think to themselves this is my only chance to be really really rich i'll never be really really rich or even just rich so this is my only chance of of getting there even if it's a tiny tiny chance so that's why they do it so the ones that do win tend not to be already wealthy or semi-wealthy people they tend to be people who have not very much at all so then some of them have terrible money management skills uh, sometimes what eats up the money it, it's leeches that kind of uh, latch on to the lottery winner and pretend to be uh, their friend or pretend to have romantic interest in them or pretend to have a lot of problems that they can solve or or, or in many cases they just kind of feel like they have to be generous to everybody. They have to start supporting. They, they go around with an entourage that they support. 
Um, well, you you listen to that story and you're gonna love it. You're yeah. gonna love it. But yeah, I mean, it is an interesting question. Like, how much money it, it, would it be? Something that you'd have to be pretty irresponsible to blow through. You know, let's say that you hundred million dollars. I mean, I don't know. I guess it would be doable. Oh, that's if very doable. Idiot, if you're an idiot and you you know you bought couple of vacation properties, a couple of fancy cars. Oh yeah, a lot of athletes have blown it through hundreds of millions. They, a they, billion, a billion might be hard though. But it can be done with bad investments. There's, there's the, that's the big killer. Is there's no shortage of, of really bad investments that that you sink a lot of money into. And there's right. some people that just really are horrible at being able to tell that some idea is a fail. Look at look at all these poker things that that have come up. That we know are going to be a fail, and they somehow find these suckers to invest millions of dollars in them. And you know they're going to fail. You know they're that, that it doesn't have any kind of sensible business plan. And everybody, like you, you look on the forums, and everyone's like, "This is going to fail." This is, like it's not like we're geniuses saying that uh, it's going to fail when everyone else is saying it's going to work, and then we're right. Why, like, why like, do I think of Dreyfus for some reason? <laughs> I, I just picture the cube in my head. Well, anyway, you, you, uh, you, can, you can also think of Annie Duke and Jeffrey Pollock, too, with, with the epic poker fail leak. I try not to think of Annie Duke. <laughs> so so there's been a number of these where they inexplicably get funding for something that has just about no chance to make any money. So, And it's always other people's money they manage to get for this. They, they solicit people and they convince them it's a good idea. But it's not just in poker, obviously. There's, there's so many bad ideas that get a lot of money sunk into them a lot of money behind them and a lot of times it's just someone is a good salesman they they just convince those with the money to invest that such and such a great is a great idea such and such is, is going to be innovative it's going to change everything it's going to be uh the new huge thing and the investors surprisingly sometimes don't ask that many questions. They kind of just accept it or they accept the answers they're given with it in the face of all common sense. Uh, it, it, it amazes me sometimes, the money that's put into it. Now, admittedly, I find it difficult to see the difference between what ends up being a great idea that ends up hugely successful and one that's uh, a kind of seemingly okay idea which may or may not succeed like I can't say every great idea I would have guessed would have become huge like like, like let's take Twitter for example I know Twitter's had their financial issues because they they're having a hard time selling uh, you know they're having a hard time monetizing the thing among other problems but putting that aside it's obviously a very 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 well-known site a very very well-known social media platform and now is a used frequently by our president. But when Twitter first came out and I heard about what it was, I wasn't impressed by it. I didn't say, oh, wow, yeah, if, if I've always been thinking if only we had 140 characters to, to post a message and nothing more than that, that's going to really catch on. Like, I didn't think that. At first I heard it was kind of, I thought it was kind of stupid. I didn't think it was sure to fail, but I wasn't wowed by it. I didn't necessarily think, oh, wow, this is going to blow up big. You're not going to believe me, but this is honestly true. I... I, I thought of the idea of Twitter before it, Twitter was ever a thing. Like, God's honest truth. You know what I thought of before it became a thing was StubHub. I actually StubHub, ran, yeah. I, I ran a, ti- a tiny version of StubHub, but just yep. very localized. For, for well, local. I mean, and, you know, unfortunately, 
a lot of people uh, don't realize this, but ideas are worth shit. Yeah. I mean, they're really. I mean, unfortunately, they are. Um, so you know, it's not really even anything anything to boast about. Saying that I uh, had thought of it already, but no, I back in the day. Uh, do you remember when AOL Instant Messenger was a thing? Yes, yes. So I used to use this all the time, and I, I was one of those guys that I, you know, I would find all sorts of weird or funny stuff on the internet, and then I would send it to like everyone that I was uh, had on my aim list. Right? Yeah. And I, I thought I'm like, you know what? I should just make something that I could just post it once, and everyone would see. Oh. This useless shit <laughs> that I was putting out there, yeah, that's which interesting. is essentially what Twitter is, right? Yeah. You, it's essentially a public I am. Yeah, I right? didn't really think of it that way, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a good Well, point. that's really all it is, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, but of course, I did nothing with it, so I don't have, I don't own a company that I can't sell right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'll admit with things like that, that I don't always, uh, something that does become very big, I'm not always wowed by the idea when I first see it come out. But but there's ones I know that are going to fail when I see them, and they almost always do. They're, I can't even think of one where I think, oh, wow, this is going to be a huge failure, and then it works. I, I, I can't even think of one like that. So, uh, I thought back in the day this internet thing was just a fad. <laughs> Never going to really amount to anything. So uh, it's – anyway, let's, let's uh, go on here. Ignition, which is the spin-off from Bovada for their US player base, which is poker and casino only, no sports book. They fear when they did that starting October first, twenty sixteen, was that the games were going to go to crap because you would not have the fish that come from the sports book, especially during NFL season where you tend to get a lot of fish. I used to love Bovada during NFL season. I used to Especially once the season got going, uh, November, December, January were great months on Bovada, and I used to love some of the players I would play against there. Free money. Uh, then, after football season was over, it became more of a challenge. Then it became more about was I running well or running poorly. Uh, ignition without the sports book. I thought might be a problem. Now, there were some fish on there, but there was a noticeable difference in the quality of games, and I noticed it was actually getting harder and harder as I, as I was on there. I also ran bad, but uh, I uh, I kind of got off to a bad start on Ignition and then quit for a little bit because I, I was frustrated. Uh, I, I didn't lose a lot of money. I, I lost on them downright not Ignition total. But I, I didn't lose a whole lot of money there. I just kind of got off to a bad start and said, you know what? I'm kind of tired of this for the moment. I'm just going to take a break. But uh, there may be some help coming. Now, Ignition, it, it's supposedly a different company that bought the poker product from Bovada, but it really didn't. It's really Bovada just under another name. They won't admit it, but th- that's the truth. I don't have... Absolute ironclad proof, but a lot of circumstantial evidence points to that. What is one of the pieces of evidence is that Ignition is on the same network as the other Bodog products that are on that uh, face different markets. 
So Bodog Asia and other Bodog markets have their poker merged with Ignition to where you're playing these players on the same tables. You can't tell which is which. It's still anonymous. But uh, the people sitting at your table could be from Asia or other parts of the world. But but despite that, the uh, the games still aren't very good. The truth is that most of the fish on Bovada came from the U.S. who were sports bettors. So, Bodog has decided that they're going to expand to Central and South America. And this may actually help. I don't know how much. But uh, they've made the announcement that uh, they're going to be expanding their market. Now, Bodog has their affiliate marketing partners called Betting Partners. If you're getting any kind of secret rakeback from Ignition, uh, it's through this Betting Partners of which independent affiliates work and then might be sneaking you right back under the table if you're one of those few lucky people. But anyway, Betting Partners is the ones that manage that. And they announced, I think Betting Partners, by the way, is is the same company, but whatever. Uh, They announced that Bodog will soon feature a Latin American presence. And the reason they announced this is to the ones working as affiliates for them. That uh, they're telling them, hey, guess what? You're going to be marketing now to Latin Americans as well. So 16 different Central American and South American nations are going to be joining or going to be marketed to. Uh, So far, the poker, sorry, the Bodog related sites have been... uh, only available in four countries, U.S., Canada, China, and Vietnam. So, and in China and Vietnam, it's only as good as the marketing is. So you may say, oh, China, wow, that's got to be a, a gold mine. Not really, if not enough Chinese know about it, then it's not. So it's going to go from four countries to 20. Now, of course, number of countries doesn't matter that much. The population matters, the marketing matters, the interest in poker matters. But th- this is what bet- betting partners sent out to its affiliates. We are excited to announce that as of February 15th, which is in a week from today, our partnered brands, Bovada and Bodog, will be launching their product offerings in Latin America. Bovada Sports and Casino will be available in Mexico, while only Bodog Poker, Casino, and Sports will, will launch in the following countries. Uh, sorry, let me read that again. I said this wrong emphasis. Bovada Sports and Casino will be available in Mexico only, while Bodog Poker, Casino, and Sports will be launching in the following countries. Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Ecuador, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Mexico, Nicaragua, Paraguay, Peru, Venezuela. They said Mexico twice. Actually, they should have left Mexico out there, but... Uh, Basically, they're saying that uh, all these countries they're adding, except Mexico, poker is going to be available. And in Mexico, it'll be sports and casino only. So you're not going to be playing against Mexicans. 
They're building a poker wall. <laughs> but uh, everywhere else, they're they're going to have poker, as well as other other two, including sports and casino, which is good because people may come on there for the sports and casino and stay for the poker. So. These will be players sitting with you in ignition. So we will not be able to tell which ones are which. You won't say, ah, this is one of the Latin American guys. You won't be able to tell if a fish sitting with you is is in Chile or if he's just uh, a U.S. fish on ignition. You can't tell because it's anonymous. But... You, uh, you'll probably notice some difference, provided they market fairly well. Now, I saw in Poker Fraud Alert there was a discussion, and someone said, I don't think this is going to help. In fact, I think it might make the games worse. And he reasoned that people who play from these countries tend to know what they're doing. There aren't a lot of recreational gamblers over there. So if you see someone who's playing from Bolivia, they're probably a good player. I don't agree with that. I'm not saying it'll be 100% fish from these countries, but these countries, if it's marketed a lot there, these are not necessarily countries where the only people who are interested in playing poker are pros. I think anyone with money who likes to gamble that can go on to Bodog and says, hey, poker, yeah, I want to play this. They'll sit down. I think there's a lot of potential fish that can come there. So going from four countries to 20 on the network, I think is very helpful. So how much this affects the games, I don't know. But I definitely don't think it'll hurt. I think it'll be somewhere in between not noticeable to a big influx of fish. And we'll have to see. By the way, Bodog goes back 23 years. 23 years ago, Bodog started as a phone-based sportsbook by founder Calvin Ayer. In these 23 years, they have avoided any kind of major scandal. They're not perfect. I've I've had some issues with them at times, but they've basically avoided any kind of major scandal or major bust. That's pretty impressive. And they've always been good at paying people out. Even when it was getting harder and harder to pay people in the U.S., they were the only ones who could reliably pay U.S. players quickly. They are they are, and ha- always have been whizzes in illegal payment processing. It's amazing how good they've been at illegal payment processing. <laughs> and they and they get they get their processors busted and they just continue on. There's it's like there's no way to stop them. It's like it's like when you think you've exterminated your house of rats. You put out some traps, you catch the rats, you're like, okay, done with that. 
and then you're in your bed at night and you hear a rat scurrying downstairs. That's that's the way the DOJ feels about Bovada. They and Bodog. Like they they just they they can't get them. They can't stop them. You know what? I mean, I think if they were a big enough fish, I think they probably could get them, don't you? Well, so this is interesting. I heard rumors, I think last year or year before, that affiliates were told, stop marketing Bovada. We're, we're too big. We're, we're, we're worried now that since we're the biggest offering for U.S. players, yeah, that they're going to go after us next. So... Leave that it would alone. make complete sense. And I was also aware of the fact that they were very careful to make themselves uh, not open to players where legalized online poker existed. So you couldn't sign up from Nevada. You couldn't sign up from uh, from Delaware or New Jersey. That they excluded these states because they want to prevent, number one, these states from going after them as illegal competition and number two, from a case being established by an undercover person you know, working for the government, signing on, placing a bet, and getting the necessary evidence. They want to make it harder on them. Because that's, that's the way these busts always start. As stupid as it sounds, the way they had to start these busts is by signing on an account, depositing some money, and placing at least one real money wager. If you cannot find someone who can do that, it's very hard to make a case. So think about it. If, if they are looking to bust Bodog and say Nevada, and then they're not taking new Nevada players. Uh, it, they have to prove someone from Nevada is placing, is depositing and placing wagers. So if they can't sign on new, and if they sign on new and from a phony state, that doesn't help because then that, uh, then Bodog could claim, well, Hey, we thought you weren't in Nevada. So they have to find someone to do it. So yes, I guess if they really looked hard, they could find someone, you know, maybe who they busted for some other crime that's been doing this. And say, hey, if you come forward and say you place this bet, or prove it to us that you can place bets there, we'll let you off for this, uh, you know, this other charge of uh, you know, whatever you did, provided it's not too major. But it, it becomes harder. It creates an additional hurdle. But but mainly they're doing it just to avoid the wrath of states that want to go after them. So it's not like they feel like they cannot be touched. But they've always managed to be able to avoid anything that stops them. And at one point, a state, I think it was Kansas or Kentucky, something with a K, uh, seized the Bodog.com domain as an action against them. So what did they do? They just started uh, Bodog.eu or whatever it was at the time. They just switched over to .eu. And that was that. And people who went to Bodog.com that couldn't reach it, they eventually learned where they were. Yeah, but didn't some uh, SEAL site try the same thing? The SEAL site, I think, was... They, they just switched on their own. But then after after they got busted, they switched to uh, they just switched to a different domain name. To... I think they, they did that emulating Bodog, didn't Yeah, they, they did, yes. But they, they yeah. didn't But they didn't get it seized first. They just... Uh, they did it in advance, where Bodog actually... Bodog.com actually got seized. Let me see if it's still seized. I, I I don't know if it still is or if they got it back. Let me see. Let me see Bodog.com. Yeah, it's still seized. <laughs> Go there right wow. now. That, 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 this is the second seizure. There there was a first seizure by, by the state of Kentucky or, or Kansas, one of those two. Wait a minute. The state of Kansas seized it? Yeah, they, they, they 
because of the illegal gambling that took place there. They they had a court case about it, and they won rights to the domain. Wow. So they took it, and then I don't know what happened after that. I forget if they got it back or not, but now the uh, the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Homeland Security in Maryland took it. And I wonder if, like, the district attorney in Kansas got, like, one outer playing on Bovada and just got really pissed off. <laughs> just said, fuck it. I'm going to take this thing over. Let's see if the chat room remembers which one it was. I think... Is it Kansas, Kentucky? I don't. I don't know. It's, it's one of those two. That kind of bothers me. I don't know. But yeah, go. I mean, look. If you're listening right now, go to bodog.com. It's funny. It's funny to see this scary screen pop up, and then know they've just been operating through all that. Like this happened years ago, and they're still operating without any kind of hindrance, other than the few you, states. Do you remember exactly when uh, they got seized? Uh. I think it mid 2013, 2012, a long time ago. I fairly I'm used to the Wayback Machine and see if I can see the change. Yeah. I, I'm forgetting, but I remember talking about it. I remember thinking, mm, is this the end of them? But I'm like, you know what? They seem to be so resilient. Like, nothing seems to really mean the end of them. So, we'll see. I hope Ignition improves. I really do. I like that there's active Limit Hold'em on there. I like that there's semi-active 08 on there. I just wish there were more fish. There's a lot of tough players there and not that many fish anymore. That's the truth. So if you run poorly, as I did, then you lose. (laughs) Whereas before, when there were enough fish, I could run below average and still win because the fish would make up for it. Looks like there was also a Bodog.lv. That I don't know about. I know Bovada.lv was was their site. And the the funny thing, LV is Latvia, but the LV, of course, is supposed to be Las Vegas. And and the Bovada is supposed to sound like Nevada. That's where where they got the name. Yeah, I'm crawling back through this, and there was... um... Yeah, it looks like Bodog was the original one, and then they registered Bodog.lv. Okay, maybe that's what it was. I guess that maybe I was confusing it with, with Bovada.lv, which also exists. But Looks like it was sometime in 2012. Yeah, that okay, that sounds was... about right. It was sometime around there. I said 12, 13, yeah, somewhere around there. Like, I remember it happened after Poker Fraud Alert started, but not that much after. That's kind of what my memory was. So yeah, I I, th- I think it's good. I I think what they're doing is good, and I'm glad they're bringing the poker product to all these countries. The good thing with poker is uh, as long as people have the desire to play, a lot of people have the erroneous belief that they are good at the game when they suck at it. There's very few people who say I'm terrible at poker. I'm going to play anyway. Most poker players, even the fish, believe that they're at least fairly good. They don't think they're the very best in the game, but they they think, okay, I'm at least a a decent player. I've got a fair shot to win here. There may be a few guys better than me at the table, but I'm I'm pretty good. Very few sit down and say, I suck, I'm the worst guy here, I'm I'm dead money. Very few players sit down thinking that. That's, That's the allure of the game. 
is that a lot of people really believe that they're good at it. Do you but, think uh, Nolan Dalla thought he was good at poker? I'm sure he did. I don't know much of his history. Was he was he a big time poker player at one point, or he, he was, was he always I mean, just he was, kind of in the managerial role? No, no, he was a player at one point. I don't know. I don't know when he tra- transitioned, but he did play for quite some time in the old days. And he, I know he knew uh, Stewie Unger pretty well. What about his sports betting? Is he a professional sports better? I I don't know if he considers himself that. I you know obviously with him taking a job at the World Series, whatever he's doing, he's not killing it because. Uh, you don't take a job, I mean, like a, some kind of very prestigious job at the World Series where, like, you know, like Jack Affle's job, I could see someone taking you in if they're doing well playing poker just because, you know, they're, they're the tournament director of the World Series. Right, right. Even someone like in Seth Polanski's position, I could say, okay, you're like the number two guy. Uh, okay, fine. But um, someone, uh, in fact, I'm not even sure, I never even figured out if Seth actually works for Jack or if I, I think actually they they may actually be equals there. I know Seth is the one in charge of communications and, and marketing. So he may not, he may be number two in some I aspects. I think they're both under Ty Stewart. Yeah, that's what I think. I was going to say, I, I think they're under Ty Stewart. I mean, I know, I know Jack's under Ty Stewart. I don't know who Seth is directly under, but I think he may be directly under him too. And that's just that as far as world series itself matters, he may be under Jack as far as those type of decisions. But, uh, but that as far as, who they report to and Seth has the things he's charged in charge of. And then um, Jack has what he's in charge of. These are just my guesses. I don't have any information on that other than Ty Stewart being the top one. But, uh, you know, if you have a high position like that in management, then I can see the desire a successful player would have to do that anyway. And, and by the way, uh, Seth Polanski, Jack Eiffel, they were, they were not successful poker players. They just, uh, I don't even know how much they ever played poker. I know they've played. Well, they a little don't bit. need to be, right? Yeah, they don't need to be. I'm just saying that they these weren't poker players who transitioned. But but uh, someone I could see someone could do that, and it would make sense. Isn't there an owner of one of the casinos who's a big? Still is right. God, why my memory is not working? Are you talking about uh, Billy Baldwin? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's yeah. he's very good. But didn't he start as a poker player? Yeah, and he, he was. Just, yeah. You know, just knew the right people and yeah. just kind of fell into it. Yeah, into MGM. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, someone Nolan Dollar's position, I'm not sure what his exact, his exact title is, but I think you know, the exact title is unemployed right now. <laughs> isn't it? I, I thought he still. <laughs> I thought he doesn't work for the World Series anymore. I I don't know. I thought he did. I mean, he 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 did last year, unless he lost the job. That's a, some of the controversy was when the whole Jacqueline Moscow thing happened a, a week before the World Series. Like, oh, is the World Series going to fire him? And the World Series did would not. You, they, if you were Ty Stewart, would you renew his contract? Uh, I'd have to see how he was doing the rest of his job. The, the, the Jacqueline like, Moscow thing. Do you consider thing, him irreplaceable? Probably not, but but I would yeah. say that he's if he's been there and if there's a lot of people that like him and if the Jacqueline Moscow thing kind of died out and people were you know, weren't that outraged other than a few social justice warriors, I I could uh, I could understand the uh, I I could understand keeping him there. It, it depends on like the fallout. Like if everyone was calling for his head, I'd say you have to get rid of him. But uh, if if it's just one of these things that blows out for a short blows up for a short time and only the SJWs are demanding his firing and everyone else kind of doesn't care, then uh, you know who cares. The 
By the way, speaking of social justice warriors and, and Jacqueline Moscow, um, I had assumed for a long time because they all jumped to her defense and made her like the poster child of mistreated women in poker. I had assumed for a long time that she was one of them. And I found out later she wasn't at all. I found out later that like they just kind of attached themselves to her. <laughs> and she's like, well, I guess they're on my side, whatever. But they, she wasn't friends with these people. They just they just they found her as a victim of convenience. Sure. And I, it's, it's funny because I, I kind of, real, I kind of realized that, but I kind of just, because they were on the same side, I kind of just put them as one, and just thought she's probably one of them too. But then I, I realized, I found out later that that was not true at all. That these were not friends of hers. These were not people who, who, she agreed with with, with other issues. They just decided, like, this is the perfect victim that we could go against the patriarchy of poker and attack. Mm-hmm. So we, that she really was a victim of convenience for the SJWs in poker, honestly. So that that was kind of an interesting thing to find out, and I, I found it out because I was, you know, when I was having conversations with her, and I made some kind of comment like, "Oh, I, I, I you know, I know you don't think this way. I know, like, I, I said something referring to how she's an SJW, and I don't, I don't agree, but I'm not holding that against her personally." She's like, "I'm not one of those people. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you talking right. about?" So, and I believe her too. He wasn't BSing me. Like I, 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 once, once she said that and I put it together, I'm like, oh, you know what? That's true. Like if you've got, if you've got a gripe with how you were treated and a bunch of people jump to your defense and, and, uh, back you, what do you say? Go away. I don't like you. Cause I, I don't really agree with other things you say and do. No, you, you don't, you, 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 you're happy to get support wherever you get it. You know, my attempt to guide you into talking about the Nolan Dalla topic has just failed terribly. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about him again. I know. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm anxious to get to that. I know. I want to hear it. Okay, so okay. We'll skip to it. Fine. Everybody wants to hear the Nolan Dalla meltdown. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't I was want to ruin your agenda if you're saving it as, like, you know, the... No, the I just... I, yeah. I kind of threw this together. This, you know, when I was throwing the agenda together, it happened to be one of the later things that I was thinking, what do we talk about this week? And, like, for some reason... That came near the end of when I was thinking, what do, what do we put in? And, uh, you know, sometimes there's something that a lot of people are going to want to hear. and You just kind of forget about it until you're near the end of the agenda. I've even had before where I forget something completely and someone points out, hey, what about this? I go, oh, my God, how did I forget that? I just want you to talk about it before I fall asleep. Okay, okay, let's let's jump to it then. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's get over to it. We'll be done with it. What do you think, Trederuski? You want to hear it? You know I'm with you on that one. Okay, well, I, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's more interesting than the next topic I was going to go to about Stacey Madison beating uh, Kasuf in the uh, fake grudge match. So, that which we'll talk about anyway. But I'll, I'll, anyway. I'm going to jump past it. I'm going to jump past oh. it and go to the topic that the people want to hear. I've had others say that they they want to hear about this, and you know, I have to thank one of our listeners for bringing this to my attention right when it was posted. Like when I watched this, there were like almost no views of this thing. And someone said, are oh, you got, you know, message me and said, take a look at this. And, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to admit something here. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what a, uh, rabble rouser I am. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what a troublemaker I am. This is the truth. When I saw this, this uh, Nolan meltdown, the, the Nolan Dalla meltdown on YouTube. The first person I sent it to on Twitter was Jacqueline Moscow. 
Oh, no. <laughs> I, said, I said you're going to want to see this. And, oh, I, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have done God. this. I, I wouldn't have done this if, uh, if Nolan Dalla was, uh, you know, sharing something privately with me or with one of my friends. Like, I, I wouldn't have violated his privacy in any way. But he posts something on YouTube for everyone to see. Then, then it's fair game. That's public YouTube. So, so literally, the first thing you did after seeing it was just uh, like tweet it over to Jack Lemmon. Yeah, I, mean, I, well, I sent it to her as a DM, but I'm like, I'm like, I know who's going to want to see this. <laughs> now, after well, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll talk about it after you. Okay, so so here's what happened: the Super Bowl. We might as well talk about the Super Bowl quickly first, and then we'll jump into this because it's about the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, the Atlantic Falcons and the New England Patriots. We had a, an upstart team with a great quarterback that had an amazingly good season in Matt Ryan for the Falcons. A team with a great offense facing a dynasty team, the New England Patriots, who just make it to the Super Bowl over and over and over again. And their quarterback, Tom Brady, who's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, who is now pretty old. He's going to be 40 this year. So, end of his career for sure. I don't know. Yeah, it may not be the very last year for him, but he's uh, in his final stages of his career. And you had the Falcons that were looking stronger and stronger throughout the playoffs, and you had the Patriots who kind of looked questionable. You know, They made it to the Super Bowl, but they just didn't look as strong. And the last time I saw this happen... It was the Patriots against the Giants, and the Giants crushed them as a big underdog. In fact, I knew some people personally who lost a lot of money betting on the Patriots at like a minus 480 type line on the the money line. Just got crushed for big money. And I remember when I heard about that bet, I, I, I wanted to say to them, you know, I'm not an NFL betting expert, but I really think this is the wrong time to bet on the big favorite. I really think if you're going to lay like a minus 480, it's got to be a time where you just can't picture the other team winning. And this, I could totally picture the Giants winning that one because they were going the right way momentum-wise, and the Patriots went from like super dominant that season to as as the playoffs were going on, they were kind of getting seemingly weaker and weaker. They seemed to be less decisively winning. So this was another one where I kind of had that feeling that the Falcons seemed to be the ones with the momentum. And the fact that Brady was 39. and uh, the, the the Patriots were not a huge favorite. They were only a three-point favorite this time. But I thought the Falcons were the better bet. In fact, I was considering placing a Falcons bet that was uh, a fav- like an alternate line where they were a favorite and I'd get like plus, plus 230. I really thought they were going to win outright by a touchdown or more. And I was really considering doing it, and then between the fact that I'm, I'm, I didn't have any money in my uh, sports betting accounts at the moment, and just some logistical matters, I just I couldn't get the bet down. I could have with a lot of effort, but I didn't want to put the effort. I said, "Screw it," you know. It's a Super Bowl line. It's very heavily analyzed. You know, am I really sharper than the the Vegas line makers? You know, I don't think so. <laughs> so I was like, "Why am I going to put all this effort out to just make a Super Bowl bet?" It just felt foolish. So, and I, and I tell you what, man, that was an amazing, amazing Super Bowl. Yeah. So incredible. It, it was. So what happened 
for those of you that don't know, it's uh, right away the Falcons jumped out to a 20 nothing lead. And I'm looking at it going, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Why didn't I do it? Why? Why didn't I bet on the Falcons minus some points, like minus three and a half or something that I was going to do and get plus 230? And, you know, I, I, I was I was so annoyed that I, I didn't place that bet. And I was so annoyed I placed my bet at that point. Oh, you placed yours on the, on the, on the Patriots? Uh, yeah, I like Well, see, I could, I could have bet against you. And you, you looked at Tom Brady and some of those close-up shots that they had, and he just looked like a deer in headlights. He's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, so... so the, They're know, not used to they're getting their dick stomped like that. Yeah, and I'm thinking, wow, this totally makes sense, exactly like I thought, that the, the, the Falcons have all the momentum. They've got this super, this amazingly good offense that the, the, the Patriots have been... They haven't been looking as strong lately. They're just getting smacked down. They're walking in believing they're the favorites and they're going to win again. Nope, they're getting smacked down. They were. 21 nothing, And and the game went on. It wasn't much better. 28-3. And after three quarters, only a little bit better for the Patriots. 28-9. So, some people turned off the game. Some people said this is over. It's not even worth watching the fourth. Mark Wahlberg left. No, he did <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, 19 points is not insurmountable, but it just didn't look like it was going to happen. And then, amazingly, through two touchdowns, a field goal, and two extra point and two conversion, two two point conversions, which are not easy to do. And should we talk about an incredibly fucking boneheaded play calling too? Yes, and, and a boneheaded play calling on the part of the Falcons. Uh, it ends up a tie, twenty eight twenty eight. In the final minute, by the way, is when the, the last uh, points are scored. So, massive choke job by the Falcons, who looked like they were going to blow them out. But they still had a chance in overtime, but of course you knew had the momentum at that point. Final score, 34-28. And they won the coin toss, you know? Yeah. I mean, ev- <laughs> everything went right. Everything. Yep. 34-28. New England Patriots, and Tom Brady went from being seen as a choker who got what he deserved for speaking uh, nice words about Donald Trump to just another thing adding to his legend. I'll tell you, Drew, I was originally going to watch the game uh, with uh, some guys that were getting together and playing poker and watching the game and all that stuff, but my kids said that they wanted to watch it with me i'm like all right you know they they haven't really taken an interest in it in the past but sounds good go down there uh and my older son was rooting for the falcons and he got sleepy when it was like i don't know 28 28 20 something like that maybe maybe they hadn't even scored that other eight points maybe it was 28 12 so he went up to do his nighttime thing, get ready for bed. And I went up there and I, I was like, you're never going to believe it. It's 28 to 28. <laughs> it's tied up. He looks at me like, what? And the poor kid had to wake up the next morning and see that the team he was rooting for lost. Um, and that was incredible. That was just Yeah. It really is one, like one of the biggest chokes of all time as far as a major sporting event goes. I'm not talking about just in regular season games, but I mean, there's, there's, in some kind of major game, 
that, that was a huge choke job by uh, by the Atlanta Falcons, and they they, they made some, some horrible play calling. So Nolan Dalla, back to him. He bet on this game. <laughs> he only bet sixteen hundred dollars. The way he's gonna, you're gonna hear how he's melting down. You, it would seem like he bet his house on this, but he didn't. He bet sixteen hundred dollars. I don't know how much money he has, but the, it, there's no way sixteen hundred dollars is, is a massive financial burden to him. But it appears that he is so pissed about this, and and of course, he got into his whole mess with Jacqueline Moscow because he was drunk. Okay, that's Nolan Dollar. I was drink- about to say pissed is the key word there, and I mean pissed as in. English, English or Australian pissed. He was drunk as fuck in this video. Yeah, he was, and so so he got drunk, and then he got drunker during you know after what happened, and then decided he's going to record a video. Yeah, of of his reaction to this, which again, he, I'm gonna I'm gonna get drunk, and you know what I'm gonna do? Not only that, I'm gonna record it and then broadcast it on the internet. That seems like a good idea. <laughs> and he does like playing the character on the internet as kind of the the loud, outspoken guy that just says whatever he wants and curses all the time. He does like that image, so I'm sure even as drunk as he was, that's why he wasn't cautious about putting that up there. But you could tell he actually was really drunk. You could like his hair is all disheveled looking. Oh yeah. Uh, he he, he kind of. I think this is not stage. He wasn't faking an angry reaction just to get hits on YouTube. No. I think I think he was aware. When he's recording himself. There's a reason for that, but I really do think he was really mad and really drunk and wanted everyone to know how mad he was. And he, now he t- entitled he titled his own video "Gambler Goes Ballistic Over Atlanta's uh, Super Bowl Meltdown." So accurate, it is accurate. <laughs> so he, he was aware he's going ballistic, but uh, here it is. Listen to this. Let, let me get something out of the way first of all. Well, let me get something out of the way first of all. You can hear this, right? Oh yeah. Let me get something out of the fucking way. All right. Listen to me. The New England Patriots are probably the best dynasty. In the history of the NFL, if if they're not first, they're certainly second. San Francisco 49ers, roughly 82 to 95, maybe better. Let me give the New England Patriots all the fucking credit in the world. Now, by the way, he's got he's got the the celebration in the background paused on his DVR as he's recording this. He didn't even turn off the TV yet. They are a phenomenal team. That's not what I'm set about. That's not why I'm making a goddamn video right now. That is not why I'm fucking insanely angry. All right? Right? New England is a great team. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Bob Kraft, everybody in the New England organization, I bow to you. Now, now wait, a, wait, wait a minute. I, I, I just noticed something I didn't notice when I watched this the first time. Did you notice when he's going, you know, Belichick, like when he's clapping... I noticed the lights got brighter <laughs> while he was doing that. You think, I think he's got a clapper? I think he's got the clapper. <laughs> oh, my God. It went from like a dark room to a, a bright room. I, oh, I, I'm going gonna, gonna to rewind that a little bit. i got to make sure this wasn't just a, a different camera angle or just picked up different light. It's really weird. Let, let me go back a little bit. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Bob Kraft. Yes, yes. A uh, light came on around like 47 that seconds. Is fucking hilarious. I bow to you. Phenomenal job. I am humbled. You overcame a 25 fucking point deficit. The biggest in, in the history of the NFL 
and the biggest in the history of the Super Bowl. That's astonishing to me. Astonishing. That's fantastic. But now, how in the fuck did the Atlanta Falcons blow a 25 fucking point lead? 31 points consecutively scored in the second half? Really? 31 points in the second half? <clears throat> That's not why I'm upset. That is not why I'm upset. People, listen to me for a second. Listen to me. Let me explain something to you. I've been watching football for... I, I don't know how long I've watched football. So long I can't even fucking see straight. I want you to understand something. New England has the ball. New England has the ball. With about 2 minutes and 45 seconds, 3 minutes right in there, they're down on the... The, the the 23 sorry the 22 yard line with an 8 point lead a 22 yard line 8 point lead and they've got the fucking ball on second and 11 right what do you do here's what you do wait a second here's what you do you run the ball up the middle one two three and then you kick a goddamn field goal and the game's over because they got an 11 point lead and there's no fucking way then New England comes back. No fucking way. No way. Now, before I continue here, he's actually gesturing like when he's saying you kick the ball. He's actually kicking with his leg <laughs> as, as if he's kicking the ball. It's a little bit later on, and we're going to hear it, that you can really tell that he's sloshed. Just listen to him. If Atlanta runs the ball once, twice, three times, and doesn't get a fucking yard and doesn't get a fucking yard you know what happens the field goal kicker for Atlanta comes on the field and will kick if they don't get a yard the Atlanta field goal kicker comes on and will kick a 39 yard field goal do you know how many times the Atlanta kicker has missed a 39 yard field goal. And he's holding his laptop looking this up. This is the this is how he knows this is how he knows the answer. He's holding the laptop while he's making he went and researched this before making the video. I tell you, at some point in here, Druff, I thought I was witnessing like his death tape. Because it I mean it looked like he was gonna die in part. And it has this weird lighting other than when the light comes on from the clapping. Uh, it's like this weird dark lighting in the background where it's yeah, it looks like depressing like he's he really is melting down. He really is just in a depressive spiral. I, I'm doing the math here. Once out of 29 fucking times. Do you understand that all you have to do is take the ball, cloud of dust, three yards, game fucking over. Atlanta's one of the best kickers in the NFL. In a dome, in a closed roof, on the fucking rubber grass. It's a 96% field goal. And you fucking take Matt Ryan and you go back to pass, lose 11 fucking yards, then you get penalized, and then you punt, and you give the fucking ball back. He, he, was on, he was on the ground, by the way, while he was saying that. He kind of fell on the ground as he's shouting this stuff. You give the ball back to... Uh, you give the ball back 
to Tom Brady? Are you fucking insane? This is ridiculous. It's insane. How do you do that? Kick the gun to the ball. Run the ball up the middle three fucking times. It's game over, Atlanta Falcons, Super Bowl champions. There you go. Oh, oh. it's so painful. I'm not even a Atlanta Falcons fan. I got the under 59. I've got the. By the way, look this up. You think I'm making this up? By the way, that's the important thing he said there. He was not betting on the Patriots. He said, I've got the under 59. He kind of slurred that, but that he bet on the under. So what he's so pissed about and what he knew, he knew he was dead when it went to overtime, 28-28, he has under 59. And uh, so then the, the total of the game was 62 when it finished 34-28. So he, he's sitting there and it's 28-9 to after three quarters. And you've got under 59 for the game. That's like, you might as well put the money in the bank at that point. You've got it. So he's so angry that uh, the Falcons blew it and took it to overtime, which which caused the, this is the heartbreak of the of the of betting on totals when you bet on unders is when the game is totally on pace to win and then it goes into OT and screws you. And this this happens in any sport where you're betting on a total. So uh, this. That's what he had the bet on. He did not bet on the Falcons. So then he up. couldn't Look. even enjoy overtime because he knew he was fucked. Yes, yes, right. That there, sucks. Right, once it went to OT, it was done. <laughs> that sucks. Wow. Look up the stats. Look it up. It's all right here. Look up the fucking stats of this field goal kicker. If you don't, I can barely breathe. If you don't get a yard, that's Matt Bryant. You think he was he's just winded when he motorboated? Uh, yeah, he's like, oh, Jacqueline, these Seriously, fucking tits, they're in my face. I've got to do this. i got to fucking do this. Yeah, I mean, if he's getting this winded just from going on a rant, I mean, maybe the motorboat thing, he probably left him breathless. You know? Oh, that was great. i got to do it again. i got to do it again. I don't care. Write your blog. Write your blog. Demand money out of our company. I don't care. I'm doing it again. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh, Six percent of the fucking time. That's assuming they don't break one, break one free, and score. Holy shit! How are these coaches? How do they have a job in the NFL? How do they have a job? Seriously, I'm sitting here unemployed. Why, why don't they fucking hire me? I could call a fucking game plan better than they could. Now, maybe he's talking about the fact that he only works during the summer because the World Series starts in, in late May. So we are in uh, early I February. No, but he says I'm sitting here unemployed. Yeah. No, it could, be, it could be temporary. It, it could be seasonal employment. We're, yeah. Sure. But uh, yeah, he's sitting here unemployed. <laughs> uh, well, we, maybe we could do a little side wager. About whether he shows up the World Series or not. Oh, yeah, I, I guess we could. I, 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 I don't have any information on that right now. I, I, I don't either. Well, okay. Maybe we can. We, we have to watch out. we got to do it fast, though, before the chat room influences this. Someone's going to figure it out. All right, you set the line and let me know. Uh, 
about him being at the world, working for the World Series. Like the bet should be: is he an employee of the World Series of Poker? In, well, uh, that's that's different though, because they might, you know, he might have some friends there, and they shuffle him off in the back room. How about does he have a public role in the World Series this year? Well, what is a public role though? Is the problem that that he's interfacing with the public? Or does he have the same job he had the last same year? Job. How about that's that? A good point. Let's yeah. just go with that. Same job. Same job as last year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I th- I think we could bet on that. Like, just either just way, straight even, up. Right? Yeah, straight up, even money. Yes, yeah, so I was gonna say. Yeah. Well, why don't we make it? Why don't we make it a dinner of the other person's choice? Okay. About that. Okay. Uh, deal on. All right. But they, see, I wait, see but, wait, wait, hold on. Which side are you taking? Oh, I'm going to take the side that, that he does. That he's he's still there. <laughs> All right, I'll take the bet. Well, I thought I thought that's the whole point. You're trying to say that he's not there anymore. It's, we've kind of been going that way the whole show. Though. I like he doesn't. No, someone I like he told, doesn't. Someone just told me that he's still there. Okay, well then we but can, I'm we, gonna I'm gonna honor. Oh really? Him. I, I was willing to kill it then if you got the if you got the no, no 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 no. It's it's all good. I'll, I'm, I'll honor I'm not, I'm not watching. If, if it still ends up being true, then I will I will honor it and take you to a dinner of your choice. Yeah, I guess I guess you could run well. Maybe he can get fired between now and then. Anyway, it's possible. It's possible. I really had no info about this. I just assumed that uh, nothing. Ha- I just assumed if what happened last year in May didn't make him get fired, that probably something since you know this didn't. poker fraud alert thing cost me a lot. Of yeah, I know. You're the, you're the, with Brandon, I lose there. You're going to have to take fun. another job. Well, I'll try to. Uh, I'll try to eat light that day. God but he, man. but you know, hey, they could get rid of. It. I mean, look, with the, between the motorboating, this video, this guy's just a loose cannon. I think. <laughs> I mean, do you want him representing you at any time? He could go into, you know, I don't know. Yeah. What, what if they have him doing bracelet ceremonies again? He'll say, "Can you believe this guy? He had this guy was he was down one to ten in chips, and this this fucking idiot." He fucking bluffs all in with nothing against a tight player down one to ten in chips pre-flop. Why, why, why would you do that? That's how he won. <laughs> it's insanity. <laughs> and by the way, how much money did I lose on the, on the ticket? Here's how I lose the tickets right here. See this? <laughs> I lost sixteen hundred dollars, but it's not personal. It's not the money. It's the fucking EV mathematics. Like, how do you not have like not have this? You're you're a fucking NFL coach. By the way, oh, this liquor right here. You see this liquor? I got this in Romania. This is Eastern European, the real thing from Havana Club. This is from from Cuba's Castro. Uh, Cuba's Castro. This is Castro's Cuban. I only break this out, you know what, when I really need some help. That's how, that's how rough this one was. In 20, sorry, this was 1989, 90. This is 27 years, and I go to this as my misery bottle. How do I lose $1,600 when I got a 28 to fucking 3 lead on a fucking Super Bowl? But you think he broke out that? You think he broke out this? You think he broke out this bottle when uh, the Jacqueline Moscow thing broke? I don't know. Hey, you know what's really funny though is if if you also look at his uh, Twitter timeline. Yeah, uh, February fifth, Nolan Dollar. 
Fuck this blowout bore of a super game. Bring on Lady Gaga. Go Falcons. Under twenty, <laughs> under fifty nine. So he's all tweeting about this game's fucking. <laughs> That's funny. So th- that... This game's fucking boring. You know, well, whatever. It got more and exciting. Then, it did and that. the next one says, "Watch this halftime singer. She's got talent. She's going somewhere." And then the next, the next tweet. <laughs> Atlanta coach is a dumb cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Could run a ball up the middle three times, taking a ten point lead with two minutes. Instead, pass, sack, fumble. <laughs> Absurd. And then the next one is disgrace, great greatness, absurd, stupidity, astonishing. What a fucking game. Atlanta blew a lock. <laughs> oh my god. Oh boy. I just love it. He goes from oh, this is boring to just <laughs> Atlanta's coach. Well, that, that's what you get to talk about how this is boring and it's you know, that, you, you don't do that. You don't say it's over. You jinx it. Oh man, he he jinxed the Falcons. <laughs> Seriously, you're down on the 22, 22 yard line. It's the fourth quarter. Now he's tired out. He's he's running out of energy. We're in like the last minute and a half of the video, so he's 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 running out of energy. He's he's dying out here, but he's still got a lot to say. The game's over. You got an eight point lead. You've got the ball. Your offensive line is dominated. All you have to do is run up the middle. It's game over. Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> Super Bowl! Here's what you do. You take the fucking ball. You go back to pass. You fucking get a sack. Boom. Punt. Tom Brady, superstar. Bang. Overtime, New England. Bang. Fuck you. Your money's fucked. <laughs> Way to go, Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Sir, to all of you, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, I feel for you. Fire those fucking idiots who call those idiot plays. How do you have a petty of a job in the NFL and make such a fundamentally wrong coaching decision? <sighs> Ooh. Yes. It was a brutal, brutal beat. I'm Nolan Della. Mm. I'm hoping, ladies and gentlemen, that this bottle, I'm hoping this bottle doesn't get tapped into too many more times. See you next time. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that's that's one story of the Super Bowl. Now, can you imagine if Nolan Dalla was the guy? There's a guy who bet one point one million dollars on the Falcons, and oh. at, at one point, this guy thought that he was going to win one million dollars. That's what he bet one point one on the point spread to win a million. And I would already be celebrating what I was going to do with that money. <laughs> God. Oh, hey, Druff. Yeah. Break. Breaking news. We have a special listener to this segment. Really? I have it on good authority that Mr. Nolan Dalla himself has been listening. <laughs> and has been laughing his ass off. Okay, well, at least he's a good sport about it. At least I'll give him that. I like how the word gets around here. Like, we're talking about, I'm, Nolan, they're talking about you, and he just runs over and has to listen. I mean, I, I would, too. I, it, I don't know that it happened like that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it did. Like, it's just, anyway, it yeah. just, uh, the word gets around. Like, you know, I, I talk about 
someone being accused of cheating and then the person's listening and then they call in and yell at me like uh, it's, it's always what happens. I, I always have to assume whoever we're talking about might be listening. You just like the punishment. <laughs> you know, I, I really just I just take for granted that they might be listening or I take for granted that even if they're not a regular listener to the show, that they're going to get informed oh, yeah. by someone who is and then they will yeah, listen. Just, just like just like when you saw the video your first reaction was to send it to to Jacqueline Moss. I had to. You know, I had to send but it. I, I know, I know, I get it. But as soon, just like that, you know, when someone is uh, someone hears that they're someone they know is being talked about, first thing they're going to do is say, "Hey, they're talking about you here." You know. <laughs> well, you know, at least Nolan, since you're listening, at least you only lost sixteen hundred. I mean, that's. Uh, I, I personally know people who lost much more than that and a lot of people in fact i was going to bet more than that myself on the falcons and at the last second decided it was too much of a hassle because i didn't have the money sitting in the account that i would have used and it was a pain in the ass to get it on there and i said screw it like really that's the only thing that stopped me so uh you know it it sucks when you think you've won even sixteen hundred dollars you think you've won It's, it's not like it's like sixteen dollars, you know, sixteen hundred. Okay, that's, that's real money, and yeah. and you think you've won, you think you've got it, you think it's a lock, and not only do you lose in shocking fashion, but the one of the team's stupidity contributes to it. That's true. I mean, it, there's there's nothing you can say about it. It's totally true. You know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Yeah. It's 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 just. It's frustrating because you just sit there watching it. And you're powerless. You have money on it, but you're powerless to stop the yeah. wrong decisions being made that are going to lead to your bet's demise. And then you start watching it happening. It's like a slow motion train wreck where it, it goes from like it's a lock to, uh-oh, it's, it's like I guess there's an outside chance I lose now to, uh-oh, now I'm in danger of losing. To And then you then you see a stupid play happen and you go, you say, wait a minute. Everything's going wrong here now for me. It's like a chain of events that I just feel like it's all moving in the direction to screw me. And then you do get screwed. So that's that. That's why he went crazy. That's I actually believe what he said. It wasn't about the 1600. It was about he thought he just totally had it and then just watched it evaporate like this and uh, under those circumstances as well. So that was entertaining. Thank you, thank you, Nolan, for providing this to us. Now, I want to take a look how many views this has. I was one of the first to view it. I want Nolan to call in. I yeah, want him to rant about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I want him to scream on this show about it. That's the truth. Seven seven five in and tell us. Seven seven five fraud fifty five. Seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. I want to hear. Uh, I, he's probably not as pissed anymore, so he won't get the same. This, this is uh, seven thousand eight hundred fifty one views, which. Is less than I thought. Though I think I saw he he posted it on Facebook where it got another five thousand or so last I looked. So uh, it's he's over ten thousand between the two. And it, it, of the seventy eight fifty one views on YouTube, he has one hundred twenty five likes and only three dislikes. That's a, that's actually a not only good like to dislike ratio, but it is also a pretty good like to view ratio okay we have this call coming in but i doubt it's him because it's in the 412 but uh, caller you're on the air yeah is your phone not working the 775 number 
It is. I just wanted to finish the segment. I, I, I have traumatic memories of when Brandon would uh, yell at me for interrupting a good segment to take a call. No, I wasn't going to interrupt. You know, I was. You know, I always stay quiet through the whole thing. I, I don't know if that. If you answer, oh bullshit, man! Come on, bro. It's hard. And to you answer. gotta get that. You gotta get that fucking guy on the phone right now. Well, I don't have I mean, his if number. He's really no, listening. I, I, you, he needs to call here. Right know, I, now. I don't even save these numbers. He actually gave me his number during the Jacqueline Moscow thing, and then I didn't. I didn't save it. I mean, I could, so I mean, he can call well, in. We're he, not going to ask you a single thing about motorboating. We want to hear your take on the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, oh, listen. That's the first oh, thing I said, dude. No doubt he motorboated her after I seen that video. That's the first thing I saw. <laughs> so he has to call and like he has to fucking he has to give his side of the story. I even put it on the forum. I did it. I put a character to the chicks. I call her horse teeth. I don't even know her name. Okay. Well. No. <laughs> Well, it is interesting. I guess if this ever did go to court, like people were saying, they were saying it would, and I think it just never went anywhere. But if this ever did go to court, I, he, the, the Jacqueline could bring in this video as proof. Going, look, look at the guy in this video. Of course, he motorboated me. Of course, he did. Exactly. Oh, especially, the, especially he had some of the cash rose fucking shit. The bottle was half gone. <laughs> How much hard times has he had? Well, I'll say this. He couldn't have had the Castro shit when the alleged motorboating occurred because he was in Pittsburgh then. The Castro stuff is sitting at his house in Las hey, Vegas. Hey, they let shit in Pittsburgh, bro. Come on. I'm from Pittsburgh. That's true. We have the Pittsburgh. I was there. Here. I know him, man. Tell him to call it. Hey, buddy, if you're listening, this is the bad guy. Call the fuck in <laughs> right now. Or we're going to destroy you. We're going to destroy you. Oh so, Drew, this is what happens to you. People like me listen to this, and we destroy them. Well, that's not. That's he needs not a, to call in. It's hilarious. That was hilarious. It was. Now, well, that's you, the thing, man. It, not but here's the thing. It, How does he know it goes under still, man? What if they kick an onside kick and then I'm fucking Atlanta scores? I mean, anything could have happened there. It's football. Think about it seriously. He's right when he no, says he they should have ran the ball and see money. I feel bad for. And I did have New England. Do you believe that? Well, I mean, uh, like I never win shit like that. So, so now you, you know who else had New England? You know who you? else had New England? No, the Hanson kid. The Hanson kid. Well, so, and so, he he had a pretty decent sized bet with uh, Doug Polk. Oh, really? So it was a direct bet with Doug Polk and uh, and, and the Hanson kid. With, now, was he messaging you during the game? Was he saying how depressed he was, the Hanson kid, and then turned it around? Well, I you know, like I told you, I was watching it with my kids, so I was, wasn't really doing any of that kind of stuff. But I. I think if I texted him during the game, he would have just ignored me anyway. Like, he yeah, actually, because you thought that game was over, man. Like, twenty-one-three, it was over. And then, yeah. especially when he doinks the extra point, then you're just like, oh, "What the fuck?" Yeah. I mean, like, crazy. seriously, that's what you're thinking. And but who the, that fumble, man? That's when it started changing. No one even talks about the fumble. They all talk about them not running it after the guy made that great catch, Julio Jones, whatever the fuck his name is. But hey, it was that was a fucked up Super Bowl, man. That was all lucky he had New England. I feel bad for the fucking Atlanta backers and the overbackers, man. I mean, think about that, that thing kept dropping and dropping. I mean, you mean the wow. underbacker? The, the overbackers did well. That's the underbackers that had the problem. No unders. I mean, yeah, the underbackers. I mean, but it what it, 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 it was it was sixty two at one point, right? And then I, bat, 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 you, you lost it all. Sixty four, man. Game yep. over. No, wait. It landed on sixty-two, right? I, I didn't watch where it went, but well, thirty-four, twenty-eight, sixty-two, no, man. We can both do math. But I think it was fifty-nine, and it's. 
Right, no, it dropped, but it, I think it opened at 62, so if you bet it right there, you might have got a push, man, like the big guys that start dropping it, but what a joke. You know, you know, what, the problem is is in this, joke. You know what the problem is on this call here is that bad guy is so loud, and then, I, like, I, so I had to turn him down so he doesn't blow the rest of us Why out. Why am I so loud? I'm you, not even you, yelling. You just, maybe you're just naturally loud. But uh, you're, See, i got to say something, though, man. I wasn't even going to call in tonight, and I probably shouldn't be. Rosa got pneumonia right now, man. Uh-oh. And she, no, hold on. It gets even better now. Now, I went and seen her tonight, and then they're saying congestive heart failure now, dude. And my mom's like, oh, she's okay. She's okay. It's smelling like a bitch here right now. So we, you can't even get into the hospital if you, even if you wanted to, unless you break in. I mean, that's what they're saying. I don't know what these doctors are doing, man. So we got to say a prayer for Rosa tonight, man, for real. Now, how old is I'm at Rosa's right now. You know I'm at Rosa's. You know the fucking number. Uh, well, how old is Grandma Rosa right now? 95. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, and okay. guess what? I'm the one that gave her the fucking flu, I think, because I had the flu, and I came back here from where I was. I, but I stayed. The, the flu lasted me like two days, but I went to the hospital, and they're like, you're a strain A flu. That's like a bird flu, bro. It's like swine flu. Yeah. Um. No, I'm being for real. No, I believe you. I believe you. I I, I, I didn't even know this shit. They stuck something on my nose and down my throat, told me I had the fucking flu. I didn't drink for three weeks. Well, So I I came back here now all of a sudden, and she got sick, man. I was here for two days, and now she's in the motherfucking thing. They said it was the flu at first. Then they said pneumonia. Now I'm getting texted. It's congestive heart failure. And I'm flipping out here, man. Well, then maybe it's not related to the flu. Maybe there's nothing you could have done. That's what they said. It's not the pneumonia. So what the fuck are they doing then? These stupid people at this hospital. Yeah, that's kind of strange. But, you know, look. Right. Grandma Rosa seems to be a a survivor. I I think that... uh, But I'm scared, bro. That's what I'm saying. She usually shrugs shit off, and she's not shrugging this off. And it was like just being sick, you know? Like if you get a cold when you go and touch the poker chips, but you always get colds. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't even anything major, and now it's turned into something major. Yeah, which is making me nervous. That's too bad. Well, I, I hope I hope uh, Grandma Rose is okay. We uh, we're hit, you know we we need to have her on radio more times and uh, well, at least one more man. Yeah, she she even invited. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bring it on location. We'll get the doctors on there too. She she even invited. So you me have, you to might have to have emergency radio in case she croaks like in two days. Well, you know, I I was invited to. to have Grandma yeah, Rosa you never came, there. man. What the fuck? Rosa's gonna die before you get here and get the spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, you know, you know what? I, I I blew something similar. Uh, Benjamin actually had a great grandma that at one point, and uh, and we actually visited her in uh, in New Jersey, and she we forgot to do one thing. We forgot to take a picture of her and Benjamin together. Now Ben doesn't remember her because he was only he just turned two, but right. uh, but we were, we meant to take a picture of the two of them together and then. She died at the age of ninety nine, uh, not too long after. Wow. She wasn't sick at the time. She she it was a typical old person thing where she fell and then it all went downhill from there. So it uh, she died at ninety nine, and we obviously never got to have that picture and never will. So that, that was a little bit sad. It was actually it was not on my side of the family. It was on uh, his mom's side, but uh, it was too bad that we didn't. We, we left there and we'd already driven away like thirty miles back to AC. We're like, ah, oh, crap! We forgot about the the picture of uh, with Benjamin and the great grandma. So, anyway, I hope. Well, I, there's other pictures though that he can look at. 
Like, yeah, 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 no, I just wanted to have a picture with them together. I'm sorry to down this all. That fucking guy better call in. Now. I know, I know. I you mean, you, like, you, you have to call in. It, it it was a bad timing here because of the the humorous uh, dollar. I know, segment. I know, I know. Well, I, I had to tell you, man, because I'm not going to call back. I mean, but I just had to tell you. So. Yeah, no, no, I, I anyway, I... hey Dola, call the fuck in, or we're, we know you're a motorboating motherfucker. <laughs> and. Please get well, Grandma Rosa. Yeah, please get well, Grandma Pray Rosa. Poker fraud. You guys take care. You know I love the show. Keep it up, Kilowatt. Good job, Trader Ruski. You're crazy. Everybody's drinking tea tonight. Good job, guys. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, thank you, bad guy. Peace. Time drop only if you had like a fifteen dollar dinner voucher near your near your great grandma's house. Yeah, well, it actually wasn't my great grandma, but turned around and you know. Yeah, well, it wasn't my great grandma, but that, that, that's the kind of dinner Ruff is going to make me buy for him. Yeah, like fifteen dollar dinner. Voucher. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll just go to Sonic and get like a seven dollar uh, chicken nuggets and and tater tots. I'm down with that, but if it, if we uh, go out after midnight, I'm going to know something's up. Yeah, or you can go to the home tech. of the uh, go to the home of the watermelon shake. That could be a good. Uh, that's true. So. Yeah, so Grandma Rosa, for those of you that don't know, uh, she's been on this show a number of times. Your bad guy would be over at her house. Sometimes he'd be, uh, you know, hiding from some child support thing, but whatever. He'd be over there, and he would call in, and he'd, he'd just put her on. And, and she would talk to us. She was she was a very good sport, Grandma Rosa. And she would even say funny things about bad guy himself. And uh, we, she invited me at one point, if I come to Pittsburgh, that, that she would make dinner for me if I came over. So... This is on this show. So very sad to hear that Grandma Rosa may have congestive heart failure. And, of course, at that age, uh, anything that happens to you is magnified as far as the danger to you as well as uh, can cause a chain of events which uh, lead to your death. So I hope with Grandma Rosa that she uh, she's okay. I, I will say this: uh, Ben's great grandma again was. It's not related to me, but related to my son. Uh, she she actually had a number of things she was she got past in her nineties that you would have thought would have been the end of her. So uh, that woman was very resilient, and uh, you know, finally at the age of ninety nine, she did do she did die. But uh, <clears throat> I hope Grandma Rosa survives this and maybe we will get uh, several more years out of her as well maybe long enough for me to get to pittsburgh which is a place i've never been to in my life now truff i hope grandma rosa is all right too but i want to get back to the atlanta coach being a stupid cunt (laughs) 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 what what can we do to get nolan to call up seriously i I don't know i'm surprised he has you have his number I would have to dig it up here. Let me see. Let me see if I I might be able to find it on Twitter if he DM'd me, and I'd have to go like way back in the uh, messages to last year. Actually, I don't DM that much, so maybe maybe I can find it here. Let me see. Uh, no, for some reason I'm not seeing it in the DMs here because this happened in May, and I'm not seeing any DMs from him in May. And I'm scrolling up, and I'm just check not... Out the, check out the Skype chat, too, when you got a second. Yeah, okay. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Well, especially if that's the case, what you just told me. Uh, if he wants to call in, he will. I'm not going to force a call on him. But gotcha. uh, if, if he 
if he wants to call in, we'll talk to him. We'll even stay away from the uh, the controversial subject of last year in the motorboating, even even though a bad guy wants to know about it. You know, I might. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about the bet with Brandon. I'm thinking about the free rolls. I'm thinking about this bet I just lost with you. I mean, I might have to self exclude from PFA. Yeah, well, you you might be I, down. I, you might be down more than sixteen hundred. Maybe you should make a video like that. I might. I might have like a PFA problem now. You, you may say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what? I I I was on the two hundred first show. Not even the fucking two hundredth show. The two hundred first show. A show nobody gives a shit about. And I hear Brandon and he's all fucking lazy. And I just I just save. I'll, I'll give you $300 if you go out to the ghetto and get a watermelon slushy. Like, he's really going to do it. He, he bets so much money on these fucking sporting events. Like, he's going to go to the fucking ghetto for fucking $300. And he goes, I call. I call. I'm going to go. The, the whole fuck? reason I bet him is I knew he didn't want to go. God damn it! All right, I, I got to stop uh, imitating Nolan Dahl. I'm going to wake up everybody in the neighborhood, including. Well, wow, you're going to start breathing heavy. I forgot to do that too. <laughs> Brandon, why? Why did you go? Why? How much is three hundred dollars to you? Why would you put your health at risk like that? Your life at risk. Why? Oh, man. Okay. So, okay, let's go to something that's that's probably a bit less authentic than this meltdown. And that is the fake grudge match with Stacey Madison versus William Kasuf. They were, they were on TV together on the ESPN deep in the main event and... Uh, had an altercation there, and William Kasuf was doing a lot of talking when he went all in with nine high, and she was thinking what to do with her over pair of queens, and she folded, and then he showed her nine high like a boss. And I'm sure you've heard the whole story by now, but months later it was announced, many months later it was announced, this was broadcast in, uh, what, October? But it actually happened back in July that there was a heads up match I, I think she challenged him I, I don't remember who challenged her I think she oh, challenged him whatever. but conveniently it was in a really weird location in Europe Druff, I, I think just like that uh, title that he paid the guy if he could win the title I think he paid her to challenge him yeah, I mean, there's a. He's he even admitted on our show that he's he's attempting to kind of build a brand out of this whole thing. And, and I'm not knocking him. No, I, I think mean, it's fine. Not? Yeah, I think it's yeah. fine. I'm just saying that. Yeah. yeah, he was. He's he's trying very hard to get publicity, and this is a new thing. So, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he approached her and said, "Let's let's do this," and then uh, maybe they even got the venue to pay them where, where this took place or put up their buy-ins. Who knows what the hell happened? Anyway, they, they did play a real match. They, I think the only real aspect of this whole thing is they actually played poker. I don't know if they even risked their own money, but they actually played poker for uh, in this heads-up grudge match. I mean, yeah, and Tuckman did the commentary. Yeah, I was going to say, Tuckman did the commentary, and I saw at one point in the... I, I, I kind of skipped around in the video. I wasn't going to watch the whole 
hour and a half or whatever the whole the thing took. But I didn't see any of it for the record. I, I was skipping around, and I found that at one point, I guess people were talking trash about Tuckman and the other commentator. Nice. And they saw in the chat room where they're like, "Oh, I see. There's people's, uh, you know, they're making some some hater comments here. You know, get these two clowns off the air. Let's just watch without them." Like they're reading all the comments up there <laughs> that they were bashing them. And it actually reminded me of, of something I went through just like that when I did the commentating on the 2009 five thousand dollar limit hold'em event on ESPN three. I was doing the color commentating, and there were these nerds on 2 plus 2 who, who were bashing me and saying, oh, listen to this commentator. I don't even know if they knew who I was. But listen to this commentator. He's always saying he knows what they have and he's, you know, he's saying what he, he thinks they did wrong. Why isn't he at the final table? Why, you know, of course he's criticizing them from over there. So then I, I feel like I was actually, I was multitasking there. I was actually like reading 2 plus 2 while commentating and I, was, I saw these comments. There was no chat room. And I said, well, I see there's some critical comments on 2 plus 2 about uh, the, my commentary here and the perceived criticism of the players. And I've, I'm not criticizing the players, and I fully admit that me watching this with nothing at stake, with no pressure, it's a lot easier for me to analyze the hands I'm seeing than a player at the table. And I'm just, I'm just telling you from my many, many hands of limit hold'em I've played – uh, in my experience, what I would have done. And also, I couldn't see the whole cards, just like they couldn't. So, like, I was actually commentating what I would guess they'd have, and I was actually very, very accurate with it. I was actually uh, surprised. I was actually more accurate with hand-reading, watching this, and commentating on it than I am when I play. Like, I was I was like, if I if I could see things this well when I play, I'd, I'd be like, I, I, w- I would uh, be much better. Because Did I, you mention... On air, how accurate you were being? No, I didn't. I didn't. I just thought it to myself. No, no. What I said actually turned them around. They actually said, "Oh wow, he's he's acknowledging us." Like all they wanted was acknowledgement. So they're like, "Wow, he he mentioned us. Well, that's pretty cool." Well, okay, I guess he explained it. Okay, he's not that bad. And then so like then they turned around and started saying positive things. Where where before they were bashing me, and then uh, I would have just ignored them. And did you say, oh, it reminded me when I won my bracelet. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar hand when I took down Get in the, the sick brag. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, the bracelet was only four years old. It's not like now or it's 12 years ago. So so they – yeah, so they were uh, – that reminded me, though, of it because you you always have these people that are listening to the commentary, and, and they, they always have to say something obnoxious to you. Uh, believe me, Tuckman has been doing this so long. He's very, very used to this stuff. Yeah, I figured he must be if he's like repeating it out there and, and it yeah. wasn't bothering. They were kind of laughing it off. Uh, now, here's the stupid thing here. I, I, you you can't do anything in public without someone shitting on you. Like it's it's impossible. Yeah, now, the video I had here, which is from eight eight eight, isn't working. I was going to just jump around here. Let me let me see if I can find it in this other thread here. So I had a video up, and then it says you know, offline or something, which is annoying. So let me – if Nolan Dallas is still listening, he's going to say, what is this unprofessional bullshit? But let's get – let's see if I can find a – is there a YouTube video of this? Here it is. 
There you go. Which one's mine? Which one's yours? So, so this is I what, think he just... So, yeah, it wasn't what... It was three hours, this thing. It was two hours, 51 minutes. And this starts out in a really weird way. <laughs> Instead of like, welcome to the heads-up match of Willie Kasuf and Stacey Madison. Listen to the first second of this video. There you go. Which one's mine? Which one's yours? This one is yours? I'll show you mine if you show me yours. What is he saying? Which one's mine? Which one's yours? Yeah, I'm three. Okay, that's loud. Wow. Well, I can't even hear you now. Wait, no, can I? What about yeah. now? Oh, no. This... this is worse than this show. They're doing sound checks at the beginning of the video. They can't edit this part out. This one's mine. Okay, I see. Right. I see. Hello. Talk. Hello. Talk. I'm talking. I see S. Tuckman and the other guy talking. So, and by he was really, wearing these really weird sunglasses. They kept scrolling some word over and over on it, like electronically, like electronic sunglasses, like scrolling like an old school marquee. Mm. Really weird sunglasses. What's the guy's name? William Kasuf. Oh, the oh the eh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, keep talking. What do you want me to talk about? <laughs> Talk, 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 talk. That doesn't sound like Kasuf. No, 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 no. This is this is the announcers. This is uh, Tuckman okay. and the other guy. Oh. Well, the Raptors, dude. I want to talk about the Raptors. We're, we're struggling right now, dude. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Who is the other announcer? Oh, no, I, yeah, I don't know who that is. No, I was talking about okay. Kasuf wearing the sunglasses. That's what I was saying. Okay, okay. Okay. So I'm going to skip ahead here. I want to hear about the Raptors. Oh, I think, I think it says nuts. That's what it's called. the graphics to tell us what she's betting. Oh, no, it's a coconut. He's folding ace high on a For pair. some reason, it kept scrolling coconuts on his sunglasses, like over and over like a marquee. Board. Yeah. That oh, was just a single raised pot? Yeah, it was as well. Yeah, so... I- so this wasn't very exciting. You know, it's just them playing... Heads Up No Limit is actually pretty boring. Yeah, you, Without watching Heads Up No Limit, you would assume this is really exciting. Like, you know, they're heads up. They can't just wait for premium hands. One person's leveling the other. It's not really like that. Usually your head's up. It's just like fold, 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 fold. So there's a lot of that here. I admit I didn't watch the whole thing. Apparently. Well, and that's why the commentators, I know that they were telling them to shut up, but that's why they're talking, right? Yeah. Because it is fucking boring. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it went for three hours. Obviously, this wasn't... Uh, Exciting poker, and even think of the main event here—the final that, that heads up. I mean, I, the, I know the guy finished second, played terribly, but it, it was still boring. There, there was there was still so little action there. And now, are they playing a cash game, or are they playing freeze outs, or what are they doing? Uh, they, they were playing a freeze out here. Okay. So, so they they apparently she showed a few bluffs during it. I don't know where they are, and I'm not going to search them out in this three hours. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to do that much prep here for this segment. So. Uh, I guess she she bluffed a few times and showed it. Stacy Madison ended up winning the match, and let, let's go to the end here. My understanding is she stumped his dick. Yeah, she did. She did. Something. He's given something away, and she's picked up on it. Because yeah. this is really the first time we've seen him bluff. I mean, I'm not kidding. Moody. This is the, really the right, first yeah. hand we've seen really in a hundred right. hands that he's bluffed, wow. and she snaps it up right away. Wow. Nice play, Stacy. Whatever happens, you deserve it. Wow. Now she's changed her sizing again. Her sizing smaller this time. She's wearing these obnoxious headphones, like these gigantic headphones that cover her entire head. They're pink. Yeah, she doesn't want to hear his <laughs> bullshit. That's why she's wearing them. It's probably they're probably noise canceling. 
They look like head canceling. I mean, they're, they're, I've never seen headphones like this. I mean, they're 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 like purposely comically giant. I, I can't stress that enough. It's probably like well, a big... again, probably just to <laughs> mock him. You know? yeah, it's probably like hear a... his fucking mouth. Do, do you want to show someone you don't want to listen to them? Wear these gigantic headphones to get the message across loud and clear. Yeah. Yeah, it's just confident, so it's gonna yeah, be a tough spot for stack now. So I, I don't think you'll pass him. I guess top two's no good. Oh, and he lets it go. Show it to him. He might have. He would have passed the five there too. I would have, I would have loved to her share the eight. Share the eight That's of clubs. Actually, the hand. I do have a hard but You had. You had the hand. Yeah. So what? What had just happened in this hand? It was a. She had ace eight offsuit. Ace of spades, eight, eight, eight of clubs. He had king four offsuit. I think with a king of spades and four of clubs, and uh, the board was two six five with two spades. And um, he bet and she raised and he folded. And they were saying, oh, I wish you'd just show the eight of clubs because then you know, he would think, what can she have here that the, you know, the eight of clubs on a 265 two-spade board, what could that possibly mean uh, that would really uh, have scared him into folding if he knew she had that? So this is near the end of the match. It's 10 minutes before it's over. And you got with it. You had the hand to go with it, so. Nice place, dude. Yeah, so at, this, at this point, she's up. Uh, she had a lot better hands than me in the first round, definitely. At this point, they, they, they both came in with uh, 10K, so at this point, she has uh, 14-something to 5-something. Yeah, and you had that 9-4 nine, nine when you turned the 2 right. pair when I had top pair and, and the straight draw with A-side. That's interesting. She took the uh, headphones back off, so <laughs> she puts them on when he. Uh, she doesn't want to hear him talking, as you said. Two pair I made, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You made two pair. You sucked out with nine four. What can I do? Oh, but you made a small bet on the flop, and I turned a two pair, but oh, I didn't. Uh, I made a big enough bet. Uh, raise. I lost the minimum then. Yeah. <laughs> they told you, huh? Nobody told no. me your hands. I saw it. No, no someone oh, posted it. Oh, you watch it? it? Someone posted uh, it on Facebook. Oh, really? Someone posted it. it. Took a snapshot of the thing. I haven't seen any of that. Seen you got lucky. Kasuf with open an open-ended straight draw with the flush draw as well. Madison with pretty much nothing, and now Kasuf turns a pair no as well. Left, it's gonna be over right now. Yeah. Not a good flop. Not a good turn yeah, for Madison. And she gets I, out of I, I gotta, spe I gotta speed this up. This is uh, oh, no, torture. Seen that one hand. Where you got lucky with the He just folded. He just folded. Yeah. Sorry. And the ace oh. is about. Wow, if she holds oh. this, then oh. she is Jax. going to be. The so she just got she just got it all in. Uh, Jacks against a seven off preflop. Oops. Jax, Victor. Jax, 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 Jax. She's doing the victory dance. They're going to hold. They're going to flop a jack. One time. Okay. Ace ball. This is matching a lot of the one. Yeah, if, Jax, if she closes it out here. Oh. Now, interestingly, this is... Uh, I'm not even sure what the blinds were. Maybe I should back up and see what the action was because they each have 5.8 in there. So, I mean, I he went all in 5.8K. When they started off with 20, unless the blinds got so high, that's kind of a big all-in to do with A7, Pre. Let's see. I'm going to back up a little bit. I just want to see how this final thing plays. Uh, Which is pretty much exactly what we're here playing. That's not a little bit fast. We were, we were talking. A little bit farther. Stacy. Oh, a couple of jacks here for uh -oh. Stacy. We're probably going to see a three, but I would. Have... So that's interesting. She, he raised it to four fifty. I, I, I guess presumably from one fifty. Yeah. 
and uh, so she's she or she has one fifty in there. I guess it's the blind seventy five one fifty. So she's in the big line with one fifty. Assume hello, John. Makes four fifty. Stacy three. Makes so she makes it. She, so she go, she makes it from four fifty to eleven twenty five. And I think he probably shoves here. Right? This could be the one second. This, this I think he ships it in here and it's over. And it's over. I mean, if he shoves, that's very 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 unlike something that he would do so far. If he does it, it'll just be him getting frustrated. I feel like he hasn't really done anything like be even remotely one. close to shipping it in like this before. Got the best time there. Oh, but he's doing the I think I got the best hand play, which means he's probably leaning towards it. You might be right. But if he ships him for 6K and Stacey calls it, she's going to always have him beat in the spot. Oh, absolutely. So you got to think to yourself. Uh, I mean, it's a tough spot. I mean, I think I'm just – I think in the – How can it be a tough spot if, if you have uh, – if the whole thing is 20K, starting with 10K stacks, and you still have 6K of it? How is shipping it with with a seven when the blinds are seventy five one fifty? How how is that ever a tough spot? I, I don't get Doesn't it. Seem that tough to me. <laughs> I I would be folding that pretty quickly. Other than like I would decide to fold that very quickly. I, I I might fake think about it so I don't give away I'm folding so quickly. But I so you, I, so you waste everyone's time. Yeah, I would yeah. be wasting time. Well, Kasuf wastes way more time than I do. So. Uh, <laughs> But he's, he's got an ace in this race. Yeah, I would just hold as well, I think. If you've got spot. ace king, it's a classic race. If you've got, got ace king, it's a classic race. What if you got jack jack? It's, I think it's less of a classic back. race. So, uh, he may leave me no choice. You might get jacked here. So what, what he's doing what, by saying that Ace King is a classic race, he's hoping she's going to hear that and think, he, oh, he has a pair, and if she has something that doesn't play well against the pair, especially a decent-sized pair, then she, uh, then she, he's, he's hoping she folds. So he's hoping she has Ace something, you know, like Ace ten or something, and then she thinks, uh, you know, I better fold, or, or even something like Ace nine, Ace eight, uh, something. Drop. I think the I think the kids on two plus two are writing some disparaging comments on your commentary here. <laughs> That, that's probably what he said there. Obviously, he knows A7 is not a classic race against Ace King. You want to gamble? Yes or no? Does she have Up the headphones you. on? Let's see. Say yes, Stacy. I don't think I can slide by this hand. <laughs> I've got a big pair. I'll get my chips and bits. I'm on oh, wow. He's doing it. Oh, my goodness. Marvelous. And she's, she snap called, of course. Okay. And the ace oh, is about. Oh, wow, if she holds oh, this, then oh, she is Jack, going to be Jack, the victor. Jack, 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 Jack. She's doing the victory dance. They're going to hold. I'm going to flop a jack. One time. Ace ball. This is matching a lot of the one. Yeah, if, Jack, if she closes it out here, oh my goodness. Yeah, she's got this. A tenth of the time. No help there. Six deuce three, nothing for anybody. Only four five. Really good, good flop for Stacy here. Any ace. Ping. Six. Oh, Whoa. there's the five. So she, he oh, picks up a four. gutter. Yeah, he picks. He picks up. Yeah, he, he picks nine up uh, like a shot four. too. Ace or a four. Nine high like a boss on the four. river. One time. Nine. Ace or a four. Ping. Uh, Boom. Another five. And it five. is over. Stacy. 
And we have actually been spoiled already. We have Stacy in the booth. We're going to put her on the mic here. Say hello, Stacy. Hey, guys, what's up? There you go. Well played, well played. Okay. Good job, Stacy. So cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, I was like hoping you'd push. I'm like, please push. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do? Oh, One, two, three, bear. Ace high. I 100%. Wait, what can you do? <laughs> what can I, you do, Druff? What can you do? You've, 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 what can you've, you do? You've committed, uh, you've committed 450 already of your 6K stack. What can you do? What can you do? Got to just get it in. Yeah, he's pot committed for uh, 8% of his stack. Of course. Of course. What can you do? Can you a seven plays itself. How, how do you how do you let that go? Uh, how do you let it go? With your hand too. Dude, on the same thing. Yeah. 100%. Okay, Stacey, so we're listening to you. I want to hear you here, and then I want to ask you a couple of questions before we say goodbye. There anyways. I'm yeah. not gonna call five k. Of course, of course. But I'm not yeah. gonna fold jacks. Yeah, I can't. I can't call. And I can't three bet. No. I must stay with a size. So it's gotta no, go. I got a couple. Uh, yeah, I had uh, the hand where, um, where I made it. Uh, what you said? Small pair. I had a pair of threes, and I made it. Uh, yeah, I can tell they really have a, a grudge match. Can you picture this with Kate Hall and, and Dead Tolly at the end? Yeah, I would have done the same. Oh, yeah, yeah I would have done Yeah, I would have taken it down. Yeah, I, Could you picture the, any conversation like this between the two of them once it's over? Oh, you, you know what I think of when I think of the, the Kate Hall and Dead match? What? I think of that uh, Californication, that TV show, and uh, his book, Fucking and Punching. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. Tali. I could see him like he, if he loses. He come, yep, she, she's running great again. She, she's fucking running great. You know that she. She just. She hasn't yet learned about what variance is. She. She ain't fucking learned it. But yep. she. It's gonna happen later this year. Maybe later next year. I, I don't know. It's gonna happen to her. That. That's how it happened. You know. Like if I get shitty cards, what am I supposed to do? You're slipping into Chico. Yeah, that's true. It's, <laughs> I did slip into Chico. Okay, so uh, yeah, that's that's over, and then they, uh, I, I turned it off. I was going to listen to the final minute and a half to hear what the after, but they're, they're too friendly. And then there's that awful sound problem, probably with the microphone scratching against her boob or something. It sounds like. So I, I'm feeling like it, it just. No, no more. Uh, getting, hey, if Dalla is listening, you probably just got him accepted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I didn't accept yet, but shortly, not too long ago, maybe a week ago or so, she added me on Facebook, Stacy Madison. I didn't even know she knew who I was, but she added me, and I just ignored it. I still could accept her. You playing hard to get? Kind of. You know, I, I'm thinking maybe mm-hmm. if I accept now, it'll mean more to her. If I just jumped okay. in it like minutes later, she'd say, "Oh, he's flattered that I added him." But uh, now, now, if I add him, wait too long, she's gonna be like, "Who's this guy?" She's gonna be so like, "You know, I, she's gonna, I added somebody else who's much more uh, appealing to me." So screw this guy. I'm just gonna delete him now. Okay. I don't need him anymore. I added Chicago Joey. So yeah, that's uh, that's over, and you know, it was a marketing tool. I, I, why didn't they try to play this up more? If, if this really was something for publicity for both of them, why not at least try to act out that you've got some kind of grudge? Why why be so friendly? It, it was some kind of tool. <laughs> well, that that is strange. You know, I, 
I wonder, does, I haven't watched enough of Kasuf. Does he do this when he has a monster, too? Does he actually say he's got a monster? Again, I haven't watched it, but my understanding from uh, some people that uh, that did watch it is he's kind of a tell box. Because that really looked like a teller saying, oh, I've got a big pair I'm calling. And the, or I, I've got a pair I'm going all in. See, he, he wasn't... It, he went all in. She had to call. Obviously, with Jax, it's a snap for her. There's no, there's no question about that. Uh, but uh, with him, he, not knowing she has Jax, once once he shoves, I've got a big pair. I've got to shove. Unless you're doing that when you really do have a big pair also, then that's kind of a tell because like to announce, I've got a big pair. I'm doing this. That's only effective if you mix in <laughs> when you have it and when you don't have it. How many live poker players do you know that are actually, especially recreational players, that are actually balanced in the way you're talking about? Yeah. You know? He probably just is a tell box. Yeah. And good for her if she picked up on it. Yep. I'll tell you the... uh... One of the most uh, one of the saddest moments for me in poker. I, I mean, I accept it was like, I was accepting of the sad moment because I'd gotten fortunate up to then. But in the 2010 main event, I got crippled and then busted it short a few minutes later in a hand because I knew my opponent was a tell box and he gave off a tell that was uh, I was correct in reading it, where I knew I was either crushing him or racing, but but he wasn't crushing me. And I was right. I knew I had queens, and I got three bet by someone who was kind of aggressive, and then four bet by someone who seemed who was a tell box and seemed legitimately very unhappy about having to go all in, which mm. means I knew he didn't have kings or aces because I could tell this was not this wasn't an act. I, I knew from playing with a guy for some time that this was he was really in a dilemma about what to do here. He looked very unhappy about having to go all in, which meant the hand was too good for him to want to fold, but but not good enough to feel good about. So I knew it wasn't kings or aces. So I thinking, got to be jacks or ace king. To, jacks tens or ace king. So I go, well, I got to do it. This will take. If I win it, it takes me above average. If if I lose it, then I'm crippled. But if I know uh, he doesn't, rough, yeah. rough. I'm uh, trying to keep you in good standing with all the social uh, justice warriors. Okay. Please don't use the term crippled. Okay. Please, <laughs> okay. He, he was, just say that you would be your stack would be physically challenged. Okay. 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 My my stack was would have been differently abled and differently abled. <laughs> so I I knew it and uh, but but I knew that if I go I I thought to myself look I have a below average stack not short but below average. And, and substantially below average, not like a tiny bit below average, but enough below average where I'm not short, but I'm not average. So I thought if I can get it all in with queens, even if the guy's four betting me, if I raise, get three bet, get four bet, if I can get this all in with queens, if the three better is an aggressive three better, he probably doesn't have queen speed. And the other guy is a tell box, and I know he doesn't have kings or aces. How can I fold queens here? Knowing that he could very easily have jacks or tens too. I really thought it was probably ace-king or jacks, but uh, tens were possible, too. So he had ace-king, which I didn't like to see. Flopped an ace. Goodbye. Mm. But, uh, you know, I, I read it right, though. Uh, ace-king totally made sense why he was so unhappy. So he he would have done the same with 
jacked this guy, by the way. He, he wasn't a good player, this guy. And, in fact, with all my chips, he chunked it off uh, not too long after he won my chips. Isn't that fun to watch? Yeah. So I'll tell you, I, and I, I experience that in cash games sometimes, too. There's always a guy. Everyone's got a, a guy like this in the game where if he if he ends up sucking out, you know, getting in terrible against uh, a good player, like you're thrilled, right? Because it's going to be much, much easier to get the chips from him than it is from the, the good player. Yeah. Right? And... It's. I mean, I'm sure it's happened to you too. You, you, some guy like three outs you or something, and and then you have to sit at the table and you just watch him donk off all your money. Oh yeah, happens all the else. time. I know. I hate that. And everyone else is all gleefully. They're like excited to see him stack you or whatever. Yes, you know? yes. You, you know who the table's rooting for. Oh, it's, it's oh, not, oh. It's not. It's yeah. not you. Oh, and I don't blame him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I would. I would be doing the same exact thing, but. In, then you just get to sit there and watch him butcher hand after hand and dunk it all off. You're like, God damn it. I, I, I had someone on Bovada once, and this is with its uh, the anonymous tables, who said to me, like, when some fish busted against me, some mega fish busted against me. Mm. And he said, sorry, sorry, dude, but I have to tell you I wasn't rooting for you to win that hand. And I, I said, uh, no, I understand. I was rooting for him against you every time, too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's it's nothing... I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. I'm just saying that when you sit yes. there and you have to watch it, it's just like. God, and the so funny thing is, I read about this guy afterwards. You know, I had his name from his seat position and everything. So I, I read about him. It turned out he was a Swedish guy. This is his first time ever playing live poker. He was an online player. So that was that was why he was such a tellbox. He, uh, uh, he, he'd yeah. never played live poker before. But I, yeah. I, I picked this up not too long after playing with him that this guy was not faking things that you could tell legitimately when he was happy or unhappy with, with his hand. So if I had and at playing PLO, there were, there was a no limit player that I guess he had a hard time remembering what his cards were. And I shit you not this guy. You ever seen people that when they, they read a book, they kind of mouth the words. Oh yeah. Right? <laughs> this guy would look at his cards and he would mouth his cards <laughs> every fucking time. All you have to do is look over and he'd be like, he'd be mouthing like, Ace, king, five, queen. And you could watch, you could read what he had you know in what, his hand, like literally. You know what you needed with you? You needed to bring a friend with you to sit next to you who was deaf. <laughs> hey, you didn't, you didn't even need it. Yeah, that's, that's funny. So anyway, that's, uh, that's that. Let's, let's go to the daily fantasy sports thing. It won't be a, a long story, but... Uh, State of New York, your state, is fed up with daily fantasy sports sites that steal money on deposit from their customers. Fantasy Aces, which was one of the bigger alternate sites in New York, meaning not FanDuel and not DraftKings, which have like 90% of the market together and are merging. But Fantasy Aces were one of the bigger ones that were not the big two. I don't know if it was ranked three, but it was ranked one of the bigger alternative sites. They uh, they were broke, and uh, at, at one point they you know so they stopped paying people out. They claimed that they were just uh, in the process of selling to another company, Fantasy Draft, which they were. So that's why there were no cash outs at the moment. People actually kind of calmed down for a moment, thinking, okay, that's that's the reason. But then. <laughs> Fantasy Draft said, nope, we're not buying this because they looked into it and found that they were broke and ran off. 
ran off, meaning that they didn't from the deal. They didn't run away with anyone's money. Fantasy aces at that point had to own up to the fact that they were broke and they couldn't pay anyone. They had twenty two hundred. Fantasy aces sounds like a place that's going to go broke. Yeah, it does. And so they had a whopping twenty two hundred dollars in their bank account, and their bank accounts combined actually, and. They owed players collectively more than one million dollars. Yeah, one point three million was owed to the players with with twenty two hundred wow. cash. So that was the end of that, and they're gone. And it's very unlikely that they're going to that these players will get paid, especially because they're now uh, non priority creditors. So that's that's going to be the end of that. So uh, daily. So the state of New York is very unhappy about this, and if they were already. A, going after daily fantasy sports in general before and then decided that it is allowed and that they licensed various sites, including Fantasy Aces. Now, how how is New York so stupid to license sites without a segregated player funds requirement and transparency into uh, their funds? Like, why, why is the state not monitoring the bank accounts that they're not down to $2,200. How does a licensed site go down to $2,200 and get away they don't, with it? They don't know what the fuck they're regulating. <laughs> so so that happens. So New York State is a little bit embarrassed about this whole thing. So in order to preve- prevent this again, especially with a much bigger operator like FanDuel or DraftKings, they are now contacting all of the licensed daily fantasy sports operators in the state of New York and demanding proof of player funds. That they they want to see proof that the money really exists. The, good. Let, the letter says, I agree, it is good, but they, how did they not do this before? The, the letter reads, uh, racing, paramutual wagering, and breeding law. So I guess that means if you're, if you're, uh, if you're a breeder, which is a, a gay term for someone who's straight. Uh, requires that a, t- a temporarily permitted interactive fantasy sports operator ensures unauthorized ensures authorized players' funds are protected upon deposit and segregated from the operating funds of such operator or registrant and otherwise protected from corporate insolvency, financial risk, or criminal or civil actions against such operator or registrant. What, what's that saying? Very simply, is you put the money aside in a separate account, which cannot be touched. In any way, which means you can't dip into it to, for your uh, expenditures. And if someone sues you, they cannot collect it because you you know you separate it into an account where this is not your company's money and make that clear. And to where there's no risk ever taken with this money. It just sits in a bank account and it, it is understood that this is not your money, that you are just holding it for your players collectively. So even if there's a judgment against your company, the creditors can't take it. That, that's basically what that's saying. And, and no matter what happens to your company, you're also not allowed to touch it. So that's what they're saying here, that you have to do this as a licensed operator there. They said the Gaming Commission requests documentation that clearly illustrates the legal mechanism and internal controls associated with such a segregated account by which player funds are protected from corporate insolvency, financial risk, or criminal or civil actions against such operator or registrant. Accordingly, please include any documentation with banks or other depository institutions that establishes the restricted purposes of any accounts established for player funds and prize funds and the identity of those authorized to transfer funds out of such accounts. 
a copy of your internal controls governing the receipt and disbursement of player funds to such players and the funding and disbursement of contest prize accounts, your procedures for players to withdraw funds from their player accounts in the event of operator insolvency. I don't think this goes far enough because basically you're saying this is what the procedures are, here's who's responsible for it, and and, and here's proof of our accounts, but that, that doesn't show them that on an ongoing basis that it's actually going to be done right. It's just showing what your plan is and that you have the money at the moment. I, I think what should be required is either give the government access to your account in some way, that account, not not the corporate account, but the player fund account to where they can examine it at any time, or be required once a week or something to send them proof of funds in the account. So if it's if it starts to precipitously drop that the government will see that and step in. So. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the procedures are for it, but something mirroring um, what banks have to do to be FDIC insured. Yeah. You know, I'm and, sure they have to do something. Yeah. To prove and, that they have that percent. The interesting thing is that banks are not required <laughs> to keep the, the full amount of deposits on hand. So yeah. actually in some ways, uh, these gambling sites are being held to a higher standard than the banks. Well, but know? the FDIC at least it's insurance for the people, so the people don't get screwed. Now, the government gets screwed, but uh, right. But the, these these are not insured funds. Of course, the players just get screwed if this happens. Well, no, Druff. I mean, we know from the financial crisis that what ha- what happens is that the people really do get screwed. Well, <laughs> you know, FDIC. No, I actually had a bank that that in '08 uh, crashed, and I, I got paid by the FDIC. Nowadays, no, you, you you did, but I'm saying that if you know if it's a major uh, default where they decide that it's too big to fail or whatever, you know, I mean, we're the ones that are going to end up paying for it, just like we did with the financial crisis, right? Well, yeah, through bailouts and stuff, yes, but yeah. but I mean, individuals that uh, don't get disproportionately yeah, yeah, okay. affected. Uh, so anyway, they they should have some kind of real transparency where this is not only is not supposed to happen and they have to show them how they prevent it happening, but they they should have some kind of transparency where the government can always see what is happening. So, and, and you may say, oh, you know, maybe the government doesn't have a right to demand. Of course they do. They, they, they can put on any requirement they want as far as licensing a thing like this. They can, right. they, they can pass a law. You have to show us on a weekly basis what the funds are in this account. And, they, and if, if, if an operator doesn't like this, then they can just not apply for a license, not get in the business. This is something which... Yeah, you they, have to let us motor motorboat your secretary. Otherwise, forget <laughs> yeah. it. We're you have not, to let Nolan Dollar motorboat your secretary. You got you yeah. got to you got to let Nolan come in once a week, fly into New York at your own expense, and let him motorboat your secretary, who who has right. to have a D cup or bigger. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's their license, so they can make you do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. So I, I don't, you don't think, like the you don't like the terms, and you don't get a license. I don't think this goes far enough. And it, it, but even if you want to say this does. Clearly, what they were doing before didn't, because Fantasy Aces went down from 1.3 million to 2,200 without anyone knowing, and I doubt that happened overnight. So, New York didn't know what they were doing with regulating this, and it amazes me, because this stuff is not rocket science as far as figuring out common sense regulations for daily fantasy sports, and and it also in places with online poker that allow it right now in the U.S. Those were very poorly conceived regulations in many ways. In some cases, they were missing regulations they should have. And in other cases, 
overburdensome regulations that I was told about, just some ridiculously overburdensome ones that don't really do the people any good. So some of these just defy common sense and seem like they were written and conceived by those who don't really understand it. And it's amazing. You nailed it. That's what it is. Yeah, but it's amazing (laughs) that they don't bring someone in, uh, you know, pay a consultant who's familiar with the industry, not even a professional consultant necessarily, just say this person knows a lot about online poker. Their qualifications are they've played it for this many years. They, you know, even one that may have been in a management role with a with a maybe uh, maybe someone that won a bracelet and limit holdem. Maybe yeah, and then bring them in. Truthfully, I'm not even a daily fantasy sports player. I could have done a better job so far regulating it in New York than they've done. See, I knew this was circling back. So so <laughs> anyway, anyone in New York who's listening to this would like to hire me as the the regulator. Uh, you can text me at seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. But uh, look, uh, this this is disappointing to see. Not just in the fantasy aces cheated people, but that the regulation has been kind of a fail over there. If this has occurred now, thankfully, it only happened on a smaller site where where the damage was a little over a million dollars, which which isn't good. But it's it's a lot better than if a FanDuel or DraftKings crashed and had no money. That that would be a disaster. But who says they can't? Look at Full Tilt. People said at one point Full Tilt would not uh, do something like this. I, when I went on sixty minutes. Uh, nine years ago, and I said that, or I guess a little more than eight years ago, and I said that the cheating that occurred on UB and AP, that this could be going on on other sites that are bigger and that you really can't see anything. There's there's no view into it from the players. I don't remember my exact words, but I said the people who did this were very brazen and very reckless, and maybe it's going on on other sites that are not doing it with such uh, recklessness. And I remember Nolan Dalla, Mr. Motorboat, he called me out on a blog and really went off on me for calling out these princely companies like Poker Stars and Full Tilt, that they could never do something like that. They that never anything dishonest could be going on there, that the people have seen for years that these companies are, are so trustworthy. Well, Poker Stars, yeah, they had the money, but the other one did not. <laughs> Full Tilt did not. So I did not say Full Tilt stealing the money. I didn't predict that, but I predicted that I said that a bigger site could be cheating us, and we don't know. And even if it wasn't quite yet happening in 08, it started not too long after that, and no one knew. So you just, when you cannot see into what is happening, you cannot, there is no too big to fail in online gambling either. And you never know what's happening. These companies spend so much money on marketing and other things that you assume that they're printing money, but sometimes they're blowing more money than they're printing. And uh, like what we were talking about before with rich people who blow their money because they just spend crazily. Some of these businesses do that too. So, in fact, that's why FanDuel and DraftKings are merging because they had such crazy marketing expenses that they realized that the only way they can remain viable is if they combine the effort and, and yeah i think that might have been investor driven too yeah you know there there were big uh there were big companies and big money behind both of them yeah and i think at some point they just said look <laughs> you know yeah no. let, let, let's make us some money here now i am greek said it's called a trust account the advantage of segregation is that each client's balance is FDI insured, FDIC insured 
up to the max required by law. But I don't think, see, I don't believe that they could open an account like in trusts for tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of players and get FDIC insurance for each one. I, I think it really would just have to be, I'm not even sure what the account would be called. I'm not a banking expert, but I, I think it would have to be a segregated account. Like the, like the government was saying there that they would have to disclose who had the authorization to transfer money in and out of it and what the procedures were to guard against abuse and that it's a separate account that is uh, specifically... Well, it would be a custodial account, right? Uh, okay, but who would be the custodian of it? Like it's just... The state. See, I don't know. I don't know if that's required. See, I, he's saying yes, they could. Escrow companies do it all the time. Do, do escrow companies really do it with, with you know have an account with with tens of thousands of holders? There, there are tens of thousands of people that are on the uh, that they're on uh, in the trust account. I, I've, that sounds like a lot of overhead. To, I mean, that's that's what third I'm, party I'm surprised about here. That's that's a. I mean, there, it could be hundreds of thousands or millions if yeah, it's, yeah. so. But I, I can't say I'm an expert in, in how this would be opened on the banking side. But I, I can say that uh, it, it would have to be obviously a separate account. It would have to have some kind of restricted access of who could who could touch it. It would have to be, have to be something that is clearly separated from the business to where it could not be claimed in any kind of lawsuit. That it's very clear that it's money that. Uh, that is owned by the players and not by the company. I am Greek is saying, however many people deposit with them, uh, it's millions. I know I ran one referring to an escrow account. I'm not sure what he's saying, but okay, whatever. The the, the point is here. The point is here that I still don't think this is enough. What what the state is asking for. It's better than before where they apparently didn't even ask about this, but it may have been technically in the regulations, but they didn't bother to, Demand proof. When you're regulating, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of regulating, to make sure everything's on the up and up and that this won't happen. Yeah, it sounds sort of like an inspector that doesn't inspect, right? I mean, isn't this primarily what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah, I mean, this isn't like regulating in in, uh, Costa Rica where you're just paying a, a phony fee, but they're not really regulating anything. All they want is their licensing fee that they pocket. Kawanaki or whatever. Yeah, the Kawanaki is another one. Yeah, all these, all these Mickey Mouse gaming commissions. That all, all it really is is the you know, that you're allowed to have your servers operating in their country, and you're allowed, yeah, basically allowed to set up shop over there, but that they don't give a crap what you do. That's yeah. Their their license really should be called a receipt. Yeah. <laughs> just here's your receipt that you paid us. That's all it is. Yeah, so he's saying they could establish an escrow company to be the custodian. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think of that. But yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying about a custodial account. Okay, okay. I didn't know you were talking about an escrow company. Yeah. And then, so, Greener Rogers is saying, FDIC charges banks insurance, plus also reviews the bank's loan portfolio for concentration, diversity of risk, plus reviews documentation of each loan, the creditworthiness of each borrower from the bank. Yeah, I, I had actually heard about all that before. But, of course, uh, the disaster that occurred in 08 was that a lot of this was tied to the uh, rapidly rising real estate market where, where the assumption was that even if you loan to people who can't afford it, that 
when they default on the loan and the bank gets their house, the house is going to keep going up anyway, so there's nothing to lose. It's a free roll for them. Unless unless the, the bubble burst and the houses started to go down in value and these people Oops. could no longer pay their mortgage, then you have given a bigger loan than the house is worth and uh, and, and it, combined with the equity and then you're screwed. And that's the that's everything collapses. That was that was one little problem. I, I was amazed that no one saw that. Or, I mean, I know I shouldn't say no one. The, I'm amazed the the banks and and the people in power in the government did not see it or did not see it enough because I kept seeing the real estate values just rise, 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 and these loans being given so easily. And I, I just thought, you know. One day, I don't know when, I can't say I predicted it was going to happen in 08, but one day, this is going to crash, and people are going to lose a lot of money. I I saw it coming. In fact, I was afraid to buy, I was going to buy real estate in Vegas. I chose not to for that reason. I was really going to buy something in Vegas, where I lived at the time. But instead, I was was renting what uh, Tide called my my shitty two-bedroom apartment. Because I was afraid to buy anything and have this happen. I was so afraid I'm going to run so bad, I'm going to buy something at an inflated price, and it's just going to crash. So I didn't do it. So <laughs> Bad Guy 23 is talking trash to Nolan Dollars, not even in the chat. He says, "Dude, oh, Dolly, you're a pussy for not calling. My gram calls bitch motorboater. <laughs> He's saying that Grandma Rose is willing to call, but he's not. But he's not, he's not reading the chat though. So there's no point to bash him there. I don't. I don't think threatening the guy is the way to get him to call. Yeah, in. that bad guy just like that. <laughs> that's how he does everything. He just threatens everybody. He even threatens me occasionally. Like it's just. Oh, that, that means I'm next then. Yeah, that's just that's just what he he's threatened Brandon before. He's threat, like he just he just does this. Like sometimes we'll have him. I don't even know what to say. Like we'll we'll be making a call and we'll get someone's voicemail and it go. Uh, yeah, beep, and then he'll go, motherfucker, you get to the fucking phone, I'm going to fucking come over and slit your throat. I'm like, whoa, this is <laughs> this is my radio show. What's going on out of here? It's like, I hope they, like, I'm just hoping they don't know that I had to do with a call. Like, they hear his voice. They, if, if the person doesn't know I called them, then they don't blame it on me because it's not my voice. But I'm going, like, I didn't expect this. So I, I learned with bad guy, I just can't, I can't have him on for these voicemail calls. Okay. Well, it would be worse if he didn't care enough to want to slit your throat. Yeah. Right? He says it's all jokes. It, it actually is. Like, I'm, I'm not afraid of a bad guy actually doing any of this stuff. It's just it, it, he does sound scary when he does that to these people. Yeah, I mean, that's how he we got to know him when he called up, pretended to be TK the Pimp many years ago on a different show. So, uh, a, oh, that guy says he's drinking hard now. Maybe yeah. he's going to call in. <laughs> You gonna call back in, bad guy? After a couple, uh, couple of drinks? I, I don't like inviting drunk people to call the show. We always, that always. Well, you didn't. Call. I, I invited. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I invited him though, Druff, because I gotta go to sleep. Okay. Well, you, you can, I, you can go. So you're, you're knocking off now. Yeah, I apologize for hitting and running, but I am, I am seriously shot. Okay. Some, some people were very upset last week that when you oh. when you left they felt that it, it authorized me to go into what they described as a two hour rant regarding Muslims and some people were unhappy about this. Uh oh. So so for those of you that are 
that they uh, could, am I going to get the hate mail for that? No, I, I get the hate mail because they they, oh. they feel that I just uh, I, I let the show go in the toilet once you leave. So oh. I, I guess that's going to happen. Here. Trader Ruski, he never formally uh, left, but I see him. No, uh, I woke back up. Oh, you're back up. Okay, good. I at least I, I have some. Trader Ruski for a little while. What's Trader Ruski, I'm tagging you in, buddy. <laughs> okay, I'm not far behind you though, brother. All right, okay, man, later. Have okay. a good night. Good night, Calwat. Okay, so here goes Calwat. Trader Ruski, you're going to have to pick up the slack here at least until the tea takes effect. Have you have you drank the tea yet? Yeah, the tea was the tea has been consumed, and I've got a uh, 7 a.m. call tomorrow morning. So you, yeah, you know. You know what I realized? Uh, I. I actually have a can of Fanta here, and I've drank about half of it. Uh, but I realized I better down the Fanta pretty quick because at nine in the morning, I, I have a blood test where they're, among other things, taking cholesterol. And I, I don't have a cholesterol problem, by the way. My cholesterol is actually very good, but I, I haven't done it in a few years, so I want to make sure it's still good. And uh, you have to fast for at least eight hours before this, and it's, it's midnight now. So now we're nine hours before it. So. Uh, fasting for this means it's not the same as as uh, Jewish fasting, which is a complete fast. But here you can't you can drink water, but nothing else. You can drink water and can't eat. So yeah, you better. You better when I, when, yeah, when I'm on the show, when I'm done with this show, I can't go eat or drink anything other than water, which sucks because a lot of times I like to go do that after this long long show, but I, I cannot do that. And in fact, that's going to encourage me to go to sleep faster because. It's of course easier to fast when you're sleeping. So, uh, anyway, let me get to the uh, you know. But by, by the way, back in the days before Obamacare, this is going to sound like an endorsement of Obamacare. But uh, back in the days before Obamacare, by not accidentally not fasting before a cholesterol test, I, I caused a whole chain of events that caused me to get denied for health insurance and have to switch companies and worry about it getting to the next company. Uh, I accidentally drank soda before a cholesterol test, and the test, uh, I had extremely high triglycerides, and I shouldn't say extremely high, very high triglycerides, so stupidly, the provider checked that the reason for the test was high cholesterol, which wasn't even true, I just said, hey, it was just a general doctor, I said, can you to a cholesterol test. I haven't had one in a while. Oh, okay. And they put reason for test high cholesterol. That's not even true. I've never had high cholesterol in my life. So the insurance company who's always looking to, you know, cancel individual plans. Uh, they, they, uh, they got wind of this, that I took a quote high cholesterol test. And then, then I, I moved to Las Vegas, so I couldn't have that company anymore because I moved out of state. So um, when I went to uh, Nevada, I had to get a new policy with it, with a company that was, you know, like the same company, but it was a different market. So it was like I had to reapply. And I went, you know, any pre-existing condition was considered pre-existing. It wasn't like I already had insurance because I was you know, switching states. So... I applied and I got rejected. And the reason I got re- rejected was for my high cholesterol. And I said, well, first, no, first they asked me, can you give us your cholesterol results? 
And I said, how do you, what do you mean? They said, well, we saw you had a test for high cholesterol. So I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. So I gave them results all proud of the fact that I had like a 150 total cholesterol. There's no way that's going to be an issue. Well, the problem was the triglycerides were like really high. So they came back and said, sorry, we're denying you because of uh, your super high triglycerides unless you sign a waiver that anything related to your heart will not be covered. Well, there's no freaking way I've signed that waiver. So I said, forget it. You know, so I had to go get it with a different company. Only later did I realize that the reason my triglycerides were so high was because I drank soda shortly before I did the test and had forgotten about that. Like I just kind of carelessly did it. So then I, I went back and took another test and my triglycerides, they weren't low. I know I, I've always had a little bit high triglycerides, but they were back in like a, nor- a normal-ish ra- range. So then, you know, once I presented that, then I was able to go back to this company. But what a pain in the ass the whole thing was. I got, I got to prevent that again here, even though even though they uh, they can't deny me right now. But I, I want to know my true readings. So, Kelowna, B.C., K-E-L-O-W-N-A. It's in uh, you know, British Columbia. Uh, I think it's kind of not that far. I want to look at the map. from. I think it's kind of in the greater Vancouver area, but not that close. Let me look where it is on a map. I think Matt the Rat lives there. Or lived there. Last I heard he lived there. Uh... Yeah, you know what? It's not that you know what? it's not that close to uh, Vancouver. I'm incorrect. It's actually kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, if you go east from Vancouver, kind of east and a little bit north, there's Kelowna, and there's really not much around there. Uh, there's a, a number of little towns. It's not isolated, and it's the biggest town in the area. But in that kind of central BC, south, southern central BC. There's Kamloops and there's Kelowna and not much else other than some small towns. And then there's really not much of any consequence if you keep going east until you get to Calgary. So they have a casino out there. And I I, I imagine that's probably how Matt the Rat got into poker. I'm sure he's played at that casino. By the way, I'm looking right now in Kelowna. It is 12.09 a.m. as it is here. 15 degrees and snow. That is a cold place. It looks like a cold place because it's it, it's a lot farther inland than Vancouver. So it looks like a place that would get cold in the winter. Anyway, uh, there's a, a collusion thing there between a dealer and a player. And uh, I'm surprised dealers try this. And of course this is something that is going to happen, but these they always seem to get caught because it seems like the ones doing this are just never very smart or subtle about it. So it says two men have been arrested for allegedly cheating at a casino in Kelowna, B.C. Police say officers launched an investigation in November 2016 after getting a tip about a dealer who was allegedly working with a patron at the Lake City Casino. The Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit. I like the Combined Forces. Like, what's combined there? The Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit. That sounds so ominous. 
says the patron was spotted directly in front of the dealer at two separate games over the course of three days, and investigators allege they were involved in a criminal act. They say in a news release that the dealer has been suspended from the casino and his provincial registration as a gaming worker has also been suspended. The dealer, a 21-year-old from Kelowna, has been charged with one count of trying to defraud a casino while holding the stakes for a game of roulette. The player, a 25-year-old man from Kamloops, has been charged with two counts of trying to defraud a casino and cheat at roulette and poker. So, I don't know what kind of poker. You know, was he playing, was this like regular poker? Was this some kind of three-card poker where you're playing against the house? I'm not sure. They're not really getting details. But uh, a 21-year-old dealer, I don't even see 21-year-old dealers like in Vegas. Do you ever see that? That seems a little young. Yeah, and I seen that. I think it's more likely to have things like that happen when you have these young dealers that are don't think things through as much and are kind of immature. So does it say what they were doing, how they were doing it? No, it, it, they're not specific about it. But uh, yeah, I, I, these dealer player collusion things. They, they just I've seen so many of these over time. And it, it, like this guy sitting right in front of the dealer and twice in three days, like they're never subtle about it. Like, not that I want to give anyone tips on how to cheat, but if you're doing this, you think the smarter thing would be you don't sit in a position like really close to them, you know, to, really close together. You don't you don't do this twice in three days. You do it like once a week or once every two weeks. It's something which mm-hmm. makes it tough to detect. You don't go and sit right in front of the dealer and cheat twice in three days. It, and I bet they probably, you know, attracted attention with, with how well the player was doing. And that was that. So that that's uh, you know, not much more to say. I just thought it's it's so funny. A lot of times cheaters are just not very smart. You, you picture that these casino cheaters are going to be very sophisticated master criminals. They're usually idiots. They're usually idiots who think they've come up with something smart and then implement it terribly. Even if the idea is clever, it, it's implemented recklessly and terribly. And that's what I found with like poker colluders. You would picture that, that they they could do it a lot more effectively, especially online, where it'd be hard to detect or prove. But usually it, it's just idiots that are super obvious about what they're doing. And I've told the story before where in some cases, they're so bad at what they're doing that I actually sit purposely in a game with colluders and just uh, adjust my play style to them and beat them. So, uh, I once had it where the colluders were running away from me from table to table. They, you know, they're like they were they'd be colluding, and then they'd notice I'm just like pounding them back with any kind of decent hand. Then I win like a huge pot with just top pair. I do this to them a few times, and they realize that you know I know what's going on. So they hop up and go to a different table than I sit with them, and then they run away every time they see me there. And then finally, when when I've had enough of that, then I just call out what they're doing. So, uh, so they uh, they quit, and then I reported, of course. So I once even had like a three-handed game against two colluders. They thought they were so smart. It didn't work out. So. Phil Helmuth is writing an autobiography, and he mentioned this. Where is it? He mentioned this in a tweet. 
On February 1st, he wrote, Man, what is the reward for writing my autobiography? Poker... my Let me start again. Man, what is the reward for writing my autobiography, Poker Brat, from 1 a.m. to 7 a.m.? I know what I want. New York Times bestseller. So he's saying if he's going to spend six hours overnight doing this, that he better become the New York Times bestseller, or otherwise it's not worth it to him. That's, that's basically what he's saying. He probably wasn't serious about that, but he tweeted that a week ago, and it was supposed to be in stores already last month, but he's behind on it. He claims it's going to chronicle his meteoric rise as one of the top pros in the world. What I want to know is if he is going to mention the UB stuff and a lot of the inside stories involving that. I think not only won't he mention the inside stories, but he's going to just gloss over it, make very little mention of it, except perhaps that uh, he eventually left after a lot of problems they had over there. I bet that's what he'll limit it to. Uh, Helmuth has always been attempting to distance himself from that, even while it was going on. He he just didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to deal with it. I don't think he had anything to do with the cheating. I don't think he knew about the cheating until it had already happened. But I I think that it was something he didn't want to answer to, nor did he want to sell his stake in the company just yet when it happened. So I think it was just something he wanted to avoid thinking or talking about. And when I tried to force that conversation on TV, then I was silenced by an ass-kissing floor man. Ass-kissing to Helmuth, not me. Told if I continue, I will get a penalty, which would have busted me because I was short-stacked, so I couldn't continue with that. And uh, Helmuth is, is, is a strange guy. I mean, some of what you see of him on TV is an act. But but it's more of an exaggeration than an act. It's it's more of him taking his actual personality and playing it up somewhat to be entertaining. But he's not like a completely normal guy who's just pretending to be like a whiner at the table. He's more someone who noticed that his unique personality can be played up a little bit and by taking somewhat of a villain role combined with his immense success at the World Series... Uh, could make him a uh, a marketable player and a memorable player, and he's been very successful with that. But at the same time, uh, he has some odd ego things going on that aren't totally normal. Uh, there was the time when he won his ninth bracelet that he kept doing laps around the Bellagio over and over, just hoping to run into people who would uh, congratulate him. And we saw him. He's just walking and walking and walking and walking alone. Right after he wins the bracelet. He's not celebrating. He's not relaxing. He he goes to the Bellagio and walks, 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 walks around the whole Bellagio, including the poker room, just so people will see him and say, Hey, Phil, ninth bracelet. Great job. <laughs> and and I've told you guys about how he approached me in, in uh, 2010 after I had the argument with him in 2009 on TV that they didn't show and told me it was very important to him that I don't hate him. I think that's so strange. You know, he, we barely know each other. Why does he care if I hate him? But but he cared because he. It, it's called all part of his ego here. He, he just doesn't want. Uh, it was bothering him that someone 
in poker, you know, some other poker pro was thinking that that he had some kind of involvement in this or hated him for his involvement with this. He just he was having a hard time like seeing me and thinking, oh, I bet this guy thinks I'm shady. I bet this guy thinks I'm a thief. Like I can't have like it was bothering him. Not that he really wanted me to love him. He just he didn't want me hating him. Little Donald Trumpish. It it is a little bit like that, yeah. So, and it's funny because if you think about it, Phil Helmuth, his, his image on TV is is partially to get people to hate him, but it's a different type of hate. Like he doesn't mind if you hate him for antics at the table, because he thinks while you hate him, you also respect him for his poker play. But he just didn't like that. I, I he almost like he felt like I was looking down on him as a bad person. And and even though it was I wasn't someone important in his life by any stretch of the imagination, he it just it bothered him enough to where he approached me out of nowhere as I'm walking around the Rio. By the way, not walking around to get congratulated, but just walking around. And he's by himself and, and stops me and, and has this conversation with me. It was, it was very odd. So, and there's a year later. This wasn't like the day after. It, it actually sat on his mind for a year before he you know saw me again and wanted to talk to me about it. And you you would think, otherwise, why would it, you know why would he care? He's the huge name in poker. I'm I'm kind of a fringe name in poker. That if you're uh, a big follower of poker, you may know me, but you're not, uh, not some household name poker star like he is. I'm not in Carl's Junior commercials. So why why would it matter if even if I do hate him? But apparently, it did. But anyway. I'm, I'd be shocked if the book says anything about UB other than a quick mention. I'm sure it'll mention he was involved with it, but I'm, I'm sure it'll only be a quick mention of him leaving and almost like to maybe pat himself on the back like with all the problems they were having there, I finally decided I had to go, and at the end of 2011, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I can see something like that. But Yeah, or I could see him like mentioning maybe like Greg Pearson and Russ Hamilton. He got, it was all their fault. He got involved with the shady company. He didn't know anything about it, and then he left right away. Yeah, except I don't think he'll mention Pearson. Because he he was, I think he was, I think they're still friends. So I I have a feeling like Russ, I could see him throwing under the bus, but uh, I think Pearson is going to get a pass here again. I, I think they're still friends. So uh, the anyway, yeah, it, but I could see something like that where he mentions that he didn't know he, the, this is all happening behind his back. Uh, it was very hard for him. He helped build the company, you know. But you know, tried to stick. He made you know tried to stick it out and see if he could help the situation. When it was clear it was it was too far gone, he finally had to leave. You think? Oh, yeah, I got be positioned like he was a genius. He saw this online opportunity, so he helped build one of the top companies. Yeah. Then some shady insiders ran it to the ground. Yeah, then he then he stuck around long, you know, trying to save it. It, it wasn't, you know, it, it was too far gone, couldn't do anything, and finally had to give up and leave. And you think, oh, what a good guy! What a good guy! He, he you know, he, this happened. This happened behind his back. And then he tried to he he didn't just jump ship. He tried to save things. And then when it was it was just too much, he had to leave. That he even, he even brought Joe Seabuck in to audit the books. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that's uh, I don't know when that's going to come out. Uh, I also wonder, is, is he actually the one writing it? Or is does he have a ghostwriter? Though I could believe he would write it. Because this is an autobiography. This is about, you know, it's him writing about himself. W- with, with such an ego that he has, maybe he doesn't want someone else writing it. Maybe he, he really is staying up from 1 a.m. to 7 a.m. to write such a thing. And 
you know, if, if you're going to believe that he cared whether I hated him or not, you can believe he would stay up night after night writing an autobiography and not just hiring help to do it. I don't know. I'm pissed. I'm picturing him like walking, pacing around and telling all the stories about how great he is with just some like, you know, a ghostwriter just typing away at all hours of the night. On the... Yeah, that could be. It could be like he just yeah, saying it on, uh, you know, on the phone or on Skype or uh, recording something and having them transcribe it or change it to book form. That, that is how a lot of the celebrities write their books is they just uh, tell stories to some writer who then uh, types it out into, and, and translates it into book form. And uh, so you're really getting stories directly from the person, but they're not, they weren't sitting here typing, uh, typing out a long book. It's a lot of work to type out a long book. Oh yeah. Yeah. And especially it's not just to type it out. Like if you just sit there and hammer out, you know, 200 pages or whatever, uh, uh, of writing, it still takes a while. But if if you're just hammering it out, almost like the same way you hammer out a forum post, it doesn't that doesn't take a super long time. But what takes a long time is to to edit it, to to, to order everything right, to to read it, and, and you know change around things that aren't clear or don't sound good. It, that whole process takes a long time to to not only produce a lot of pages, but to make sure that everything sounds good and and is ordered correctly and, and reads well. So it, it's it's not easy. So you have to have a lot of patience to do it. Okay. Uh, let's get to... Jstat saying Helmuth's time has passed. I don't know about that. I, I think he's... Uh, it seems like he just keeps piling up more bracelets. So uh, I don't think it's quite passed for him and he, he of course still a very big name in the game just because of his longevity and all the bracelets and all the records so France has made an interesting decision one that's not going to help the players very much on poker stars presumably or at least it's not going to make it active anymore France has decided that they're going to say au revoir to non-French players on PokerStars. There's a PokerStars.fr, which is the French PokerStars. And all players who are not located in France or its outlying territories are going to be forcibly booted off PokerStars on February 13th. Before this, and I didn't even know that, if you were not a French player but had an EU bank account, that is European Union bank account, and were not in a prohibited country, meaning you couldn't be like in the U.S. even if you have a EU bank account, or in another country with a separate PokerStars site, like Poker, like Spain, like PokerStars.es. Like, so you, you couldn't be in a country with a separate PokerStars uh, localized site. But if you were in any other country, provided you have an EU bank account, they were letting you play on there. France has decided that effective February 13th, that PokerStars has to kick off all such players. You have to be located in France or its outlying territories. So they're going to lose a chunk of their playing pool. And I... 
I don't know the sep- I don't know if the non-France players were better than the France players, or if the France player the France players were better, or if it was kind of about equal. I don't know. Like if, if the people playing from outside France were mostly good players, then it's actually going to help the site to get uh, good players off. But remember, this isn't Poker Stars deciding it. This was the, the French government. And I have to think that uh, since it's open to such a wide number of countries, now you do have to have an EU bank account, but I have to think that it probably allowed more recreational players to do. I, I think it was probably a bad thing to lose these players, is my guess. But who knows? I, I, I haven't looked at the demographics there. But anyway, if the Poker Stars France, they're being forced to kick off any anyone not in France. But I, I didn't even know that you could play from outside France. So that's interesting. So I, I want to talk a bit about, this is by popular demand, people ask for this topic. Scams that occur when you hire hookers or go to strip clubs. Now, being scammed by a hooker is not shocking to you, I'm sure. I think it's likely that you were aware that hookers can steal from you or scam you or you know not give you what they claim they're going to give you for what you pay for. Uh, I'm, you know, hookers are not known to be the highest quality people in many cases, so I'm not. I'm sure you're not going to say, oh my God, you mean some hookers are actually scammers? But with strip clubs, you may be surprised. With a strip club, you may think, okay, this is an established business. Yeah, how are they going to be scamming people here? That, that's something you may not think of. So I'll, I'll tell you about some of these scams and how to avoid them. And not from experience, but just from... Research on the topic, not personal research, but just uh, reading about this over the years. I, I find the topic fascinating. Any kind of, you know, I used to, there's a site, I think it still exists, called The Erotic Review, which is like a Yelp for hookers. And I used to read it not to decide which hookers to hire, but I used to read it for entertainment. But where I went straight to read were the bad reviews, because you could filter it. You could say, I want to read the reviews of you know, the one star. You, you had to be, rate them from one to ten. I wanted to read all the ones. Why? Because those were the interesting ones. I wanted to read the worst reviews so I could read about all the different scams. I thought it was interesting. I, I didn't want to read the, the ten stories about the hot time the guy had with her. I, I, I wasn't reading this for sexual reasons. I was reading it because I wanted to read about the scams and, and it was interesting, and especially when several guys would review, and you'd see essentially the same story told by different people. So let's start with a, with a simpler though part of the, the, the hooker scams. So, first of all, there's no reason in this day and age to get a hooker, other than maybe a really cheap one. If you're feeling, you know, you just want to pay a hundred bucks or something, it's. The girl may not have many reviews, or you, you may have a hard time finding reviews on her. But if you're paying any kind of real money to see a hooker, you, sh- you should look her up on this erotic review site. I, I think it probably still exists. I, I haven't gone there in a while, but let, I'm going to type it in right now. I'm, I'm not just pretending like I don't know if it still exists. I really haven't gone there in a while. But I will go there right now, so I will not be able to 
claim that in a second. No, I don't think it shut down in the last yeah. week, Trust. <laughs> that sounds like a Calwad comment. Is, is he still here? Okay, so so yeah, it, it now makes you click through that there has explicit content, and I'm clicking. I agree, and it's just sitting here. But I think they need a new server. Oh, here we are. Okay, yeah, here we are. So it's it's there. Uh, it has almost 1.4 million reviews on this site, and right now 39,502 users online. No wonder the server is slow. Though who knows what constitutes online? Maybe if you refresh it in the last five hours, you're online. But who cares? It, it is a popular site. It is a site that is useful if you're going to get hookers. Why? Because people who have good or bad experiences report them out here. They they will, it's just like Yelp. You go, go to a restaurant and you know the, the restaurant has 100 reviews and an average of you know 2.3 stars. You know you don't want to go there. If, if it has uh, four and a half stars, you probably do want to go there. It's not a perfect system. There's sometimes you're disappointed by good reviews or a place with bad reviews is surprisingly good, but not often. So as with anything, the more reviews there are, the more reliable you can believe the reviews are as a whole. But in this day and age, with this type of site out there, you should be able to find a lot of the hookers, especially the ones that cost you know, decent money, and see if the other guys have, have enjoyed their time with them. And if you see any red flags, complaints about uh, clock watchers, meaning the girls that just, you know, constantly, you know, they tell you you have an hour with them, and if you approach the hour, they, hurry up, we gotta finish, it's the hour, it's, it's 52 minutes, you better finish the next 8 minutes, or I gotta get dressed too, you know, like, you know, like I couldn't imagine more of a turnoff than that. And I've never gotten a hooker before, so I, I, I'm just saying from reading these things, and I hear about clock watchers, I go, oh my god, that would be awful. I, I've dealt with clock watchers before with girls I didn't pay for, <laughs> just girls I was dating that, that you know, they have to go somewhere or or whatever, and they, they, they tell me you know we only have half an hour to do it, and I, I would feel like under pressure, it would kind of ruin it to know that I'm under some kind of time constraint. So I can only imagine when you're paying for it. But that's not really a scam, the clock watcher. But you just you don't want to see anything bad. If you if you see any bad reviews, aside from like one outlier, if the girl has like fifty good reviews and there's one bad one, you can dismiss it. But other than that, if you're seeing bad reviews, there's probably a reason for it. You should stay away from those girls. But definitely don't do it in the dark. Don't don't just order a hooker and hope it'll be good. Second, if you see a picture that's very attractive. Do not believe that is who's going to show up at your door. Many times, the pictures are fake or very, very old. More often, just fake, where you at least a different girl comes over than what you were uh, actually, you know, the one that was in the picture. Sometimes it's a service, a service where it's uh, many girls working for one service. It could be a pimp. It could be, uh, you know, something a little more organized than a pimp, but whatever. It's girls that are all affiliated and that, they're posting the prettiest one in the ad and you're going to get one of many different girls. So maybe one of the girls in the ad looks like that, but not the one that shows up to you or, you know, she may work for them, but not, that's not the one you get. Or in many cases, that's not even a girl that works there at all. So, uh, that's another problem. Now, how do you prevent that? Well, there's a few things you could do. First of all, you can make it clear that, 
you know, ask, are you the one in the picture? And if they say yes and say, okay, please understand it's important to me you're the one in the picture, you know, I, I'm not going to let you in or, or go through with this if you're not. You may think that's like an asshole thing to say, but it's not because this happens all the time. And then the guys don't know what to do. Then the guys have to make like a – you open the door and, and it's a different girl. Then you got to make a snap decision. Well, you know, do I say anything? Am I being rude? You know, maybe she just doesn't look quite as good anymore. Even if you know for sure it's a different person, you know, well, you know, maybe she's cute enough. You know, I'm horny. I, that, that's the thought process guys go through. They even sometimes get scared if they say no that they're going to have some angry pimp coming there beating them up. So you, you make it clear beforehand that – because if you make it clear beforehand, they're just not going to come because they, they're not coming there for fun. They're not coming to see you because they, they like you. They're coming because they want to make money. So if you're telling them, I'm going to turn you away if you're not the girl in the picture, then, they just, then they'll just dismiss you and, and not set up uh, a session with you. So that's, that's something that you should do. Unless, the person, unless they have tons of good reviews, then again, it's very unlikely that you're getting a bait and switch. There's only a few reviews you may want to do that. You may want to ask, are you the one in the picture, and say it's very important to me that you are, and then, and then make sure. I don't think I can get through the segment without people being convinced that I've done this, but I really haven't. <laughs> I've just, from reading all these bad reviews and all this time, I, I know what to watch out for. If, if I did get hookers, I'd know exactly how to do it in a an uh, effective way. Uh, next, uh, you have to make it clear. First of all, again, good. a lot of good reviews will prevent this from happening, but you have to have a very clear understanding of what you're paying for. This is one of the big scams. A girl will say, uh, you know, $350. And you'll see some really hot chick there. You go, okay. 350 for her? Wow, I've never had a girl like that in my life. Okay, I'll do it. She comes over. It's actually her. You're like, wow, okay. She comes in. She does some kind of like stupid dance in front of you or something, something like that. A strip tease. And she says, okay, well, you know, uh, unless I get a tip, I can't really do anything more. You're thinking, what the hell? And that's one of the most common scams. And guys feel foolish. They think maybe they just didn't understand what they were paying for. Or if they do understand that they're being hustled, they they feel that they're kind of pot committed now. They paid 350 The girl did a little dance and is saying, I'm not doing any more until you pay more. The guys will usually cough up more money at that point. Sometimes it's it's a lot more money. Sometimes it goes from 350 to 1000 or whatever. So... Again, if you now sometimes they'll claim they don't want to discuss it because what if you're a cop, blah blah blah. But you know, um, if you are very clear and saying you know this covers everything, I'm not paying any more. You know, I didn't need to know this for sure. Uh, again, that that can prevent them from pulling this because again, if you don't seem like an easy mark, they're not going to bother with you. Uh, it, it's kind of the same concept with how. Certain people put a sign in front of their house that says protected by such and such security company when they don't even have an alarm system. But they just figure that when potential burglars are walking down the street and and casing houses that they want to break into, if they see one is protected by such and such alarm company and the one next door is not protected by any alarm company, they'll say, ah, let's go for the easier one. So that's kind of what happens with these scamming hookers is they think – you know, I'm not going to go for the guy who's a challenge. Uh, some of you might remember Peter D.C., who scammed this community. And one person he never tried to scam was me. 
Why? Because he thought that, number one, I'd be tough to scam, and number two, if he did, that I would let everybody know and ruin all the other scams he has going. So all he did with me was, was, was trying to like get to know me so then he could brag to people he was my friend and get credibility that way. So <laughs> that he did do, but he... And of course, he way exaggerated, you know, how close we were, how how well we knew each other. But that's what scammers do. But the point is that he saw pretty quickly that I was not going to be a likely scam victim. I'd be a tough victim, and in fact, the consequence for trying and failing would also be hard on me. And the girls think about that too. But you can always call the police on them and things like that. So, uh, so so always make sure there's a clear understanding of what you're getting for the money. Unless the girl has so many good reviews that it's clear that. This never happens. They're, they're not going to decide with a with, with, uh, hundred happy reviewers and, and zero unhappy reviewers. They're not going to decide on with you that you're going to be the one they rip off. Usually what they've done to you or don't do to you is going to be similar to other guys. Uh, never, never, never leave valuables out. You may think that's obvious, but don't. Lock them up or hide them in any place they will never be found. Do not fall asleep with them present. Even if they seem nice and trustworthy, don't. Do not fall asleep with a hooker present. Make sure she leaves while you're awake. Uh, If there's any drinks involved, make sure you pour your own drink and make sure you you have the drink with you the whole time. Even if you go to the bathroom, take the drink into the bathroom with you. Uh, Do not ever leave the drink out. Or you could be drugged. And that has happened before. The girl is not going to be overpowering you. So the only way she can forcibly do anything to you is if you're knocked out. Meaning sleeping or actually knocked out with with something in your drink. And this isn't paranoia. Like these things really happen. So, and, and if you do get ripped off, don't be afraid to go to the police. The police aren't looking to necessarily arrest you for seeing a hooker. They're, they're much more interested in nailing the scammer, the scammer, the hooker that's scamming people. So don't be afraid to tell them that you did this. Don't be afraid to go if you are scammed and, and report this. They are unlikely to arrest you. Um, now I'm going to so that, those are those are some scams that go on with with hookers, and if anything seems funny before you meet them, just don't do it. There, there's so many of them out there. If anything seems funny, do not do it. Just just stay away. Call someone else, or or just don't get a hooker that night. Uh, also, this should go without saying, but believe it or not, some people are uh, tricked by this. It is very rare, and when I say rare, I mean really rare, that the girl you are paying to have sex with you is really enjoying your company, even if she kind of enjoys the sex. Even let's say you do a good job and you know, she enjoys it and she gets off. It's still a job to her. She's not going to want to see you again. She's not going to want to date you. If you have fun together, she's not going to want to hang out with you again unless it involves you paying for her. There are some very, very, very rare exceptions, but they're so uncommon. And even when they occur, you have to wonder, how did the girl get into this in the first place? Uh, maybe I, I better stay away. And you know, you've heard of the hooker with a heart of gold, the ones that uh, are kind of in it 
because they, they had no other choice or they perceived they had no other choice. But they're actually very good people. There's a few like that, but very, very few and far between. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between those and the ones that are bad. So I, I, it's just better to stay away from any kind of relationship with them in any way. And I, I've seen all these mistakes made. I've seen them in stories on my forum. I've seen them in stories on uh, review sites. I've seen them in, in unfortunate news stories about scams or even worse, where uh, you know robberies where the girl shows up and then opens the door and a guy busts in and holds you at gunpoint and makes you give up all your valuables. That's another thing. Uh, Make sure the door is locked after they come in. Make sure they don't go towards the door. Um, if they do the, tr- there's a trick they like to use that is that scammers do. I've got to go back in my car and get something. So you pay them. Things start up. I go, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot such and such important thing in my car. And and they go out, and of course they never come back. In some worst cases, they go out and let some bad dude in there to hold you a gunpoint or knife point and robs you. So, um, if this happens, say, okay, well, you know, I'd feel more comfortable if I, if I could hold the money while you're doing that. Don't be afraid to ask that. And uh, also, when they go out like that, lock the door and wait for them to come back. And then when they come back, open the door for them if there's nobody with them. But there have been scams and robberies like that where they leave and then come back with some big dude. Because they figure if they come with a big dude in the first place, you just won't open the door. If you look through the peephole and you see some big guy behind her, you're probably not going to open it. But once she's already there and leaves and comes back, then you're going to be, your guard will be down. So... Uh, you might wonder, with with all my knowledge of this, you know, why why don't I do it? Even if not now, you know, since I'm with someone and have been for a long time. But what about when I was single? Why why didn't, especially living in Vegas, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I get hookers? Was was it cheapness? Now the reason I didn't was was twofold. Number one is the disease thing. That combined with the thought of her being with that many different guys before me, which you know, obviously I'm not like her first customer, or even her fifth or tenth customer. I'm probably numbers in the hundreds or even in some cases thousands. That It just seems kind of gross to me. Even if there were no sexually transmitted diseases, that just seems kind of gross to me. And, and second, uh, of course, the diseases. And, and third, uh, I... A lot of what I get out of these type of things is, is uh, when I say type of thing, I mean, what I would get out of being with a woman is the feeling that she is enjoying being there and enjoys my company, enjoys being with me and is turned on by me. And if, if she's just doing it as a job, that becomes a big turn off to me. It, it seems kind of phony. So right, it is phony. So uh, it's just something I wouldn't enjoy if I know that they're only doing this because they're being paid. And some people say, well, you know, you always pay in some way. Well, that's different, though. If a girl legitimately likes you, but also 
want you to pay for her. They're not necessarily... I don't mean like in a hooker situation. I mean like if you have a girlfriend, she wants you to buy her things, you have a wife and it costs you money. Yeah, They're not mutually exclusive. You can have a girl that wants to be with a man who will buy her things or be generous to her, but also wants to be with someone she legitimately likes. So you can't have both. Whereas with a hooker, she almost never legitimately likes you. She just is with you expressly for money. And that's, that's the problem for me. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't be excited by that. So that, that's why I don't do it, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's not even so much like a moral objection to it. It's just, for me personally, it's, it's something that's just not appealing. So, and that's the truth. I'm not just saying it to sound... Like I'm above doing this or something. I'm, I'm telling you the truth about how I've always viewed it. And that's a similar reason. I, I, I very rarely have gone to strip clubs. And and not the times I've gone have haven't been by myself. So let me get into the strip club thing. Because this is something you don't expect as far as being scammed. This is something that uh, you may think is probably on the up and up. It's, it's, a business, it's an established business sitting right there. Uh, strip clubs count on their clientele getting really drunk and not knowing what the hell's going on. And, and many of them do. Many guys go there and get really smashed. And then they don't remember what happened that night. And that's what some of these shadier strip clubs are counting on. So there have been a number of scams including some in Vegas, where people end up with big charges on their credit cards. And they don't remember having made those charges, but they were so drunk they can't swear that they didn't make those charges. So what do you do? And I'm talking about like not a few hundred bucks of charges. I'm talking about thousands of dollars for some people. Now, how could there be thousands of dollars or sometimes even tens of thousands at a strip club. How can that even happen? Well, it really can. Uh, some of these clubs are very expensive. There, there's various things, you know, as far as uh, drinks that are bought, as far as uh, lap dances and other things with these girls. There uh, were private time in the booth with them, even ones that don't involve prostitution. Some of these that would be legal things to sell, but then in reality, what they're doing is they're buying. Uh, you know, they're, there's they're charging your card up for things you never did, services you never received, and feel that you're going to be too drunk and maybe even too embarrassed to ever challenge it. Listen to this news story. This is uh, reported yesterday. Actually, today. I guess it's yesterday now. This is after midnight. This is for San Francisco, but this has happened in Vegas, too. Police confirmed they are investigating four San Francisco strip clubs accused by over 20 patrons of using their credit cards to run up tens of thousands of dollars in unauthorized charges. An NBC Bay Area investigation found that four clubs associated with Las Vegas-based Deja Vu, Little Darlings, Garden of Eden, Roaring Twenties, and New Century Theater 
have been accused of credit card scams. And yes, this happens in Vegas too. According to the 2015 affidavit acquired by NBC Bay Area, the strip club patrons report having up to $90,000 in unauthorized charges appear on their credit cards after frequenting the clubs. One man claims his card was used four times in an hour, running up bills of $9,550, and the time. In addition, two patrons told police they, police they believe their drinks were drugged while at the establishment. One of them was hospitalized where cocaine and meth, meth were found in his system. Drugs he says he does not use. We don't know exactly what's going on, but we know something's definitely going on. San Francisco, San Francisco Police Spokesman Sergeant Mike Andrejchak told us. One person who spoke to NBC Bay Area said he came home from the strip club to find his bank account drained. When he reported the incident to his bank, he was told he couldn't recoup the funds as his signature was on the strip club receipt. The man maintains he did not sign the receipt for over 2,000 in charges and believed the club got his signature from scanning his driver's license when he entered. Clever. Deja Vu, which operates over 130 strip clubs in the United States, is denying the allegations. Due to our business, we go to extraordinary measures to ensure the patron is aware of the charges he's incurring, fingerprinting or videotaping each and every transaction. At no t- time is a dancer able to process a credit card charge without the patron present. That's BS. They, uh, this definitely happens a lot. So how do you prevent this? Well, one thing is not to get blackout drunk and understand that these scams can occur and then they start to be hard to challenge. Uh, Number two, there... Number two with this, um, if you start to feel funny when you're there, like something was in your drink, uh, I-, I would just leave. In fact, maybe even leave and call the police if you were to feel like that. Now, now most of the times this happens, it's not from people getting drugged. It's usually ones who are actually just really, really drunk where they can't remember. Number three, if this happens, don't be afraid to go to the police. Don't just say, I'm too drunk. They'll never believe me. Now, if if you really have a memory this never occurred, tell the police. The police can even demand video of uh, of you there and seeing if you receive these services. Another thing to consider is maybe going to a club that does not have super expensive services. There's, there's various grades of clubs and some of them are very expensive and some of them are cheaper and then some of them are really ghetto. Now the ghetto ones tend to have girls who are not exactly top flight but there's some middle of the road ones that don't have as expensive services. Sometimes the very expensive ones are the ones that author, that, that offer the very expensive services where you can run up bills like these uh, there's much more temptation to do this because the reward for doing so is much greater. If they scam you out of $200, it may not be worth committing the crime. If they could scam you out of thousands or tens of thousands, it probably is. Uh, don't go alone. If you're with somebody else, it's much less likely to happen for obvious reasons. There's someone to watch out for you, someone who could, is a witness. I realize maybe... It's not a turn-on for you to do all this in front of one of your buddies, whatever you're doing at a strip club, but 
even if you two kind of separate, the fact that you even come in with a second person can be something that's strongly in your favor to prevent this and make you a target they'd rather not have since there's enough guys that come in alone. Another one. Bring a credit card with a low limit. Then there's a maximum that can get you for. This one guy claimed that his card was used four times for $90,000. He had a pretty high credit limit. What if you bring a card in that has a limit of $1,000? Maybe you can bring a debit card that's connected to a bank account that's loaded. You would probably don't want to do that either. It's harder to recover that money. But if you really want to go to these clubs, maybe maybe get a credit card that with a purposely low limit. You can get one and ask them to reduce your credit limit. That reduces the possible damage because no matter what they try to charge, it will decline. You can also sometimes set on a bank account's website, on a credit card website for the bank, an alert or a verification call that you will get when charges are made over a certain amount of money. Now, if you're totally knocked out, then they can take your phone from you and uh, they can authorize it. But uh, one thing you could do is you could have your phone on silent or vibrate, preferably silent, knowing that it will attempt to text you or call you if you, a large charge is made. And if you make a large charge yourself, you know to look at the phone. And if, you, if you're not the one making it, they won't even know to look at the phone. It'll just decline. See, this, these are things you can do to protect yourself. Walking in there with a credit card with $90,000 in limit and uh, going there yourself and getting drunk, that's not the best idea. And be careful of that credit card signature scam because that's, once your signature's on there, it's very hard to tell who's telling the truth. Sometimes guys will have regret that they blew that type of money at the strip club and will make it up. I never tr- authorized this. Now, I believe in the case that's outlined in this article that this all really happened. But I'm sure there's guys who've complained about excessive charges at strip clubs that just don't want to pay and are unhappy that they spent this much money. So the credit card company is in a tough position who to believe. And if a signature is presented, they tend to believe that these guys really did it. Bad guy twenty three is going nuts in the chat. He says, "Hey, policeman, I'm fucked up. Have a wife and just did three rails of coke. Can you get me my two k back, please?" Yeah, I know what he's trying to say. He's saying that guys sometimes won't. Here, I'll just put him on here. Afraid he's he's going to be blackout drunk. But okay, bad guy. Go ahead. Oh yes, yeah. You don't answer the other phone. What you call the Mount Charleston line? 
Yeah, I, I'm always on Mount. The only phone you answer is Mount Charleston. Well, that's that's a good line. There's a blizzard up there right now. It's the only you don't answer the seven seven five. There's probably people calling you're not answering. <laughs> well, okay. So, so no, I'm being for real. I called you like a hundred times in no, that I, line. I, I, you don't I, saw, I, I know. I saw the calls coming in. I just wasn't ready to take calls at the moment. So okay, but, no. To keep going on with your hooker stories, like that everybody's getting ripped off. I mean, this is craziness. Well, I mean, I'm pretty much done with that. But you, what you brought up there is a good no, point. No, you're not done with it yet. You're not done with it. What do you mean you're done with it? Would you ever get Let me ask you something. Now, just pretend. You got a hooker. Would you ever get ripped off like the ways you said? Well, no, because I, I know what to avoid, so I wouldn't get ripped off. Oh, because you, really, that's what you have to avoid, like them making you a drink or all that other stuff? I, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, what, what that's else? not how it even goes, man. Well, I, that's not true. I've read about all these different stories. That does how it goes. But tell, tell me some other things I missed. Okay. No, I, I'm not trying. Listen, first off, I haven't had a hooker since like 1999, 2000. But I had a hooker. It was a joke. For my guy coming from L.A. where you live, I call him the Iraqi assassin. I actually had him on the radio once. Do you remember him? Yeah, I remember the Iraqi assassin. Yeah. Right. So he came here. So we got him a hooker. It was this blonde girl. She came in, and we're at Roses, too. I mean, so that's even <laughs> fucked up to begin with. You would even come to a house like this because it's kind of fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she yeah. came right in, and they all ran, even the Iraqi assassin. So I banged this bitch doggy style right on the fucking floor at Roses. Well, I'm looking at it right now how I did it. This chick kept coming back, coming back. Let me tell you where she bought her fucking lingerie at, man. Super Kmart. But she was a good-looking chick. She's from Moreauville in Pittsburgh, man. So all the Pittsburgh listeners know where that's at. All the hookers are in Moreauville. But let me tell you something. She never tried to drug me. All she did was make my life miserable. Because she came here the one time Josie was upstairs. And she's coming up here trying to, like, say, I asked to go to the Penguin game. This is a true story. I have my cousin and my friend Mark go to the Penguin game with her. That's what the hookers do around here, man. Well, I, I don't so know about you, that. I, I've never heard I'm of that before. What I'm saying is if you get drugged by a hooker, then you deserve to be drugged. You deserve to be a sucker. If you're too drunk to go into that situation, you should never go into it. Right or wrong? Well, yeah, We're going to take a drink or something well, from yeah, her some, 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 no, but some, Sometimes up. the guys even get drunk themselves. That Nothing's even drugged. They just drink so much when the hooker's over in their hotel room, they, they pass out, and then the hooker just steals stuff and, and runs off. Right. No, that, see, that's why I ain't never going to get ripped off by a hooker. I never pass out, man. I always call your radio show at 3 in the morning. Too. <laughs> no, I agree, but if you if you put yourself up to that, it's your fault, right or wrong. Well, see, I never like to blame the victim. I, I have to say, how can you tell somebody, "Hey, don't get this drunk; you're going to black out"? Because let me tell you something. There's one thing I've never done in my life this whole time, and I'm the biggest drunk on the radio here. I've never blacked out. I never go to sleep. There's something mentally wrong with me. That's why people think I'm on drugs. They say, "Hey, you got to be doing drugs." Even at poker tables, I'm drinking all day, and then they stop the shit at like two in the morning around here. Well, and I still stay up the whole night. Listen, I don't do drugs, no, but there's a lot of people. I, listen, I know girls that do what you're saying, that that blackout, drunk. I'm yeah. But if you do that, you shouldn't get a hooker. 
No, of course. But I'm, I'm, what I'm saying here is that I don't want to say that people deserve it because they, they don't deserve it. They just did something stupid to make it very easy for for them to, to be victimized. But that doesn't mean they deserved it. It just means – and sometimes the obvious things that you would think yourself I would never do and you wouldn't, other people do and don't really think about it. They just think, hey, the girl's coming over. Yeah, I, gonna, I, I want to drink. You know, I'm going re- to rebuttal this. Let me tell you something. It takes a lot of balls if you have to call one of these bitches – or if you, like, meet one of them. It takes a lot of balls to say, yeah, I'm going to do this. That's the whole thing. Once once you get over that, then it's it's whatever. So if you can do that and you can say, hey, yeah, call if you can call them to get to your room or you can do whatever, then if you pass out after the fucking shit happens, you deserve to get ripped off. That's the big. That's the biggest hurdle. Agree with me on that. Well, or no, not. no, no. I, I agree. That's probably a big hurdle. But the problem is, once once they do get past it, they think, okay, I can relax now. I want to have fun with her. I want to. I want to drink. You know, I want to drink with her. I want to fuck around. Yeah, you know, like they they want it to be a relaxed environment. Also, like almost like it's two friends or them a girlfriend partying, and, and it just happens to be a girl they're paying for. How the fuck did you think that about somebody you don't know? Because I'm the girls see, myself, because some of them are age. good at some of them are good <laughs> right, at. And, that's what I'm thinking. Some of them are fairly good I'm, at acting like they like the guy and the guy really believes that they're just hanging out and they kind of almost forget they're paying money. They know they're paying, no, but they kind of forget. I believe that if you're so fucked up and you don't, you're not used to getting drunk all the time or you're not used to... But I think the biggest hurdle, though, is to call those people and if you if you can do that, then... And if you get ripped off, it's on you. Well, you don't, see, I've always... I've said this about, I'm I'm said this, I, I am. And I think, I've said this about poker That'd games. That'd be like you too. going to a poker table and there's a bunch of fucking scrubs there and then you're coming up, you're mopping everybody up because they're all fucked up and drunk. Would you care if they were all drunk and you took all their money? No, I don't. I don't care. But but at the same time, um, I, I can't say for that's different. They're not getting scammed. They're just losing. But what I'm saying here is <laughs> they're losing because they're drunk. But there's a difference. There's a difference between deserving something or just being reckless and not. Now, I don't agree. If a girl comes in and the guy passes out and she steals all his money, but if he passes out like that, then that's on him. It's on him that he did something stupid, not that he deserves it. What he deserves it's on him that he drank too much. Alert, I, mean, I mean, how do you pass here's, here's out an like ex- that? Here's an example of, of deserving versus just doing something stupid. Like, let, let's say, let's say a girl comes over, and and she attempts to. She thinks I've passed out, and attempts to uh, attempts to steal from me, and I see okay. her reaching in my wallet. And then I I, I, I see punch her in the face. And, and, right, and I punch her in the face as she's reaching for my wallet. Well, I agree with that. And, and she ends up with a black eye. You'd say she deserves this black eye. Why? Because she got caught stealing and and, and got hit. So so she she deserves it. That's saying she deserves something bad happened and, and as a result of her doing something bad. But when you try when you just do something careless that's not harming anyone, just just re- reckless for yourself, and, and you end up. With, with some kind of unfortunate circumstance because of that. You don't deserve it. You just weren't showing the proper caution and screwed yourself. That is the difference. I agree with that, but here's what I'm saying, though. First off, never buy a hooker with a credit card, <laughs> right or wrong. I don't know. Maybe you can Cash charge back. only, man. Maybe you can charge well, back. I've read that thing on your site. I mean, is, is that a real story? What? What, what site? The oh, guy that spent 17 k on a... Well, he he's at the strip club and the guy comes back, Ryan or whatever the fuck. Oh yeah, yeah, I can't I, yeah. I guess I guess it is true. Yeah, I mean I don't know for sure, but I guess so, it's true. because the guy was either drugged or drunk. I mean they might have drugged him in there even because they like we got a sucker on the hook here, man. 
you got to know your surroundings, and, and especially with stuff like that. Yeah, I don't even give a fuck. Like, Lou Father brought this up. He's in Detroit. But he was in Vegas when he got the hooker, right? Yeah. Okay, well, listen, there's pretty hookers in Las Vegas, man. There are. And it's it's what it is. If you want to get one, get it, and then you you pay your two fifty or whatever, you get the fuck out. You don't make you don't let them make you drinks and brush your teeth. You hear what I'm saying? Like you're you're giving like people excuses. You're giving idiots excuses. Like Lou Father probably did this for the first time. He didn't get ripped off. Why does all the rich guys get ripped off? No, it's it's, it's a random. They're stupid. Well, it's it's not just rich guys. It's a lot of people get ripped off. Well, no, you got to be dumb to get ripped off like that. You don't even have to be rich. You got to be some people an idiot. Are, some people are naive with the whole thing and they don't think all this through. A lot of times, just getting a hooker, you're not thinking it all through. You're just kind of doing it on a whim, and then uh, you're not thinking straight. So they they make a lot of dumb mistakes, and that's hold up. If you get a hooker, only thing you're thinking about is what. Yeah, it's, it's getting laid. It's what you're thinking about. Are you? Are, are, are we doing the fucking whole movie that where the drunk guy, the Nicolas Cage guy, we're all like, uh, we're all being front. I mean, that don't happen like that. No, I know. It only happens right here at Rosa when the girl comes back, and and I don't even want nothing to do with well, her. Yeah, so it, it actually did get happen. Busted for fucking her. Yeah, it actually did happen with you. No, that, that it wasn't so much like that, but it was fucking retarded. It was weird. It was twenty years ago too, but. That's when my cock worked. My cock don't work no more. Really? It's, it doesn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, that's what I always tell everybody. Hey, it don't work like it used to. I mean, nobody. Does your cock work like it used to when yeah, you were twenty? Yes, it actually does. Yeah, that's what you tell me all the time. So I need to get all the what time. What are you taking? Man. What vitamins are you no, taking? No, I'm not taking any. What's what's happening? I, <laughs> I think it's because I don't drink. I think that's why. Probably <laughs> don't drink or chew. Yeah, like no, and I, I, you ain't seen all the shit I've seen. It takes a lot to turn me on. Well, how about I, that? No, I, up, don't do it, kid. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily that. I just think you, you no, probably I'm went through, around, man. You, you probably Listen, I, you yeah, went through physical no, changes. I probably here, fucked man. my dick up. I jerked off so much in my life. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you, bro. I mean, listen, I'm I'm the most true teller on this whole show. But what I'm saying is I heard you talking about this, and I had some stupid girl that came here. She was whacked, and she was pretty. Dude, she was whacked. She kept coming. I, dude, the one time Josie was upstairs. Josie's probably going to hear this for the first time she listens to this. And I'm sure half of your listeners will Facebook her, but she's off Facebook right now, I heard. Oh, is she? I, but look what I, I don't even care. No, listen, it's a true story, man. This girl came here. She, I said, listen, tell her to get the fuck out of here. She was right upstairs because we used to have, it used to be like a fucking frat house, man. It was fucking retarded. But... Dude, then she took my cousin and my friend to the fucking Penguin game. I mean, this girl was nuts. And who, she probably got the fucking Penguin tickets from a... They were good tickets, too, dude, from a, a <laughs> Penguin back then. I, I'm not even kidding you. I mean, the girl was pretty, but she was a, she was a whore. I fucked her because they all ran. But, by That's the way, I, I want to say, you're right, you're right that Josie is off Facebook. Why, why did she get off Facebook? I have no clue, bro. You have to ask her. I don't talk to her. That was, that was the way I could contact her was Facebook. I don't know how to contact her. You have to ask her, man. I just heard that's the grapevine. <laughs> that's no lie. Hey, I don't lie to you, man. I tell you all the truth. I know you heard a lot of dumb shit from her from me, but all that's not all true. There's a lot more stories to all this shit. Listen, you know I'm a made man, motherfucker. 
I'm made on this whole thing. My grand needs to live. Yep. Right? Yep. And you need to get the fuck out of here if she does. You need to come you need to come to Wallbash, man. Ain't that gonna happen to you. Are you kidding me? You think I ever let anything happen to you? Truth. Truth in your no, heart. I'm not, you no, don't I'm not think wor- I would let anything ever happen no, to you. No, I'm not worried about that. You I'm don't think about- I like you like a brother, man, for real. No, I don't think anything's gonna happen. It's just the, the effort to go out there. That's that's the whole thing. I know. If you ever come out here, what do you mean? There's a casino and shit here, man. You could tear it up. Just go down there and play some lemon hold'em. They got good lemon hold'em down there. It's a pain in the ass to come all that way. You might see Dola down there, man. He might be like, ah, I'm, <laughs> I'm drinking the the shit from cash. I mean, who the fuck? I mean, that guy. He didn't even call. He's he's nobody. You made him famous again, man. Okay. Well, he did that for a reason. Do you do you think he did that on purpose? Yeah, yeah, he did. He almost was out of breath though. <laughs> like, he sounded like he was dying. All right. Well, here, I, I got to get... All right, what? Get All right, what? what are you going to do now? What are you going to talk about uh, now? Let's see. I got to get through. TML Gay, the greatest co-host ever. The, who made TML Gay? Yeah, Admit I, it. Uh, you kind of did. He, he also kind of made himself... I kind of? <laughs> he also kind of made himself. I gave him his nickname. That, that's true, but he, he did kind of make himself. You got to give him credit there. No, he's a good dude. I told you, he, he got a lot of upside to him. He don't back down. Yep. I like that little Asian. Ballin! Ballin, yeah, you do it just like him, dude. Anyway, I love you like a brother, man. Okay, thank you, We pray for Rosa, right? Yep, I will. I know you did. Say a Jew prayer for her. I don't even know if that counts. I will. I go, Baruch Atadonai, You're talking in tongues. <laughs> talking Is that what they do? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Th- Listen, I don't know this stuff. Like, I'm see, you're dumb to the hooker game. I'm dumb to the fucking talking in tongues game. Yeah, I don't know what they you're, say. You're dumb they, to the Jew is game. That how you guys prayer? Yeah. You know, we say our Father, heart in heaven. You know, you gotta give like twenty Hail Marys if you tell them you fuck the fuck the the nun or something. I mean, yeah. that's what they do here. I mean, yeah. I don't believe in that. I mean, they taught me how to gamble. I'm suing the Catholic Church right now. I got a fucking. Uh, if you got anybody ever played the bazaar. I got a thing going on. We're going to sue the Catholic Church. <laughs> I think I think you have a better luck if they molested you or something. Otherwise, I don't know. I know. Do you, you believe I was an altar boy and never got molested? That's crazy. you believe that? That's how bad my luck is, dude. <laughs> I mean, if I got molested, I'd be rich. Yeah, think think of the uh, yeah. think of the big sports bets you could be placing if you only got molested. Uh, do you believe that, man? I mean, I could have lost more than sixteen hundred dollars on the under. I mean, this is fucking horrible. So I, I, I'm trying to get to be an older boy again, but no one will let me because I'm 40. Yeah, it's too old. They, they, not, not yeah, they won't let me. They, they don't even let me on the fucking thing to make fish. Well, see, the, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the priests aren't attracted to you anymore. You're way past uh, no, the no, expiration date. I had some fucked up priests. He didn't even speak English. <laughs> it, it was, his name was Father. Dude, I hated. No, I used to run away to be an older boy, but it wasn't because I was getting molested because I just didn't know how to ring the bells. And I used to run high, like, under hedges and shit. It, it, it's a long story. It, when you come here, you'll hear all the stories, man. Like, some of this stuff's fake, but some's not, man. <laughs> yeah, but I hated being an altar boy. I didn't know when to ring the fucking bells. I didn't even get my commute until I was, like, 10 years old, dude. That's a true story, because I, I hated all of it, man. But my mom got me there late. My grandma's totally Catholic, dude. Like, she's nuts. Like, I can see the Ten Commandments right on the wall here. Well, I, I'll say I this. I shall not steal. If, if I, if you I, know, I'm looking, I'm looking for a sucker to make another bet. Who wants to make a bet with the bad guy? If, if <laughs> I, if I came to, 
the residential neighborhood for a week. I think it would be uh, a very entertaining week. I'll say that. Dude, you will have the best time of your fucking life. And you and guess what? I'll put you up in the best hotel around oh, here, wow. man. But you have to come to Roses, though, to eat the meatball. Now, now here's and, a question. Spaghetti. You have to. Okay, I would. This but here, here's not here's all the, Roses. Hold on. Here's, here's the question. not going to happen to you. You'll laugh your ass here, off. Here's the question. If you put me up in the hotel and then you have to hide somewhere because they're after you for child support. Would you be hiding? Would you, would you, would you, would you be everybody, hiding? Everybody's the child support thing. Listen, but, it don't matter. It no, no, I've got a question for name, you. Man. I've got a question for you. If, if you had to hide, would you, would you then hide under the bed in my hotel room? Yeah. yeah. I would actually, you had to say, drum, I need to get the fuck up there right now, man. I mean, will you shut up? You're so fucked up. <laughs> no, that, yeah, I would. If you're asking me the truth, I'll be joking. Like, come stay under your bed, please. <laughs> <laughs> I get a room right next to you and start pounding on the door and I'm drunk calling yeah, your radio. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get no, much No, I love you like a brother, man. Shut the fuck up. You need to come to Pittsburgh. Okay. Don't right. be scared, man. It's cool. I'm not, I'm not scared, believe me. It's not, it's not about fear. It's about Double J. S. Double will come with you. <laughs> he No, he will. He comes down here, man. From what I heard, that's what I heard. Okay. Well, I, I, dude, all of us, we can all, dude, we, we'd have the best time. If you came here for a week, come here in the summertime, get a baseball game in when the Dodgers are coming. Okay, well, I'll, Figure I'll, that out. I'll consider it. Okay, th- thank you, bad guy. We're going to go on here. All right, hey, you take care, man. And, hey, no one dollar. You should have called in, man. You ruined. He ruined himself, man. Yep. Ruined him, brother. All right. All right. Peace, everybody. Bye. Go Rosa. Yeah, go Rosa. Now, uh, Trader Risk, you still hear you fall asleep? I see his picture here. Uh, no, I, I, I'm here, but I'm toast. Okay. You, you going to go? So, yeah, I'm gone. Have, all right, Prof. Thanks. Um, sorry. I no, no problem. Thank, thank you for the time you're here, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. All right, brother. Okay. See ya. So, I'm, I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm going to finish this off myself. All right, so I want to talk about the heartache of booking a Caesars offer and finding out it's unavailable and what you do about it. Now, if you've played at Caesars Properties and got a total rewards card, you've very likely received offers in the mail and an email to get something for free if you come back to a specific property. Sometimes it's free play, sometimes it's food, sometimes it's a spa, sometimes it's a concert, whatever. It's an offer. Hotel rooms are a very common thing to give away for free. And this is not unique to Caesars. You know, All casinos do this when you get their player's card and play some. But what is unique to Caesars, or at least uh, most common with them by far of any hotel I've ever seen. And I don't just mean Caesar's Palace, I mean any Caesar's property, meaning Harris, Horseshoe, whatever. Is the heartache of the unavailable offer. And it's very frustrating because you get an offer, you call up to redeem it, even sometimes quickly. Now, the longer you wait, the, the less chance it'll be redeemable. 
but it doesn't even have an expiration date. It just says, stay with us between, for example, stay with us between February 1st and March 31st, 2017, and get $200 of free play plus $75 food credit. You go, okay, that sounds good. And so let's say it's today's date, February 9th, okay? February 9th, call up the 800 number, and you say, I want to book this. And you figure, hey, I'm wide open. I can go to a lot of different dates. We're only near the beginning of the period. You go, okay, I'll I'll just pick uh, the upcoming weekend. Call up and say, yeah, I'd like to book for Friday the 10th. Tomorrow, uh, through the twelfth, Sunday. Sorry, unavailable. He says, "Well, it says between February first and March thirty first. Yeah, but it's select dates. Uh, some aren't available." You go, "Okay, no problem." What about next week? What about uh, February seventeenth through the nineteenth? Let me check. Uh, yeah, that's unavailable. You go, hmm. Okay, is it the problem of the weekend? Okay, you know, I can go on a weekday. Let's make it uh, February 21st through 23rd. Hang on. Yeah, it's not available either. You go, okay, wait a minute. Can we try something in March? Why don't you just look at the calendar from February, from right now all the way through March 31st. Tell me what is available and I want to pick from there. And they look and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't see any dates available. And you go, what the hell? We're, We're near the beginning of the period here. How could this have happened? Why, why are they sending me the offer and then I call to redeem it and it's unavailable? In some cases, you call up on the day you receive the offer and it's already unavailable. And you ask them, well, is the hotel sold out the entire time? How could that be? They say, no, no, actually, every single day remaining in February and in March, uh, there's rooms available in the hotel. So you say, well, then what's the problem? Give me a room. With this offer. Can't do that. It's unavailable. What does that mean? You ask them. Just what we told you. It's unavailable. There's only a certain number that can be redeemed. And you feel like pulling your hair out. This is happening more and more with Caesar's offers. The reason for this is that they earmark a certain number of these offers. The offer you're getting, many, many people are getting it. Thousands of people are getting it. Sometimes not identical to your offer. Sometimes they'll get more free play than you. Sometimes they'll get less free play than you. Sometimes, yeah, it, they get various forms of your offer, but it's the same offer with the same offer code. Just what they get may vary. But Caesar's earmarks a certain number of these offers that can be redeemed, far fewer than what they send out. So let's say they they're willing to take six hundred redemptions of it. As soon as they get 600 calls, and I'm saying per day, per day that uh, in the period that it's available. 600 is a lot. Let's say they're willing to take uh, 200 per day. So once the 200 for that date are, are used, then you will not get it, even though it has nothing to do with you. If 200 people called ahead of you, and I'm just making up that number, it may not be 200, then it's unavailable for that day. Now, how is it unavailable for everybody? every date? Well, what happens is when that's unavailable, people choose other dates, and eventually the whole thing gets filled up. And with a huge company like Caesars and with a huge database of people in total rewards, these things fill up very fast. 
They also will sometimes restrict it based on date. If they think it's going to be a date that the hotel is going to be full anyway, they sometimes will restrict that date in the first place, and it won't even be available on those days. Sometimes also, they just are, even if it says between like a wide range of dates, you know, like two full months, they're only allowing you to do it on 10 of those 60 days when they're least likely to be full. It's all over the place with what they allow. But they, they decide this for each offer. They don't tell you. They just they just uh, internally decide this, and you call up and find out it's unavailable. Now, this is dumb. The reason it's dumb is that why is a casino making you an offer? Are, are they just generous? Do they just want to give away money? Do they want to give away food to you? Do they just want to be nice? No, of course not. They are giving you an offer to entice you to come down there to get something for free, expecting that you, the compulsive gambler that you are, are going to gamble a lot once you're there, and the money they will make from you will far exceed what they're giving you in the offer. That's the reason they're offering you. So why does it matter how many people redeem it as long as there's still space in the hotel? If there's no space in the hotel, it makes sense. But why would they ever turn you away just because other people have accepted the offer if there's still room? It's not like those people being there are going to prevent you from gambling. It's not like you're going to say, oh, 200 others have redeemed this, so I'm just not going to gamble. No, you're not going to care or know how many people redeemed it. If you're there and you have the potential to gamble there, you're going to gamble. It's not going to have anything to do with how many others accepted this offer. So it's a weird thing, and by far, Caesars Entertainment does this more than than other Casino companies that I have seen I haven't done a scientific study On this but from my uh, Observations and Discussions with others on the matter this is what I've seen So okay What do you do when this happens Well there's some things you can do first of all If you go online to book And it shows unavailable Don't just assume you're screwed the online system on Caesars.com or TotalRewards.com is very buggy. It's very finicky, and often it'll say things are unavailable, which really are. So never trust what it tells you online. If it says available, great. But if it says unavailable online, don't just give up. You need to call the 800 number. Or contact your host. You can do that too. But let's say you call the 800 number, 800 Caesars, and try to book through them. If they say it's unavailable... The next thing you can do is say, I'd like you to check with a supervisor if there's a way you can get this put through. Because sometimes they can't. Sometimes the supervisor can manage it. You may want to actually just ask to talk to the supervisor. Do not let them tell you the supervisor will tell you the same thing. Tell them, I'd like to find out anyway. I'd like to speak to the supervisor. I'd like to see if they can help me. Sometimes the supervisor will tell you the same thing, that you can't get it. But you should always have a supervisor try if the original rep cannot do it. Now, If you run into a wall with a supervisor, you may want to try one more thing with them and say, is there a way you can split up this stay? Let's say say you have a three-night stay you want to do, and they say it's unavailable. You say, well, is there a way you can split it up? Maybe book me two nights on this offer and then the final night on just a, a regular comp without an offer. They can sometimes do that. So see if they can pull something like that. Now, if there's no way, if they cannot get this on there, then you'll need to talk to a host. 
So if you have a host, contact your host. If you don't have one, just ask for the host on duty. And just explain to them. Say, I was going to come in and play. And I was going to go on this offer. And for some reason, it's showing unavailable. Can you put this offer through for me? Sometimes the host will say yes. Sometimes they'll say no. Sometimes they'll be honest that they really can't. Sometimes they will be dishonest and tell you they can't when they actually can or just choosing not to because they don't like that you haven't played enough. But in many cases, they will put it through. They have a power to override this. So I think in some cases it doesn't let them, but in most cases they can override these sold-out offers. If a host tells you they can't, then ask, okay, is there something similar you can give me? Can you give me some kind of food credit, some kind of folio credit? Can you give me some kind of free play? Can you give me some reward credit for showing up? Sometimes they'll do that. And if they say, why? You just say, because I got this offer. I was expecting to get it. It was very disappointing that it's not there. I feel like it's, you know, I should be entitled to this if it was offered to me. And I understand this whole thing about availability, but that's that was the reason I was going to come. I'd really, really like this. It's important to me that this gets honored in some way. And if you completely strike out, then guess what? You're out of luck. Well, um, let's go on to the general topics here. Surprise, Cal Watts not here for this one. Well, actually, I'm not surprised. It took too long to get here. But uh, Trump was called a, a a pretty bad name by a lawmaker in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania State Senator Dalen Leach attacked Donald Trump on Facebook on Tuesday, February 7th, calling him a shit gibbon. It's good he didn't call Obama a gibbon. A gibbon. That would have been pretty bad. I guess if you say it to a white guy, it's not as bad. But... Uh, This all started because Trump said he wanted to destroy the career of a Texas lawmaker who wants to do away with civil asset forfeiture, something we've discussed before on the show. It basically allows the government to seize property or cash from you without charging you with a crime. You're basically charged the stuff with a crime, and you have to prove that the stuff was obtained legally, which can be difficult to do. For example, if you win money playing poker, you would have to prove that you won it playing poker. So if they pull you over, you say, I won this money playing poker, you would have to prove it. You can't just say, I was at the casino. You'd have to really prove it that you won the money playing poker, which can be very difficult and expensive, sometimes more expensive than the money is worth. It's very, very – it's like a a legalized scam for the government to steal from you. There were certain counties where they would – target out-of-state cars, pull them over just so they could search for cash or other valuables in the car and seize them under these civil forfeiture laws. Even knowing you committed no crime. They were soliciting the help from the federal government in something called equitable sharing, where the federal government and 
the local government split the proceeds of whatever they seize, and the reason they get the federal government involved is when there are state laws that forbid this sort of action or make it very difficult, this allows federal law to supersede state law and perform these forfeitures anyway. Because if the local government wants to do them, if the state government forbids it, if you get this federal government involved, then you can do it again. So that practice ended. That was one of the few good things that Eric Holder did, was ending the civil forfeiture equitable sharing agreement with the federal government and local governments to where now the feds don't get involved in that anymore. But civil forfeiture still occurs in states where there are not strong laws against it. And basically the strong laws against it are ones that require there to be a criminal case to seize the property and require there to be a criminal conviction to keep the property. And if they either don't charge you or charge you and fail to convict you, you get the stuff back. In which case they don't do these flimsy seizures knowing that they will not get the conviction that they need. So... This is what happened. This is what caused the whole thing. Uh, In Rockwall County, Texas, Sheriff Harold Evenson told uh, Trump during a a listening session on Tuesday, on asset forfeiture, we've got a state senator in Texas that was talking about introducing legislation to require conviction before we could receive the forfeiture money. So... The, the, the sheriff was unhappy about this. The sheriff was trying to say to Trump, isn't this awful? He wasn't on the, the side of doing that. He was actually against that. So Trump said back to him, can you believe that? Who's the state senator? Do you want to give me his name? We'll destroy his career. So Trump was basically saying he's going to trash the guy and ruin his career. You know, once he gets the state senator's name. So this got back around... And this uh, Dalen Leach guy in Pennsylvania posted the article to his Facebook wall about this and said, hey, I oppose civil asset forfeiture too. Why don't you come after me, you racist, loofah-faced, shit-given? Did I say given? I meant gibbon. (laughs) You, You racist... Lufa-faced shit gibbon. So this went viral because of the term shit gibbon, which I guess hadn't been used before, which doesn't even make sense in the context of Trump in any way, but people just thought it was funny. So it started becoming memes everywhere on the Internet, and the Urban Dictionary already has an entry defining shit gibbon as a general insult, moron, idiot, Donald Trump in particular. Now, the spokesman, Leach's spokesman, Steve Honstein, said in a statement that the state senator was justified in his anger and didn't want to retract his words. The President, tri- President Trump blithely talked about destroying the career of a man who disagreed with Trump on a policy issue. Then Trump laughed about it, which is just what you'd expect from someone who gets his kicks firing people on national television. Trump just continues to undermine democratic norms, America's systems of checks and balances, and the general principle of human decency. 
Senator Leach is mad as hell about it, as you can see from his tweet. Well, I'm going to tell you something here. I don't think Trump understood about asset forfeiture. I think, you know, Trump, who is trying to be on the side of law enforcement, Trump, one of the big things that Trump has been pushing is that I'm going to support the police. My administration is going to support the police. The The years of undermining the police from the previous administration, those are over. Now, now we're going to be a very pro-police administration. We're going to rein in the crime. We're going to get the criminals off the street. We're going to back the police on what they feel is right. That's basically what Trump's been saying. And that's in response to the Obama administration's, what I feel was a mistake in getting involved in these racial controversies like the Ferguson shooting and other ones like that, where Barack Obama was making anti-police statements when these controversial situations would occur and and was basically riling up both black people and liberals who supported them that they were targets of police unfairly and that basically any time a black person has an encounter with police that they're going to be treated unfairly was the implication and this this undermined the, the respect for police this undermined the power police had this undermined the ability they had to enforce the law without always having to watch their back every second that they're going to be accused of something many times falsely. And cr- violent crime started to go up right around then. It's called the Ferguson effect. If you Google Ferguson effect, you'll read about it. Even some liberals are now admitting that the Ferguson effect might be true, that that might be the reason that violent crime has gone up in several major cities and gone up a lot in the last few years. Started right around the time of the Ferguson shooting and President Obama and other lawmakers getting involved in attacking the police as a whole. So Trump is trying to go the full other direction and say, we're just going to blanket support the police. We're going to assume what the police are doing is correct all the time. So I don't think Trump, who, you know, to be honest, does he's not a deep thinker. He's not a deep thinker. He, he can never be accused of overthinking something. Trump hears something or he takes a position and, and he kind of just sticks to it and goes along with that and, and pushes in that direction. In some ways, this can be advantageous. In some ways, this can be even good as it can prevent him from being turned into a flip-flopper, from being uh, forced to overthink something that was obvious in the first place and create doubt in his head, which shouldn't exist. But of course, it's bad in that complex issues are not given the proper thought and attention that they are supposed to get. And that was one of my greatest concerns about Trump as a president. Not that he's going to kill us all or get us in World War III or a lot of these, or, or turn it into a fascist state, I, 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 or that he's a racist, he's going to bring back segregation or 
you know, persecute gays. I, I, I don't see these things happening. But, but I am concerned that when it comes to complicated issues that he's not going to want to overthink them or even forget overthink them, think much about them at all and just gone, kind of go with his gut, which the president can't do. President has president does have to prevent himself from being swayed too much by special interests who try to get in their, get in their head all the time. Sometimes if you have convictions about something and you know you're right and you feel strongly, you just you should be decisive and act. But you also have to know the consequences and you have to fully understand the issue before you do. And Trump does not always fully understand the issue. I believe this is one of them, especially because civil forfeiture is a big thing to poker players. Some of us have been victimized by it. Thankfully, I haven't, but I easily could have been. And it's it's a an issue to anyone who carries around a lot of cash at times. But as far as an issue as a whole to the average American, it, it's not a huge one because most people don't go through it. In fact, the very, very, very vast majority of people do not go through any kind of civil forfeiture situation. Too. So to them, even if they hear about it and think it's wrong, it doesn't become a major issue in their head. It's, it's much more important to most people that issues which directly affect them are dealt with, such as health care, such as jobs, and, and matters such as that. Ones that are right in front of their faces and, and may really be big in their lives at the moment or likely to be very soon. So I think Trump, in this fairly minor, albeit important issue, I think he was backing the police. And I think when he heard about civil asset forfeiture, he was picturing that some criminal is getting to keep his ill-gotten gains and that they can't even seize his stuff until they get a guilty sentence. So Trump's like, what? So some obvious criminal, you seize their stuff, you know, some drug dealer, you, you seize the cash, you seize their uh, expensive cars and, and stuff that they, other expensive stuff they purchased with drug money. You can't even seize that until you get a guilty conviction? What the hell is this? Like, that's what went off in his head. I'm sure of it. I'm sure that's what Trump heard when he heard the statement. On asset forfeiture, we've got a state senator in Texas that was talking about introducing legislation to require conviction before we could receive that forfeiture money. He's thinking this is some jerk liberal state senator who's protecting criminals, who's not even allowing law enforcement, the good guys, to get money rightfully seized from criminals until they get a full conviction. So... That was Trump's knee-jerk reaction. Is that jerk? He's on the criminal side. Let's, let's find out his name. Give me his name. We'll ruin his career. We'll, we'll put it out there that this guy is soft on crime, that this guy wants to help the criminals, not the police. Those weren't his words, but that's what he was trying to say. And obviously that's a dumb thing to say. The president can't say things like that. But on the concept of asset forfeiture, believe it or not, I believe if Trump was told, he probably has been told by now that this controversy broke out, but if it was explained to him briefly about the problem with civil forfeiture and the fact that local governments are targeting innocent citizens and that's the main way it's used these days, that it's not being used only for its intended purpose of 
seizing uh, assets from drug dealers who you can't quite convict, but that you know that they cannot prove where they got their assets or money. Because that, that's what it was designed for. That's what it was designed for, and it seemed like something that made sense. If there's a guy whose income, he's a known drug dealer, he has a, a very nice house, very expensive cars, he has boats, he has all kinds of cash, doesn't seem to have any employment, can't seem to tell where the money's coming from. Everyone knows where it all came from, but you can't prove it. So legislation came and said, hey, if you strongly suspect, if everyone knows that he got his money from drugs, why not make a law to where you can take these assets and then say, okay, if we're wrong, prove it. And if he got the money legally somehow, he should be able to prove it easily and he'll get it back. But if it was from drug deals, then he won't be able to prove that he got it from legal means and he'll just have to give up. So this way you take the assets, even if you can't catch them red-handed, breaking the law. Like if a known drug dealer, you pull him over, you find a suitcase of $500,000 cash in his car, you know it was from a drug deal, but you didn't see him make the deal. Without civil forfeiture, you can't seize it. But now you can. You seize it and tell him, okay, show us where you got it. Show us legal, you get it back. Otherwise, you don't get it back. Seems to make sense on the surface, right? Except when it starts to get abused to steal it from people. And that's what happened. Counties, cities that were poor, that needed money, would target out-of-state cars and pull them over, just take what they had, and say, okay, prove you got it legally. (laughs) Good luck with that. So if that was explained to Trump, I I, I believe that he would change his tune on it. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but I think he would. So I believe he wants to support the police. I believe he doesn't want to hear nonsense defending criminals. He doesn't want to hear about criminals' rights. He doesn't want to hear about uh, the, the police force being racist, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't want to hear about that stuff, but... If he's told the civil forfeiture's big problem is that it's being used to just target innocent people driving by to steal from them, even Donald Trump is going to say, you know, I don't like this. All right, I understand why this guy wants to go after it. But the problem is he didn't know. He didn't know. He just heard from the sheriff in Texas, in Rockwell County, Texas, that some state senator is trying to introduce legislation that they can't receive any money that they seize until they get a conviction. And because it came from the sheriff, it to Trump it just rang like it had to be true and had to be like a bad thing. It was like, you know, the guy's complaining about this, the sheriff's got to be right, so got to back him. That that's what this is about. I'm not defending Trump here. I'm just saying that this is not saying Trump is going to be the civil forfeiture president. And that's where that's where people who don't like Trump make the mistake. They think that he's a fascist. He's he's not. He's just he's somebody who has his ideas about what will fix America, what will improve America, and then he wants to implement them often without a lot of thought. Similar to that Muslim ban, it was implemented very poorly. Even people who are for the Muslim ban have stated they feel it was implemented very poorly.
I talked about that on the last radio show. So this is just Trump not knowing what he's talking about, not thinking and just shooting off his mouth and saying something he should never say about he's going to destroy the career of another politician for taking a different position than he does. But it's all from the place of, hey, we're going to stop this attack on police. Why, Why don't we get out the word that the state senator is taking the side of the criminals? That's what he's trying to say. Sometimes you got to use your Trump to English translator. All right. Uh, that guy wants me to call Grandma Rosa, but I, I don't want to call her up at, at uh, 4.46 in the morning. check the ratings here. Let's see if anyone's still listening at this time. Yeah. You know, we have more than half of our peak listeners at the moment. So that's not bad. It's not bad. All righty. Of course, some of those people may be sleeping. They may technically have it on. I, I don't have an indication of who's listening and awake. I just have an indication of who's listening. And not even who, but how many. Finally, we're going to talk about getting people fired from their job. Is it ever right? Do you have the right to do that? I'm not talking about as someone's boss. I'm talking about as a a customer. Is it fair? Is it something that you should do as a good person because everybody has their bad days at work everybody makes mistakes everybody can't be happy and sunny every moment at work and people who work are typically doing so because they need to to support themselves and sometimes their families so even if you're treated poorly by someone in a company Isn't it a really, really messed up thing to take away their livelihood and maybe cause them to have a chain of events where they can't pay the rent, they can't afford to feed their family, etc., etc.? Isn't that overkill to do, even if you are wronged or very wronged by someone at a company? Now, I'm not talking about egregious things like if someone throws a punch at you. I'm talking about non-physical incidents where you you don't get physically harmed and where you don't get uh, scammed or you know, no criminal act occurs. So I'm not talking about getting someone fired who steals from you or scams you or harms you or even someone who threatens violence to you. Those things are a no-brainer of why you would get them fired and why they deserve it. But let's take the person who works at a company that uh, not only, you know, someone in a customer service capacity who not only fails to solve your problem, but is very, very rude and aggressive and nasty with you. At what point is it appropriate to get them fired? At what point is it even appropriate to report them? 
Because remember, you don't decide as the customer who keeps their job and who doesn't. You cannot decide that. Their boss decides that. Their boss goes, you know, if you do report them, your boss goes by the information you give, the information that they give in response, and whatever the boss can find out on their own by investigating the report you give to see if you're telling the truth. And then the boss makes a decision whether to let them go, whether to discipline them in some other way without firing them, or just to basically ignore you and dismiss you as a crackpot. And all three of these things happen when you report someone to their boss. So that's the first thing to keep in mind, that you are not firing anybody as a customer. You're not. You are reporting something that happened to their supervisor. But who likes a tattletale? I'm sure we remember back in school when you did something wrong and some jerk would go run and tell the teacher, and even though you really did what that person said, you were pissed that you, you got detention or whatever happened to you. That it wasn't any of their business. Why did they have to go run and tell the teacher? Even if you're really doing this, you weren't doing it to them. You were just doing something, you know, maybe writing graffiti on the wall or whatever, and then someone runs and tattles. You know, nobody likes a snitch. So, just because you're telling the truth to the boss, does that mean it's okay? And should you be doing that, even if it directly involves you, and you were the victim of whatever was done, provided a crime wasn't committed? But but still, the first thing to realize is that you're just informing the person who is who has either hired them or is in charge of uh, supervising them of what's going on. You're just giving extra eyes to that person, which by itself is not unethical. In fact, if you think about the process, think if you were a business owner. Wouldn't you want to know if your employees are misbehaving or mistreating your customers? Wouldn't you want to know that? Would you want to be in the dark or would you actually want to know the facts about the people working for you? I'm sure you'd want to know the facts. I'm sure you'd want to just, you wouldn't want to be blissfully in the dark as your customers don't come back. You'd want to know. Let's even take a big corporation where you're not the owner, but let's say you're a manager there. Wouldn't you want to know if the employees working under you are doing what you've asked them to do and are not doing what you asked them not to do? Wouldn't you want to know this? Wouldn't you want this feedback provided it's accurate? Of course you would as a manager. So reporting what's actually occurred to a manager you're not reporting this to an evil overlord. You're reporting this to a person who, whose job it is or whose business it is. And, and they need to know what's happening uh, at their place of business. But even if you want to take the position that it's still not your place to do it because you're everybody makes mistakes and you're going to put a bad consequence upon someone who doesn't deserve it, like getting fired or something which you may think is relatively minor, even if it was something that really got you mad and was inappropriate. you got to think of it this way, okay? I'm going to give you an example of something that happened to me. Well, I told you guys already, but I'm going to quickly recap it because I, I have just made an effort to get someone fired. And if they do, I will be happy. And I'll tell you why. 
not because I, I'm a sadist, not because I, I enjoy torturing people or making them suffer misfortune in their lives, but because uh, I feel that it's the right thing for everyone, except for perhaps the employee. Uh, in AT&T, I've, I've mentioned the thing about my disappearing iPhone 6. Uh, the situation is almost solved. The Basically... A member of my family, I went and traded in their iPhone 6 for an iPhone 7, which they basically do for free, according to a promotion they had in September. The way they do this is on your third phone bill, you start getting credits every month that will add up to giving you your money back to where the phone effectively is free. But if you don't ever get the credits, then what you've essentially just done is bought an iPhone 7 and given them your iPhone 6 for nothing. Because the only way you get paid for your iPhone 6 that you've traded in is through these monthly credits that eventually add up to the same amount of money you paid for the iPhone 7. The only catch was that you had to wait for the third month for the credits to start appearing. So it was like a three-month delay before knowing if they did this right. So we did this. We took advantage of this promotion, which was a national promotion. And... Lo and behold, there were no credits like we were supposed to get. We, we didn't get a dime for the phone, and basically AT&T got our iPhone 6 for free, and we paid full price for the iPhone 7. So it, I called customer service on July, uh, not July, uh, January 23rd, and, and I had a real hard time even explaining to them what I just told you. I had a very hard time getting them to understand it, even though I was very, very clear and slow in the way I explained it. They just... Uh, didn't exactly have the A-team of employees working there that I was reaching, and they were just uh, very confused. But the last one I got, I called six times. Five different people, five different failures. Finally got a sixth person who did understand. But then this person looked through the notes and erroneously told me, or they told me, but it was, it was based on erroneous premise, that I'm not supposed to get any credit, that I traded in my phone for nothing, that I basically gave them my iPhone 6 for free, and all I got back from it was the ability to pay for the other one in installments. <laughs> so, so basically, I gave AT&T a free iPhone 6 just so I could split up my full-price payments into installments. That's, that's a great deal, isn't it? <laughs> so I said no such deal ever exists. You know, there's, there's no indication that's what it was. You, you guys have never had that deal. I would have never done this. It doesn't make any sense. You can't even point to a deal like, like that that exists because no one would ever do it. AT&T never advertised such a thing. She didn't care. And in fact, after some time, it started to be clear that she was enjoying my frustration over this. She was refusing to listen to reason. I started to hear... You know when someone's talking to you, you can hear them smiling through their words. And I started to hear chuckling. And I could hear her telling me things that were just offensive. That, uh, like... That phone is AT&T property now. You'll never see it again. Things like that. Just trying to say provocative things. She was basically trolling me. I think it's even possible she knew I was correct, but she didn't know how to solve it, so she chose to just troll me instead. I don't know the reasons. I, can't, I, can't, I wasn't in her head. But she clearly was not, try, not only not trying to help me, she was taking enjoyment in my predicament. She was not listening to any kind of reason. She was also wrong. She could not explain how her explanation was correct. You know, I traded it in for nothing when the, the, no such deal ever, you know, no, not a deal, no such situation ever existed in AT&T's history. You always get something when you trade in your phone. 
And, and not only did she demand I accept that, but she was mocking me. The call lasted for 39 minutes. 39 minutes. Most of the time was her mocking me. I, I lied to her and said I recorded it on YouTube and was broadcasting to my subscribers to try to get her nervous. And it worked, but she didn't change her tune. She got nervous and, and tried to weakly explain herself. But uh, 39 minutes that call went. Well, after I went to the AT&T store and they investigated it, I recently got the call that I was correct. I was correct the whole way, that they didn't put the credit on properly. They're sorry. They're going to fix it for me, blah, 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 blah. It's, it hasn't been done yet, but they claim by tomorrow it should be completely fixed and I should see a large credit back on my bill for what happened. And they apologized. It was just a mistake. And when I say a large credit, they're not like a gift they're giving to me, like they're fixing the mistake. So they, they admitted to me there was a mistake. Someone screwed it up, that the customer care reps should have seen this and that anyone telling me I was wrong was incorrect themselves. Now, had it just been incompetence that someone had a hard time deciphering this situation, which admittedly was a little bit complicated, I would understand. That means they're not good at their job. It means that they're going to cause frustration for others. But that falls under the category of no one's perfect. Everyone has their bad days. Everyone makes mistakes. But when someone is spending 39 minutes on the phone with me, the majority of time making fun of me about it and mocking me, smiling and giggling as they're telling me I'm getting nothing and my phone is AT&T property now, and having the best time with watching me get frustrated that my phone was basically stolen from me by AT&T, even if accidentally. That is someone who should not have their job. They shouldn't. Why? Because I'm not going to be the only one they do that to. The next time someone calls up with a similar problem or a some other problem, completely different, but some other issue that's probably a little difficult to solve and she doesn't feel like doing it, she'll probably give them a nonsensical answer and then mock them as well. So future customers are going to be abused by this person. Who doesn't have any right to do this? That when you're hired to work for a company, you're supposed to treat customers with respect. You can't decide for yourself as an employee of the company, I don't like this person, I'm going to treat them poorly. No. If you want to do that, pay to start your own company. You invest in your own company. Put the money forth to where you survive or fail based upon the amount of business you get. And then if you want to mistreat everybody, you can. But guess what? You're not going to have any customers and you're going to lose a ton of money on that business. But when you're working for someone else, you are expected to treat their customers with respect. Why? Because it is not your choice to not do so. Because the owner of the business, the managers of the business, want you to treat the customers with respect. Therefore, that's what you need to do. If you're not, you are, then you are uh, abusing your position. Especially if it's malicious, like this case I just described. So that person should not be working at that company if they do that. Furthermore, a lot of people want those type of jobs. Every time there's a customer service rep job out there like that, there's a lot of people applying for it because it doesn't require education. It pays a lot better than minimum wage. It's something that a lot of people can do without any kind of real training. 
you know, you get, get a little bit of training when you start. But it's something that basically almost anyone can learn to do. And those are very coveted jobs. They get a lot of applications. A lot of applications, like hundreds of applications sometimes for one position. Well, obviously they have to turn a lot of people down. Qualified people get turned down. People who would have been great, dedicated employees. People who would have tried hard. People who would have treated the customer with respect. They are probably still sitting unemployed. Well, people like that are working at the job that could have gone to someone who was much more qualified, much nicer, much more dedicated, much better with customers. So why does the person who currently has the job, why is their job sacred, but the person who wants the job and is currently unemployed, why is that okay for them to sit unemployed? Why, why is the, current, the unemployed guy considered just stuck and too bad who gives a crap about him, but the person who has the job, who's doing a terrible job at it and is being malicious with their job, that their job is somehow sacred, and if you get them to lose their job, that you're an evil person. Because what happens if they lose their job? Does the job just disappear? No, somebody else gets it. This is a case of for every dream that's shattered, another one comes true. So you fire someone. Obviously, they have negative impact on their life when that happens. But guess what? Now somebody else gets the job who before was unemployed, and that improves their life. So what would be ideal is if all the best employees, if all the employees who don't abuse customers, if the employees that don't use their job to screw with people, if those people are the ones who get the jobs and replace the ones who are terrible. And replace the ones who are malicious. And what enables that to happen? Well, in part, customer complaints about the bad employees. Not only that, but you've also saved a lot of hassle for future customers that are also going to be abused by that person. Because it's not going to just be you. Usually you're not just running into that person's worst day ever. This is usually a chronic thing. They don't do it every day necessarily, but... Next time they get a situation that's kind of hard to solve and they give you a, an answer you don't like or give that person an answer they don't like and that person doesn't like it, they're going to get abused the same way you did. So by reporting behavior like this, malicious behavior, aggressive behavior, rude behavior, especially when combined with incompetence, reporting that to their supervisors and giving a true and correct account of what happened not exaggerating not making up stories not trying to make it sound worse than it is but just giving a true and correct factual account of what you went through not sugarcoated though if it, no matter what happened you know tell them the exact truth tell the supervisor the exact truth tell them how they can verify it if if necessary and then let their boss decide what happens So I want the boss of this woman to hear that call she had with me. Especially now that I've been proven right, that I was right the whole way. But that not only was she wrong, but she got aggressive, rude, and nasty with me about what she insisted was right and wasn't, and then mocked me. I want her boss to hear that and then decide if that's the type of person they want working there. And hopefully the answer is no. And hopefully she's booted out. And hopefully they replace her with 
a great person who's currently unemployed who would really, really like that job and really needs that job to support their family but can't find any work right now. Wouldn't that be a great trade? Now, I'm not saying the person that replaces her will necessarily be perfect. It's very possible that they are uh, going to be flawed themselves, but they really probably can't be much worse than this. I'll tell you when I don't go try to get someone in trouble, and that's if there's an honest mistake. Even if I determine the person's kind of clueless and doesn't really know what they're doing, and it's not so much an honest mistake, but they're just not very smart and not very good at their job, a lot of times I still won't say anything because I kind of feel bad for them. I I feel like this is going to be a person who's going to struggle their whole life with uh, this type of thing and to get them fired when they've tried hard but just not not gotten the job done properly. You know, yes, it's probably better for future customers not to have them in the company. It's probably better for the company that they're gone, but I don't want to be the jerk to cause it for someone that's earnestly trying hard, but not for someone who who's incompetent and nasty. So if you call up customer service and you get great service by someone who's competent, knowledgeable, polite, and they solve your problem in a short time and you hang up going, wow, I was kind of worried this wasn't going to go well, but this went better than I could have expected. They solved everything. The call was over in eight minutes. Wow, I'm happy. I can go on with my day. Stop for a second and go, wait a minute. Maybe that person replaced an awful employee who would have just made the call hell for me and made my day hell. And maybe that replacement happened because someone like me complained about the bad person, the bad employee. I'm not saying a bad person, but at least the bad employee. So that's when I do it. A lot of people who work in a job where they have to interact with the public and where they have some kind of power over a situation where they have to solve something for the customer, where there's some kind of billing issue, where uh, there's a lot of different ways it can be, but where they're working for a company and they have some kind of power at the moment to either solve something for the customer or make the customer's life miserable. Sometimes the power goes to their heads and they enjoy being the one in charge. And if they take a dislike to the customer, then they passive-aggressively screw with them. And they think, well, they deserve it. This customer is an asshole. I have a right to screw with them. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you work with customers, you have to do the job properly, no matter what you think of them. Because it's not your place not to. You don't own the business. So... That's when I report, when I reported that restaurant assistant manager in Lake Tahoe who shouted at me in front of everybody, telling her, telling me not to tell her how to manage. Again, I was the one who was correct. I was proven correct. But she tried to humiliate me in front of the, the other guests because I wasn't accepting her nonsensical answers. And then she shouts at me and runs and walks away. I wanted her boss to know about that too. Not supposed to do that. And I told her, the last thing I told her before I left, 
I said, even if you don't like the customer, even if you think the person's a jerk, you do not shout at them. You do not scold the customer. If you cannot help yourself, if you feel you must verbally attack customers, then you should be working in the back somewhere where you will not interface with anyone who is patronizing the business. So, I think it's a good thing when those type of people get fired. Because there's people looking for jobs out there, and the job doesn't disappear. Only that person's position does. But someone else will get that position who's probably a lot more deserving. But with that said, I tend not to want to get people in trouble if what they did was not either malicious or rude or aggressive or super negligent. When I say super negligent, I mean that they, uh, they're just absolutely not trying. They're absolutely checked out, absolutely not trying at all to help. For example, if I'm in a restaurant and the server disappears for 45 minutes, they may not be doing it maliciously, but uh, that's obviously something that shouldn't be done. That's, that's what I put as super negligent. So, I, that's probably not legally negligent, but uh, you know what I mean. Something that while it may not, it's, it's incompetence or lack of caring, more, more lack of caring about their job to such an extreme that it's ridiculous and you've got to say something. So don't ever worry about getting someone fired if if they've if they've been abusive or rude to you like really rude. I don't mean that they don't smile at you or if they seem a little bit gruff. I mean like outright nasty and rude creating confrontations, mocking you, laughing at you, whatever it is. Uh don't feel bad about getting those people fired. Don't. Now you may say Druff, you are saying this as a Jew who never had to have one of these jobs. If you were in this position, you would have days like that too. You don't understand. Wrong. Wrong. I do understand. You may think I don't understand. But I do understand. And if you think I don't understand... My answer to that is... You would try to negotiate oh, national... De- there no, is that of the wrong. United States. Absolutely wrong. Proved. <laughs> I didn't expect to have Hillary there. I just wanted him to say wrong, wrong, wrong. Hey, that soundbite didn't work. But the way I know is because when I was much younger, I worked in some crappy minimum wage jobs with the public, with customers who did not treat me well. With customers who were rude to me. Did I ever go off on them? No. Was I ever rude to them? No. Did I ever fight back with them? No. Did I ever take out anything on them through my job? No. What did I do? I took it. Did I like them? No. Did I think the customer was a jerk? Yes. 
Did I hate my job at that moment? Yes. But why didn't I go off on them? Because it was not my place to do so. Because I knew I was working for a company and I knew this would not be allowed. I knew that's not what I was there for. I knew that was not my right to do as an employee of the company. I could not insult customers. I could not mock them. I could not passively, passive-aggressively do things to make their lives miserable. I could not do these things because I was working a job where that was inappropriate. So, yes, I did work those type of jobs. Yes, I did experience some of the frustrations that low-wage workers go through. I actually do have sympathy and empathy for those who work lower-wage jobs and are mistreated at work, sometimes by supervisors, sometimes by customers. Uh, sometimes they're exploited and you know, made to work unpaid overtime that they shouldn't be. You know, laws are broken. All these type of things happen. I, I've seen some of it. Some of it happened to me. Some of it I, I watched happen to people I knew. Sometimes I'd even advise, you know, later on, I, I advised people I knew on, on how to assert their rights at work. And having those type of jobs actually gave me uh, some insight. I was pretty young, but I, I got some insight that, wow, this is what these workers go through. Wow, this is kind of a shitty existence. Wow, this is, uh, this is tough. Wow, this is kind of stressful. Wow, you know, I, I feel bad for some of these people. I know I'm not going to have these type of jobs my whole life. I, I, I knew that myself at, those, at that age. But I, I knew there would be some people who would, and I felt bad for them. I felt that this was something I hadn't really seen from the customer standpoint before that, or really thought about. But at the same time, it does not entitle you to be nasty or abusive with customers, especially ones that are not being nasty or abusive to you. And just because the customer disagrees with your conclusion does not mean that you should be nasty to them. Because sometimes you will be wrong, like Donald Trump says. <laughs> with the Lake Tahoe assistant manager, she was wrong regarding the RCs and the exchange rate. This AT&T rep saying that I am getting zero for my phone and that's correct was wrong but they were convinced that I was the one who was wrong and that me not accepting their answer was some sort of insult to them and that they have to derisively insult me or scold me for not taking their answer as gospel. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. When, I remember one time when I threatened to report an employee who had uh, been abusive toward me and also incorrect with what they were telling me. It wasn't in one of these situations. It was a few years ago. And they said, oh, I see. So now you're trying to blackmail me. If I don't do exactly what you want, you're going to try to get me in trouble. I said, no. I'm just going to go to your boss and give them a true and correct account of everything that occurred. And then they will decide what the right thing to do is. I said, I'm not going to tell a single lie. I'm going to give a very accurate report on everything that happened here. And then 
the ones here that have made the rules on how to treat customers, then they will decide whether uh, you were right or not. And if I was wrong, then uh, everything would be fine. <laughs> okay. I'm going I'm to get people complaining that I ranted too long about this. In the chat room, FPS Russia says, Druv, quit sugarcoating. We know you manufacture these situations. AT&T would never give away a new iPhone 7 for free. You like to shake down businesses. No, they did in September 2016. They had a national promotion that if you had an iPhone 6, you could trade it for an equivalent iPhone 7 for free. And if you wanted to upgrade it, like let's say you had an iPhone 6 with upgraded memory, and you wanted an iPhone 7 also with upgraded memory. Well, it doesn't matter if your iPhone 6 had upgraded memory or not. Uh, it was just treated as a regular iPhone 6 for the trade-in. And at that point, if you wanted to upgrade the iPhone 7 from the bottom memory that they were giving with it, then you'd have to pay like $100, $200, whatever you want to upgrade the memory to. That was the only thing you would pay. But if you wanted to go from, if you wanted to get a basic iPhone 7 in exchange for your iPhone 6, it was free. Not something for me a national promotion that was emailed to me and to millions of people who were AT&T customers. So there's no shakedown. This was not a, a concession they gave us. This wasn't a special thing they did for us because of a bad customer service experience. No, this was a national promotion. It was a good one. I I, I don't even understand why it was so good. I mean, they uh, usually trade in suck. If you bring in your iPhone 6, they'll give you like $200 off an iPhone 7, and that's not going to get you very much for a, you know, you can sell that phone on eBay for way more money. So usually trade-ins are terrible. Usually trade-ins of all types are terrible. Trading your car sucks. Trading in phone sucks. Trading in anything usually sucks. But here it was a rare case where it was good. It just wasn't implemented right. It just I didn't get the money back I was supposed to. And then getting them to recognize that and solve it was a big problem. So I I don't sugar I'm not sugarcoating, I'm not manufacturing situations. I've known people who do that. They they make up stories to get things for free or they take something that happened and they way exaggerate it so they get something extra. I don't do that. But I will give the true and correct account of what happened. If, and if it was pretty bad, then they're going to hear it pretty bad. And sometimes if I feel that all the trouble they put me through, I'd like them to do something for me, I'll ask for it. Sometimes I don't have to ask. Sometimes they'll just tell me, well, you know, sorry about this, we'll do such and such for you. I haven't even asked for anything for this AT&T situation, other than honoring the promotion I, I signed up for, which they actually have to do by law. In fact, if, if they had denied me when they when I had the store research this, the store was very good. I, I, I was very impressed with the store. The store had great employees. They were very attentive to this. They were They listened to me. They researched it well. Stores, they, they're the ones who solved it. So congrats to them. The reason they were able to solve it is because once they were on my side, then the escalation department at AT&T took them seriously. Whereas, number one, I couldn't speak to that department like they could. And number two, as a customer, they don't give me as much respect as they do employees of the store. So uh, anyway, 
had I failed at the store level too, I was going to sue them in small claims. I, I've, I've never sued a business in small claims before, like a like a corporation, but I was going to because I, I, I was legally in the right. I did not get what was promised to me. I redeemed a promotion that was then not given to me when they, they sold me a phone under false pretenses. That's exactly what happened. It may not have been intentional, but that's what happened. So, but I didn't ask for anything extra. I did. I just want the person. I wanted the, the, the error fixed, and then secondarily, I wanted the person who was really, really nasty to me throughout the thing and used it to mock me to lose their job. Lou Father's like, hey, wait, did Todd get the new iPhone? I, I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I haven't got anything yet, but they're supposed to solve it by tomorrow, and I believe it. Sometimes you just get the feeling like it's it's going to be done, it's going to be over, it's going to be solved. So, from everything I've heard, it looks like it's about done. Oh, I, I want to tell you guys like something not on the on the agenda. Totally different topic. Totally, totally, totally different topic. But uh, I, I've been flying my drone around, and. I started finding that the picture was a little bit distorted. And I was like, wait a minute, I have a 4K camera on it. Why why am I getting this distortion in the middle? Sometimes you get distortion on the controller that you're using to fly it. But that's because the image is being transmitted from the drone to the controller. And if the transmission is not perfect, it can get a little distorted or even disappear for a second. But I don't care about that. I care about what the drone itself records. And that's not transmitting anything. It's just recording it to an SD card in the drone. So that should be perfect. And I'm going, what the hell? Why is there this, this this blurry spot kind of in the middle? So I thought, I bet the lens is dirty. So I, I wiped it down and I saw that there was something I couldn't get off. And that's because there was a scratch. FPS Russia. He just said, oh shit, here comes... Here comes the story of uh, a free drone. (laughs) But it turned out there was a scratch on it already, and I have no idea how this happened. Because my drone has had like two minor crashes. One time when it landed, it just kind of fell over. Another time I I ran the battery too low, and it decided it's going to auto-land. Like, it just took over and decided it was going to come down, and then it happened to be, like, right above this little... this. I was actually flying in my backyard, and, and this little place that Ben has was there, and it landed on that, so crashed into that. But it wasn't from either of these crashes, because I looked at the video I had taken, and, and the blurry spot showed up before these crashes had occurred. So it wasn't from the crashes. In fact, the... I'll say this, the drone in its two minor crashes, there's not even a speck of damage on it of any kind. And it flies fine. So that's not a problem. But I was very disturbed that there was a scratch on the camera. I said, oh my God, this is going to be expensive. Where do I even take this thing? How how do I... uh, 
Yeah, what do, it's, it's not a 360 camera. Lou Father's asking, is it a 4K camera and 360? You know, it, it can't spin around 360 degrees. I have to actually spin the drone around. I can only move the camera up and down. And then I have to move the drone to uh, do anything to go 360. I think that's what you're asking. Anyway, I thought this is going to be hundreds of dollars, and I'd have to find some place that was competent to, to make this... Uh, exchange. And then I realized, wait a minute, maybe it's just the cover over the lens and not the camera. Well, I was right. And upon reading some forums, I said, oh, good. It's it's actually a, a removable part that you can twist off. It's meant to twist off. And it's called the UV filter, but it's really just like a cap for the lens that it, that stays on when you fly the drone. That just kind of protects the lens. And that's what got scratched. I have no idea how it happened because there was no other crash other than those two and it happened before the crashes. But somehow that damn lens got scratched. But I found out that the part's only $38, which is even kind of expensive for what you get. It's just this little thing that screws on there that is glass that shouldn't be $38. But I was relieved that it was only $38 and I could fix it myself. So I've never been so happy to pay $38. So I ordered a new one. It's coming in the mail. My drone will take clear pictures again. I just got to wait for the weather to get better. The, the weather has been so not conducive to flying drones. Every day is either been windy or rainy. Like it, it's either raining or or drizzling or it's it's clear and windy. And, and none of these conditions you can fly a drone. At least not this type of drone, because it can't get wet. And it cannot fly in wind over 22 miles per hour. So, I've had days I want to take it. I can't. I imagine once we get out of winter, probably most days will be appropriate for it. Because there's very little rain after around April. And not that much wind. So... Lou Father's saying, when I was in Las Vegas, it was like 45 to 60 and shitty as hell. That's kind of like the winter. That that is pretty much the winter in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, some people get the mistaken impression that since it's so hot during the summer, you're in July and it's over 110, you go, okay, well, I I bet the winter's probably nice. I I bet the winter's probably, you know, 70s, maybe even 80s during the day. That's what I got to do, come in the winter. And then they come in the winter, they're like, what the hell is this? Now, it's not by any means bitter cold compared to a lot of places on the East Coast or the uh, pretty much anywhere inland in the northern or central U.S. It's, it's downright warm, but it is not what you may expect. Las Vegas in the winter is kind of cool. It's uh, often windy. It's often in the 40s or 50s during the day, in the 20s and 30s at night. Sometimes it'll be in the 60s during the day on the better days of the winter. Very, very rarely does it reach 70 in the winter. Very rarely. So if you get 60-something during the day in Vegas in the winter, you're, you're doing a good job. You're not, but you're, you got lucky with the weather. So if you, you take a Vegas trip in January or December and the high 63, you, you've hit good weather. You can have cold spells where it doesn't even reach 40. It's unusual, but I living there, I've had it where the highest 34 or 35. 
it's not uncommon at all for the high to stay under 50 all day and be windy. So it kind of feels especially cool. So again, it's not like uh, you're in Buffalo, New York or Milwaukee. But it's not nice and pleasant out there. It's not what you'd picture. It's not even like going to L.A., which can also be kind of cool during the day in the winter. But some people have this mistaken impression. They they believe that L.A. is like Florida in the winter, and it's usually not. And they believe that Las Vegas is like L.A. in the winter, and it's usually not. Now, let's see. I bet I'm going to be wrong. But let, let me look up. But the weather is right now. Welcome to Weather Radio. This is great content here. I've only been on for six and a half hours, so I, the show's been too short. I don't want to end it yet. The L.A. area right now is in the 50s, mostly high 50s, and that's because it's very foggy around L.A. right now. So when it's foggy, it doesn't get as cold at night. This is actually very warm for this time of year in L.A., at this time of night to be 58, 57. The day wasn't warm, but the the night is warm compared to the usual. Taking a look at Las Vegas, 53. And it was actually 76 today. Shocking. That's very unusual. But February is warmer than January, by the way. February already starts to improve. I'm talking about December and January. Those are the two cold months in Vegas. Right now, Vegas is 53. Lou Father saying, L.A. is nothing like Vegas, thank God. Florida is awful. Well, in the summer, Florida Florida is awful. But Florida is nice in the winter. It is nice. And, and this is someone from L.A. This is It's nice to go to Miami and barring a cold spell or barring when it rains to go outside at night and it's 75 degrees in December. You don't get that in L.A. L.A., you don't even get 75 during the day most days in in the winter. You have short periods of time where it's like that, but for the most part, it's in the 60s and 50s. So to get uh, summer-like weather in Florida with warm ocean water, in December, January is very nice. What's not so nice in Florida is the winter. Blue Father's saying, oh, I met the people in Florida. <laughs> yeah, our listener, Pooh, he's going to be happy to hear that. <laughs> he, uh, he takes great pride in Florida. When people insult Florida, he gets mad. But... Yeah, Florida is very nice in the winter weather-wise. There's something really nice about you walk outside and it's just warm. Not hot like Vegas in the summer. Like you walk outside, it's 100 at night. It sucks. But you walk outside and it's 76. That's really nice. because You, you walk out and psychologically you say, okay, it's dark. It's going to be cold. And then you step outside and it's all nice. You're like, ah, this is nice out here. There's no sun beating down on me. It's still warm. Lou Father also asking, have I gone to the Keys in Florida? Yes, I've gone there a few times, including in 2015. 
And one thing I'll say about the Keys, though, is if you're going to Key West, it's going to be a slow drive through all the Keys. Key West is the last key. It's a slow drive. Kind of interesting because you you pass over a lot of bridges. It's like a giant bridge interrupted by some islands in the middle of it. But a giant bridge from mainland Florida all the way over to uh, Key West. It's funny. You look at it on a map and you, you show someone who doesn't know about the Keys and you go, you can drive here. They're going to go, what? How can you drive here? Like This is an island. This is like an island like 10 islands deep. How can you possibly drive here? But you can. You can drive to Key West. It looks like on a map you can't, but you can. Lou Father saying he drove from Detroit to Key West. Wow, that's, that's some drive. Um... I think the longest drive you can make is uh, Key West to Fairbanks. I think that's the longest drive you can make or something around there. Something in Alaska. I think it's Fairbanks. That would be some weather change, too, if you went in the winter in Fairbanks to Key West. I actually knew some people who drove from Anchorage to somewhere in New Jersey. And for a stupid reason, <laughs> they drove for a internet bulletin board meetup. <laughs> when I was in college, there were actually internet bulletin boards, kind of a precursor to forums. These were not ones you'd dial into. You would actually connect over the internet, but not the web. There was no web then. You would, it was all text, but um, people from all over the country were on this thing, including some people from Alaska, and they had a meetup in New Jersey. Now, the thing was based in New Jersey, so it was mostly New Jersey people on there, even though people could connect to it from anywhere in the world. So I was connecting from California. There weren't that many Californians on there. Most people from the East Coast, most from New Jersey, but there were these Alaskans on there, and they had this meetup, and they actually, like a guy and a girl, and I think one other person there, they were going to drive from Alaska all the way to New Jersey. And I, I just decided, just out of curiosity, I was never going to do this, but I said, hey, would you guys be able to swing by Southern California and pick me up? And they said yes, <laughs> which which would have made the drive even a lot longer, because at least... Uh, you know they're they're not they don't have to go as far south if they could just stick north. You know they have to come south from Anchorage, but then once they get uh, into Washington or whatever, then they uh, or Oregon, whatever's same latitude as uh, where they're going to New Jersey, they could kind of just hang up there on whatever interstate's there and cross the country that way. Here they'd have to go all the way south to Southern California, and they were going to do it. So. Yeah, Lou Father's saying it's 71 hours that drive. Yeah, it was something brutal. And then they were willing to come get me in Southern California. And these people didn't even know me. So then I felt bad for asking them if they were willing to do that. 
And they actually did it as far as I know. I mean, I didn't go to that meet. I wasn't going to go 3,000 miles to just meet strangers I didn't care about that much. That's crazy. Um, I, mean, I guess if you make a full road trip out of it and stop at places that you want to, you know, sites you want to see, and maybe if you're with people you like, either close friends or a romantic partner, then that could be okay. But what about going back though? Like, okay, you go there, but now you got to go back and <laughs> pass this, most of the same places. Like, now you just make the killer drive on the way back. Like, at least if you're going to do that, rent like a one-way car. <laughs> Return it there and then fly back. Now, I have driven 5,000 miles before on a road trip, but that was like a kind of a circle sort of thing, like a loop. And it was over a period of time, and it was like a sightseeing trip, which just added up a lot of mileage over time. But like, I have a destination to drive that many miles. It's crazy. Okay, people, are you still listening? Still listening? Anyone still out there? I know Luke Father's out there. I know some of you archive listeners are out there. Some of you actually just want me to keep talking. Some of you just say, I love the long shows. Don't end it. I'm not bothered by these things just dragging on. There's some people who complain. Some people say, why didn't you end this earlier? Why didn't you cut the show down to four hours? Well, Why? <coughs> That's one reason why I'll cough if I do, do it too long, but if you don't like the end of the show where we just talk about a lot of random topics, then turn it off. You're not going to miss any of the main content. And some people just like the length. They just they just want to keep hearing me talk. If they're at work, they're grinding poker, whatever, whatever they're doing to pass the time here. Uh... There's a poker dealer from Vegas who listens to this show sometimes, at least. I don't know if she listens to all the episodes, but she she's from Alaska. Her, she's Alaska Gal One on Twitter. If you want to follow her, her name's Christy. She, she's very nice. Uh, but she tweeted to me a thanks for doing such a long show because she needed things to. Uh, keep her occupied on her very long drive from Alaska back to Vegas. So I wasn't even sure she was still listening, but I guess uh, if you got to find a podcast or a radio show to pass a lot of time on a long drive, this is a good one. So if that's what you're doing, if you're passing time driving or at work, or whatever you're doing that is some kind of mundane activity, that you just need somebody in your ear keeping you company in some way. Then I'm glad that I can help. I'm glad my words are not falling upon deaf ears. I'm glad that there are people who want to listen, and even if the radio show does not have a massive audience of hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or millions. At least it's over 1,000. At least I've got a four-figure audience. 
And I have new people pretty much every week messaging me, telling me they listen. And I appreciate those messages. Always interesting to hear from those that have been listening. Some have been listening for many years and never said a word. But keep in mind that I really am doing this show for the listener, not for myself. If I hated it, I wouldn't do it. But I'm really doing this because I know people want to listen. And when I know people get enjoyment out of this show, or it helps them in any way, then it makes me feel good that the time has been well spent. And this is not BS. I'm just uh, just telling you that there's got to be some motivation to do this. And it's not money, obviously. And I, you know, I'm not getting anything tangible out of it. So the only thing is audience response. Once in a while, the show can be useful in a practical way. I can put out a request for some kind of help, and sometimes people will give it to me. I try not to do that much. I can uh, sometimes threaten to expose something if I'm not being treated fairly in some way uh, involving poker or gambling. I can cite this show and mention that I'll tell everyone about it. Sometimes that helps. By the way, if you ever get screwed by some sort of casino or some kind of gambling entity or a person in poker or gambling... If you want to tell them you're going to come on this show and mention it, go ahead. I'll put you on. But yeah, I'm I'm this isn't a venture to enrich myself. So it's really for the audience. Appear in poker saying a prag call. I don't even know what to call right now. Okay, I might as well shut this down. This is one of the longer rambles I've done in in recent memory. Now, it wasn't a ramble like this. Seriously! I'm sitting here unemployed. Why why do they fucking hire me? I could call a fucking game plan better than they could. It's insanity! (laughs) Hey, by the way, how much money did I lose on on the ticket? Here's all my losing tickets, right here. See this? personal. It's not the money. It's the fucking EV mathematics. Like, how do you not have, like, not have this? You're, you're a fucking NFL coach. And by the way, oh, this liquor right here. You see this liquor? I got this in Romania. This is Eastern European, the real thing from Havana Club. This is from, from Cuba's Castro. Cuba's Castro. This is Castro's Cuban. I only break this out. You know what? And I really need some help. That's how, that's how rough this one was. In 20, sorry, this was 1989, 90. This is 27 years, and I go to this as my misery. <laughs> okay, we're coming back next week, but check the Poker Fraud Alert Twitter. We may not be on Wednesday. After we had two Wednesdays in a row, and I felt so good that we were keeping on schedule. 
now we're going to go off schedule again, but I, I probably can't help it because I don't think Benjamin's mom's going to be around to watch my son, and that means somebody has to watch him, and if it can't be her, it has to be me. So, then I can't do the show next week on February 15th, if that's what happens. But I, I think, last I heard, I believe she can make it. It keeps changing. So I'll let you guys know on twitter.com slash pokerfraudalert. I will let you guys know if there's any change. I think it can be on Wednesday, though. And I think it will be the following Wednesday on the 22nd. But don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. Thank you for listening to Poker Fraudler Radio. You know, we'd end up with five shows in February if there were only 29 days this year, but there's not, so we will only have four February shows and then probably a March 1st show. That is all for tonight. Thank you, Calwatt. Thank you, Trader Risky. Thank you, bad guy. Good night. And shalom.